Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. The Sunday Session is brought to you by More Beer, who has just opened their East Coast Distribution Center and is now shipping orders from California and Pennsylvania. Check them out at morebeer.com. Great beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. I'm jet propelled at all times. (laughs) How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example. And this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think it's bullshit. (laughs) I think it's bullshit too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. No. We're going to teabag fight. (laughs) You heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high five? Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. All right. Hello. Welcome to the program. Thanks for hanging out with us. It is The Session. Back live from the studio this week after... uh, a little bit of off time. The Great American Beer Festival is, is in between the Forgot time that uh, we've been here. We well, went to another to festival, my personal festival afterwards. I think. When you got home? Yeah, yeah, I've been partying ever since. It's amazing. I, <laughs> I must have behaved myself pretty well there, I'm thinking. To be able to keep partying. I know, I haven't stopped. Yeah, I can't I can't do that. I come home from the JBF and hibernate. Well, I did take Saturday night off. Uh, didn't do much at all, in fact. Uh, oh, at the, uh, of, the, of the JBF? Yeah, I didn't go to the... I didn't go... I was out for a while, then I said, ah, screw this, I'm going to... Yeah. Did you... I kind of took uh, uh, every night off, as a matter of fact, myself. Uh, after the convention was over, I pretty much had a beer, dinner, and, and went to bed. Well, that's a, you're working the thing. You, you're not really going there as a fesco. You're there as a... Yeah, but I think I'm old now because I used to do both. You know, I used to get out and yeah. I, was, I was just as tired, sure. but my brain used to say, you know, oh, let's go out anyway. And, right. and this time I was, like I said, just as tired, but my brain sort of agreed with my body and said, let's go to bed. And that's kind of what happened. I just did see where people were meeting you in the hotel lobby bar. That seemed to be your, like, you'd station yourself there. Yeah. Just not ready to give up the fight quite yet. <laughs> well, yeah, because at least I felt there I wasn't out running around and fighting a crowd. Well, you weren't. And that's, you know, probably a plus, too, because that's, yeah. so that's a lot of what you do there on the, uh, after the festivals. You go out there and you big crowd of people. Yeah. There was a lot of parties afterwards, too. 
Right, which is pretty much what I avoided. Yeah. Do you think a good ambassador leader uh, can't hang? Are there a lot of examples of leaders in history that couldn't hang? Like, do you think Eisenhower was like, you guys go storm the beach, I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> right. Well, I think uh, Eisenhower didn't have to, did he storm the beach for eight years? Because that's what I've been doing, I feel like. I feel like this, uh, on my ninth GAVF or whatever it was, on my eighth GAVF, I've my my legs are tired. I feel like there was there was eight years packed into that one operation. Sure, yeah, yeah, probably so. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just that's the way my life is going. Oh, you downhill, <laughs> downhill. Yeah, <laughs> I just I, I had a really nice time. Actually, I had a, a great JBF and I had fun. I just it was fun. Didn't feel quite as much of the need to go. Uh, be elbow to elbow at Falling Rock every single night. Yeah, that gets old. You know. Yeah, the Berg Network had a really great booth. It really looked good. We had a double double size. I yeah, think. it looked really wonderful. Your cardboard Thank cutout you. looked really realistic this year, Tasty. I saw <laughs> yes. a couple of pictures with listeners standing <laughs> really? next to it. I, I could have sworn it was you. I, I, I saw the post. It looked too. almost I, a little bit bigger than me. I guess I couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, that thing is so. Oh, by the way, uh, Justin. Yeah, that thing's. It's done. Decommissioned. I know. I, I needed to get one more year out of it. Okay. Uh, we hadn't taken a new photo of you this year. Otherwise, it would have been decommissioned well, the old already. photo. Just making him bigger. And uh, no, that's the problem. The old photo wasn't high res enough. Had I done oh. it, it would have been all... You, you'd look worse oh. than you did. So believe me, I did you a favor <laughs> by reusing that shitty thing. I'd rather be a picturely big guy than, <laughs> than a, a tight-focused uh, little defaced, guy. Defaced uh, little guy? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> it, you fit with the doc... You know, Doc cut out. Yeah, he so. was even unusually small as well. Yeah, even for Doc. Well, and then we had a giant JP. Yeah, that so cat, that's what did it. Last year it looked, it looked fine right. with the regular size JP or undersized JP. Yeah, and undersized Tasty, but full size JP kind of. I kind of really like how it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll make you I, now, Doc. He'll he's stuck that way for a couple years while oh, we use him. But I, you'll get oh, a new one next tight. year. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, Doc. He's you're you're in the rotation. He's out. I, see. I thought it was going to be a one year joke. No. no. No, it's probably a good couple years. I, I bought the more durable kind this time, too, so you're probably in a couple years like that. Did you wipe me down afterwards? <laughs> it is, the oh, funny yeah. thing is, that is how it's described, that it's cleanable. It's washable. So It's, it's sad that it has to be. <laughs> yeah. Such as life. All those greasy little beer fingers. Right. Uh, all right, we got uh, plenty to do today, and it's good to be back in the studio. Um, thanks to our sponsor, More Beer. You can go to morebeer.com right now and check them out. And by the way, they're shipping uh, from a new location out in the Midwest now, too. So shipping gets to you faster and easier. Yeah, out from Pennsylvania there. Um, so thanks to our sponsor for bringing you this session and every session that we do. Our guest tonight is Joshua Bernstein. He's back on the program. He's the author of the new book, The Complete Beer Course, Boot Camp for Beer Geeks. And you might remember he was on the show um, just a couple years ago, I guess now, huh? Yeah, December 2011. We definitely were in uh, Pacheco then. Oh, yeah. I see, I've seen the pictures of him back there. And yeah. He's smaller than you, too, Doc. I think he's a little guy. I have no complaints with that. <laughs> So Josh is back on the program today. We're going to talk to him about his new book, The Complete Beer Course. I've been looking it over, and uh, a very well laid out and well thought out book. I think uh, people are going to enjoy it. He seems to have everybody in the world, in the beer world, uh, writing a recommendation on the back of it. He's got uh, Papazian and Jim Cook and Garrett Oliver and uh, you Just, name it. Justin Crosley. Yeah, everybody but me. That's what you get when you have a real publisher. Yeah. They get like actual people to give you quotes. <laughs> right. They don't call me. That's a good point. Uh, so we'll be doing that today, and uh, also uh, we're going to be talking to our good friend Michael Fairbrother uh, from Moonlight here in just a minute. We've got a couple of things to do real quick, but uh, we got to desire 
one of the uh, Moonlight Meads in front of us. We're going to. Oh, sorry, Destiny is this one, not Desire. Yeah, because this one. Oh, I thought delayed. JP said it was new, and he's right. Because I because Desire we've had, I believe, but we've well, not had Destiny. Names, yeah. Oh yeah. I think my, we'll have to ask Michael about that if he names his meads after strippers. Destiny, his favorite strippers. Desire. I wonder if they smell like strippers too. Nightingale. Like powder. Yeah, <laughs> that's how he. That's how he molds the aromas too. It's yeah. on his stripper memories. Well, Give we'll it up for Desire. <laughs> Destiny's up. All right, couple of quick announcements. If you're looking for any of our coverage of the Great American Beer Festival, you can go to thebrewingnetwork.com slash GABF. And all of our videos are up there, including the award ceremony. But our Brewer's Feud, and I uh, did a nice interview with Jim Cook on there, and there's some stone barrel-age panels on there. Uh, there's a 2012 medal-winning panel. Uh, basically, everything that we did from the Brewer's Studio Pavilion this year is up on our live stream page, and you get there just by going to thebrewingnetwork.com slash GABF. You can also watch uh, live streaming of this studio right now by going to thebrewingnetwork.com slash TV, uh, and that'll take you over to our live stream page. I assume we're up and running, right, JP? Uh, we have no video. I've hmm. tried rebooting and still no video, but we have audio. Hmm. Audio on the video? Hmm. They did that to us last time. I think we tried to use our... We have a new... We did this uh, high-definition streaming from the GABF, so really high-quality video, but we can't yet do it in the studio, so I went back to our old computer. I wonder if that's the deal. Hmm. I'll take a look at it at the break, uh, but typically you can watch the stuff over there. We'll see if we can fix up. Uh, we announced our Winter Brews Festival date a couple weeks ago, and more details are to follow. But all you need to know right now is that it's Saturday, January 25th from noon to 4. It's back in Concord for our third year in Toto Santos Plaza. And we're excited to be back there. Again, it's just a great venue. Um, we already have our musical guests confirmed. Forrest Day is coming back. And Lucas Ohio Patty who was on the show was here uh, a few weeks ago. Well, it's real good. Yeah, it's going to be a good music lineup. JP's working hard on getting some great food out there for us, and the beer lineup will be shaping up very soon. We already have some good vendors coming. <clears throat> great. Got the Best in Show hot dogs back. Jesse and his wielding his fabulous, juicy, plump hot dogs. I love his wiener cart. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Dan from Slow Hand. Oh, yeah. Local barbecue oh, guy. They'll that's be there. great stuff. I love his Slow Hand. It's pretty good, right? Yeah. And then we have a new vendor, well, besides the, the Slow Hand, uh, Voodoo Van. I love Voodoo Van. <laughs> they have pretty good. Uh, they have pretty good food. Uh, you know, fried uh, potatoes stuffed with cream cheese and parsley. Wow, just like little like tasty kind of finger foods. So it sounds um, like you can't eat anything that will be at our Winterfest this year, JP. Right, with your new uh, cholesterol problem or whatever it is you have. They have something called the Kong fried fluffer nutter with marshmallow fluff, peanut butter, salted banana, mm. battered and rolled in cocoa krispies. Holy shnikes! <laughs> I know it's gonna be great. I didn't understand it. Oh, man. Boy, I didn't even know we had Fluffernutters on the West Coast. I haven't heard of Fluffernutters since I was back in Connecticut. These dudes, uh, uh, they have something they call healthy funnel cake, with just it's battered and fried green beans. Ew. Yeah, it's going to be good. That sounds disgusting. It's not. They're one of like the top 10 uh, food vans in the Bay Area for 2015. Really? Yeah. Based on that thing? Yeah. We'll have to check them out. Sounds interesting. I'm excited about it, personally. But that line's going to be really long. Yeah. Well, that's why we have more food vendors this year than we've ever had before. In fact, I think we're tripling the amount of food vendors. Uh, uh, Cheese zombies guy is in in two. Okay, good. And I'm not done yet. Wow. Yeah, so watch out. So a lot more food and hopefully a lot more beer this year at our uh, fifth. Fifth. Yeah. Fifth annual Winter Brews Fest, Saturday, January 25th. It's the weekend in between the playoffs and the Super Bowl for you Americans, so you don't have to worry about missing a thing. So, what happens if the weather's inclement? 
And are we prepared for that? We are prepared for that. In fact, we've always been prepared for it. What we'll do at that time is actually shut down all the streets surrounding the park. The city of Concord is on board of this. And we'll put up canopies on all three streets. Everything, anything we got to do to accommodate the amount of people. So we'll cover up everybody if it rains. So it's a rain or shine event. And even the stage is already covered. It has So a, rain or shine doesn't mean... If it rains, you're going to get it wet. We're still having it. It means you're going to stay Some dry. places it means that, but not ours. Not ours. I mean, you know, you might get a little damp if you got to move uh, from one street to the next street because, you know, we're not going to turn the corner. But uh, we will cover enough for everybody to fit under the tents. The, the beer pouring stations will be under the tents. So... Yeah, it's not indoors, uh, but no, no, we'll have you covered. But you know, some places they say rain or shine. Right. That doesn't mean that just means if it's going to rain, eh, we're still having it. Exactly. But we're prepared for that. We're going to have yeah, we're going to have tents. You're going to stay dry, basically. Yep. That's sounds right. Like, sounds like if it rains, the fest will be pretty intense. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be very pretty. <laughs> Thank you. And intense, but it's still going on. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. All right, new shows of Dr. Homebrew are up on iTunes and now the homepage. It's got its own little home there on the uh, Brewing Network homepage, so you can search through the episode list and download directly if you want. Uh, You can help support us by shopping on Amazon. Just click the Amazon link right there on our homepage. Do we, by chance, have an Amazon product of the week? The Super Low Rise Butt Booster in size small by Hmm. Vazazo. Wow. Someone bought it for $8.20. Super low-rise butt booster. Uh, lift from the hip. Sorry, lift the hip. Wear with shorts, a skirt, or daily outfits. Sexy, comfortable, and invisible. Hmm. It, it almost looks like a Halloween costume with the package. But this yes, one's yeah. particularly confounding because oh. it, this wasn't ordered by a male. Impossible. Well, that's what I'm or wondering. For, for a male. It was probably ordered by a male for his chick. And was it a <laughs> gift? And what kind of a gift? And how does this work? For eight bucks. Right. Um, false advertising. Those products should be banned. As seen on TV. You don't think they work, you mean? No, I mean, uh, you know, you oh, go, I look see. at that chick. Oh, man. And then you get home and you kind of like, you know, and then... Uh, Pull it and out. Then, yeah, and then she goes, oh, let me take my butt booster off real right. fast. Right. Oh, and she it's like... In water and like soaks for, it up. And it's for, like unfolding a pair of socks. Right. Or how, or how you get the first space before you get home. I mean, you felt all that out, right? I mean, yeah. No, but if it's being held up firmly, it's, well, I mean, it is deceitful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how do you tell your girl <laughs> that she needs to try on this old butt booster? You buy her one. From the BMJ But still, you buy it for her and you say, hey, honey... You got to slip this on. Yeah, you go, hey, uh, pancake ass. Right? <laughs> yeah. PA. Yeah, it basically... You think you're getting low in the front. Check out the back. Well, wow. if, she knew she had, if she knew she had a pancake ass, which they do, <laughs> then they would probably gladly take on the bus. It looks like a uh, it's like a pair of booty shorts, and then each butt cheek just has like a circular foam pad on it. Hmm. So, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a padded bra for your ass. I mean, right. it's acceptable for the chest and not the rear end. Why? Hmm. No, it's not acceptable for either because it's both false advertising. Yeah, I see. I'm I'm, well, I'm with Moscow. I don't mind me a padded bra. I'm okay with that. You know, it's a little disappointing. It's a little you, enhancement. It, I dated yeah, so I dated well, a girl once. Yeah. It was a long time ago. We were kids. Um, How old? I was probably. I think I was 21. How old, she, how old was she? She was 18. She was a kid. I was an adult. She was 18. I was 21, and. She wore a padded bra, but to the extent of like, it, no, she, not a padded bra plus like, um, toilet paper? No, did like detachable implants. Like you just put oh, them inside. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she was, okay. And, you know, she was real skinny girl and, and then had this nice little rack on her. So I was like, oh, this, this is all right. And, of course it is. Total false advertising. Cause I'm not even, t- I'm just talking about like, I had bigger, I had bigger boobs at once, once it all came out. Yeah. 
And, you know, we had this conversation where she was like, I, I have to tell you something, you know, and it was real creepy. And I was like, oh, great. She was molested. Like, it's one of those, like, she started it like that, you know, and I'm like, here we go. And the bad touch. She's got the bad touch. This is, And she's like, no, it's not what you think. And and then she just shows me. And at that point, you have to, like, say it's okay. Of course. But it wasn't okay. I wasn't okay with it. No. I mean, one of the reasons I, I, I asked her out was for her great little rack. And um, I mean, she had a, she was smart or whatever, right? Uh, but she <laughs> she could remember her name, and that's good enough. You were gonna fuck her brain. I broke up with her like a week later. I was so disappointed because it changed everything, you know. Well, and it, then plus when she pulled her wiener out, that probably ruined it. <laughs> yeah, well, that, talk about false advertising. Did your parents ever like when they're wrapping Christmas presents put? A present in a different box just yes. to fuck with you. Uh, like one year, my mom put it put like some toy or something in a chainsaw box, and I was like twelve, and I'm like, I got a chainsaw. I was super stoked, and then I opened up, it was like jeans and like suspenders. I don't know right. what it was, yeah. but I'm like, well, and that's what that is when you take off a padded anything. It's, uh, you know, it's like, oh, I thought I was getting a chainsaw. Now I'm stuck with uh, pants. Yeah, what you want to put the chainsaw in the box of jeans and so you go, yeah. you get elated instead right. of the, the, right. So what you want is the chick who, Premature you take you're like, wow, why were you keeping those things under the hoodie, baby? Yeah, you know? right. Anyway. Oh, that's what happened to uh, Middle Shoe. Yeah. Yeah, he was dating this girl. I, I saw her. And he says, well, yeah, I started dating her. And I like, yeah, she's nothing because she's wearing kind of nothing. And he goes, oh, he, he got the big present. <laughs> he goes, Whoa. In the small package. Yeah, because you're hiding those. You shouldn't hide those. It's the yeah. opposite of what the, the butt opposite. booster does. Yeah. Well, thank you for shopping on Amazon either way. I hope it boosts your butt. Either way. It's fine. You know, whatever. Uh, all right. I, I got to get going because yeah. we got to get to Michael Fairbrother here. Uh, iPhone and Android apps are available uh, just by searching BN Mobile, and then you can listen to us live on the go. Subscribe and join the BN Army by hitting the donate button. It puts you into the More Beer monthly donation giveaway. Where we uh, do a drawing for a uh, hundred bucks to spend at more beer every month, which which goes a long way. Uh, get all these updates and more over on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, uh, no, Scott no the doubt. Jew is where your show ideas go. Send them to Scott at thebrewingnetwork.com and send feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. Feedback. Um, yeah, all of those things and more. We'll be doing feedback uh, a little later in the program. Of course. Um, yeah, where we it's have, always expendable. We've got a good amount of, uh, of feedback on there, so. I'll be happy to get to it. But in the meantime, uh, we should have Michael Fairbrother on here from Moonlight Meadery. Michael, are you with us? Uh-oh, we're doubling up here. <laughs> doubling up on Michael. Michael, can you hear me? So I have a feeling that, uh, did you use Skype the other day for Dr. Homebrew JP? Uh, I tried. Talk amongst it, yourselves. I tried, but it did not work. Got Justin below that. Remember last time Justin did this? Yeah, and then we got yelled at for talking amongst ourselves. Yeah. Apparently, it wasn't as witty banter as as uh, he hates dead air much more than he hates JP. Did he end up cutting it out of the show and post? I don't know. As promised, you think I go back and listen to the show? I have better things to do, like like listen to Doctor Homebrew <laughs> every first show. Monday in this Skype. <laughs> Just promote my own show. It'll it's be fun. it's, uh, Bri- it's Brian's birthday today. The uh, one of the hosts, uh, co-host, or yeah. one of the guests, or the no, he's a co-host. Sure, right I'll yeah. promote him. I saw him at Russian River last night. He was celebrating. Yeah, he's pretty excited for getting a year older. Yeah, at your own personal festival, one of the stops on on your tours, on your weekly tours, Tasty. Yeah, I did Russian River and uh, Lagunitas yesterday, which sounds a lot like the other personal tours every other week. All right, let's try this again. <laughs> hey, Michael. Yes. There we yeah. go. All Yay. takes is putting things back where they go. How are you, brother? Great, sir. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. It's nice to talk to you again. 
Yeah, it's been an exciting night. Yeah, tell me about this. I, I hear that uh, you you accomplished something pretty significant for yourself tonight. Yeah, we were a uh, finalist in the um, uh, Sam Adams Brewing the American Dream uh, Pitch Room competition here in Boston. So several hundred people had submitted their request to get in on this. We were one of seven chosen, and we just became a finalist tonight. So we have a chance to win a $10,000 grant in two months. That's fantastic, Michael. Congratulations. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I was pretty nervous and excited all at the same time. And, you know, I get to spend 20 minutes talking one-on-one with Jim Cook about business and how to manage my company and grow it. And he was quite helpful, so it was great. Now, so he's a Harvard business grad. Uh, getting correct. to talk business with that guy is something else. Uh, that's that's quite an opportunity. Yeah, I was pretty impressed by it. And, uh, you know, they, they had me in front of a lot of cameras and everything and uh, really kind of get to showcase my passion for what I've been doing for the last three years was pretty phenomenal. If you recall, that's one thing that Jim said. I, I interviewed him about that Brewing Up a Dream program maybe yeah. two years ago now. And he said, you know, the loan is only half of it. The other half is, you know, we are there, myself included, sort of walking you, you know, hand in hand and giving you advice along the way. That's really yeah, that's amazing. exactly. They asked me what I was going to do with the money if we win. And I said, I don't care about the money. I want to, I want the, the education. I said, what we're paying the hardest amount of money for is learning by the hard way. Right. Well, that's probably a damn good answer that they liked. Yeah. You know. Do you know how many of those they've, did they tell you, Michael, how many they've done so far? It's only a handful, isn't it? Yeah, this is the first year they've done the uh, perfect pitch program, but they've done the um, like speed date uh, coaching things a couple years now. They don't do too many of them. I think it's maybe uh, maybe four per each region uh, in the last couple of years. Yeah, I don't know if it's this exact program, but we have we have a local San Francisco company that that won it, um, Mata Brewing Company, and and they had been a, a contract brewer for years and was finally able to were finally able to open their own brewing location. And I don't like I said I don't know if it was this exact program through Sam Adams, but I think it was. I think it was, and um, and they won it, and they're up and going now, and. Um, I know the owner of that. He's been on the show before. Jim is his name yeah. also. And uh, I bet he's also utilized that uh, business expertise quite a bit because he's a smart kid too. So, well, I wish you luck, Michael. I hope that works out well for you guys. Yeah, well, worst case scenario, it's going to be great press. So, I mean, no matter how it goes down from here on out, I'm just going to give it my best shot and go for it. There we go. Good for you. So in front of me tonight, we've got uh, another one of uh, a wonderful mead uh, from Moonlight called Destiny. Tell us about this one. Well, the stripper name just comes out of the blue. I don't know where that might come from. <laughs> okay, good. good. Well, <laughs> the same I, place that stripper names get their strippers get their name out of the blue. Actually, yeah. blue would be a good stripper name. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the, the creepy owner always gives them that name. Whose right. name is Blue? <laughs> yeah, Blue, give me a good name. Yeah, Destiny. Uh, <laughs> This meat started off life as Desire, our flagship meat, and we aged it in a Sam Adams Utopias barrel for uh, 12 months. So for me, it's going from Desire to Destiny, and it really kind of dries it out a little bit more, um, softens it up a, a touch, adds a little tan in the background. So you still get all the fruit and you get all the honey, but a little uh, not as sweet, which I thought you guys might enjoy. Yeah, mm. it, it's more tart, which I, which I quite like. Yeah, and you're right. It doesn't have kind of a resounding sweetness to it. You know, it's still plenty, like you said, of those fruit characters in there. So that's nice. Kind of like a like how I like a good framboise. If it's got plenty of raspberry character, but it's it's not sweet. It's more dry and tart. It, it almost resembles a nice tawny port. It's got that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's got that yeah. that kind of uh, tanniny 
barrel age kind of kind of a feel to it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say dusty. Yeah, which is another hmm. another hooker name or stripper name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was it, dusty as a penis, but it's still a stripper. Yeah, right. but uh, yeah, it, this is you're right. It's, it's much drier. Yeah, but you can still you get the honey in the finish. It's really nice. And you're right, like a little must to it. Yeah. And uh, how did you get the Utopias barrel? Did you just ask? Yeah, we um, we actually had a, another interesting story. So three years ago, I um, approached Jennifer, the brewery manager down in Boston, and I said, is there any possibility I can get a hold of one of your Utopias barrels? And she said, Michael, the dock is full. Come help yourself. Wow. So I got 20 barrels. And then I contacted um, the PR department and marketing brand manager, and I asked if I could get permission to talk about making meat in their barrels, and she said, sure. And then we asked if um, we could call it, you know, our flagship need, or one of our flagship needs is called Utopian, not Utopias. And they said, well, are you going to trademark? And I said, no. And um, they said, okay, we'll give you permission. Wow. Now, two, weeks, two weeks ago, I just got an email from them. And they were having challenges, or the market was getting confused between their beer and our mead. And I said, okay. And they were trying to ask us, we could give up the name. And I said, I would love to, but you guys gave me permission. And I gave them all the details, and they looked at it and said, you're right. And let's make it official and give you a piece of paper that says so. So we now have a signed contract. Uh, between our companies. So it looked like it was going to get a little dicey there. And um, <laughs> I can tell you, trademark disputes and stuff are no fun. Yeah. And um, But I would never want to encroach on their name without their permission. And when they gave it to us back in 2011, I was pretty excited and proud about that. And the fact that I got to spend you know 30 minutes with Jim today and the first meet he tried was my utopian was was you know I was I was grinning ear to ear yeah how tremendously reasonable of them <laughs> seriously <laughs> well and and I remember when that when utopias first came out people were calling it utopian mm. so I don't think that it that necessarily this meet is causing brand confusion I just think it's it's a it's a it's a name that nobody really uses it's a word yeah, nobody really uses all. People the time, generally so. have brain confusion, regardless well, of circumstances. Yeah. I think it's pretty nice of them to have said yes in the first place, yeah. and I yeah. think it's double nice of them to go back and go, "Well, you're right." And even though it's now become confusing for people, we're going to stand by that, yeah, and the let only, you keep it. The only people that brought it up were the lawyers. Yeah, what was yeah, your? Uh, I, I like the lawyers and all, and they certainly cost me plenty. <laughs> yeah, but you know, at least they were reasonable, and you know, I was trying to. Um, find a, a, a way to stand up and say, you know, I wouldn't have done this and I wouldn't have talked about it if I hadn't gotten permission. Right. What was and, that permission? Was it was it verbal or what? Yeah, it was verbal. And three years ago, I was pretty green and, you know, thought that, you know, getting something verbally was as good as I needed to worry about. And um, I learned a bit through that. But, yeah, you know, they, they were pretty big about it. And um, when they... You know, saw the emails I had and the communications because we were originally going to call it Cherish, and they were they were very stand up. And you know, it was you know right when we were in the GABF uh, week in uh, Colorado, so I was traveling and trying to figure out how to solve this problem. And you know, I got a hold of the people I knew and said, "Here's what I got," and they got me in touch with the right people, and Jim included, and they took care of it. So hats off to them. Yeah, now that's really great. And hats off to you, you know, for, for, for asking, you know, knowing that there's a nut, like, it would be like, oh, I have a great idea for a hop grenade and, and not Googling to see if anybody else on earth already has a hop grenade. You know, <laughs> you wouldn't do that. You would clearly 
you know, search <laughs> your good idea first. And I respect you yeah, for that, Michael. Yeah, we, we actually talked about that this last week in the metery because, you know, I've got some guys that are avid listeners of your show, and he's like, you know, you got to call Justin. He'll go nuts on him. And I'm like, I don't need anybody going nuts on him. <laughs> right. <laughs> if somebody wants to reach out and say, hey, Mike, we want to work with Moonlight Metery to, to make a bracket or do something, and, you know, I'm going to be the guy hopping on a plane to go do this stuff. Well, and see, the, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, I go nuts because people are, are – are being shitty, not because people are being reasonable like you are, you know. So right. it's just simple. And, and being shitty sucks, so fuck them. Yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of where I'm at now. The one, the one that's biting me in the ass now is also a verbal agreement. Although I did send over paperwork, but I realized when I followed the chain to follow up on it, they didn't sign and send the paperwork back. And I assumed from our verbal agreement that everything was fine. And now they're. Now it's not fine. And, I did uh, that with a roommate once. Met a roommate on Craigslist, and everything was fine. He goes, "I go, okay. Here's the paperwork to fill out," and then he didn't fill out when he came to move in. The fuck? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just to, to that's your point. To your point. To uh, to you know, get your paperwork signed, or else it could be bad. You got to get it signed. In this case, um, it was everything was fine. It worked out great. That's good. <laughs> I mean, when did I have to become the police of somebody signing back a piece of paper that I sent them? I mean, how how does that become right? Where you where you got to put your time and energy for everybody? And that's the unfortunate part. You know, I don't know. I'm sorry, this is turning into this, but uh, you know, the the new Brewer magazine that just came out uh, has a great article on this stuff, and unfortunately, it sort of indicates. You are the the watchdog of your trademark. It's an unfortunate part of our world that you're if you're not diligent about it, nobody else is going to be. And if you allow people to use it because you weren't diligent, it shows that you don't care about your trademark. So, Michael, I agree with you 100%. Who's got time for this shit? And 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 why should you feel like you'd have to anyway? I would respect somebody else. If if I come up with a great idea tomorrow and I google it and Michael or anybody else's name come up, I'm making a phone call. I'm not just going to do it willy-nilly. And that's the problem. And, and, and so, unfortunately, we are the watchdogs of our, of our own uh, trademarks, and that's going to prove difficult for anybody yeah. with a great idea. We just got the uh, registered trademark for Romance by the Glass, and uh, I can tell you when I search for romance packages on other winery or meadery tours, right. there are a few come up now. So it's, it's kind of like it's a never-ending um, quest for, you know, come up with your own idea. Uh, exactly. That would be a terrible thing to Google image search romance back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm doing that tonight, Jason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you are. Well, anyway, we'll talk more about this offline, Michael, because uh, it's not the fun part, but it's interesting stuff. Um, so tell me what you guys think. What would you uh, pair Destiny with? What do you think about the currants and the cherry and the, uh, the blueberries? Well, the first thing I think, and I know that this is kind of an easy one, but uh, chocolate. And I mean some rich chocolate to, to kind of go, like the currant and, and black cherries already have those kind of deep uh, flavors, I think, of chocolate. So that's one thing I would do it with. But I'll tell you what, I could also go with a steak on this one. Kind of like I like a big red wine, like a Bordeaux or something. This is big and deep like that, too. Yeah, I had a bison uh, filet mignon out in um, Colorado uh, last week when I was out there uh, hanging around with uh, some of the guys from the GABF, uh, my friends from um, Bravery, and us had dinner. God damn, uh, that steak was fantastic. Nice. And this would work so well with it. Yeah. It, I'd almost think like a, um, like a cream sauce on a, a, a pasta plate. Like oh, yeah. starches and so carbs. Something and rich like, like that, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, something yeah, salty. 
Uh, yeah, like a seafood yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, or even just to have it alone at dessert. Yeah. I, I'd order this over uh, yeah, a port oh, a lot easily. of times. Yeah, it'd be yeah. great with like a ch- cheesecake with like a chocolate drizzle on top. You yep. know, where it had Creme brulee. Sweetness and the chocolate character to go with these cherries. There you go. And the bottle's the perfect size to catch a little buzz while you're at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Single-serve size bottles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that's not how you market it, but, you know, I'm a lush, so when I look at it, that's what I think. I of. wouldn't go single-serve, well, maybe you and your date. <laughs> it's all about the date with that thing. What is the ABV on this one? It says this four- one's about 14%, so a little oh. bit lighter. Um, we did add a little bit more um, water to round up and hold up with the oak okay. um, from the honey and the blueberry and blackcurrant stuff, but... When you when you make this, Michael, do you do you add all the fruit at the same time, or do you get one to where it is, and then you go, okay, that's a nice level. I'm going to add the cherry now, or I'm going to add yeah. the currant now. This one was made with all the fruit added up front. So basically, we made like our standard uh, desire recipe, loosened it a little bit to put it in the barrel, and then uh, we let it age for 12 months. I had no idea how it was going to come out. Hmm. We put it in the barrel. I said, well, in 12 months, we'll try it and see how it tastes. And we pulled it out of the barrel, and it tasted fantastic. And I said, all right, <laughs> let's bottle it. Well, I hope you're doing more barrel aging, because like like we found out in, with beer over the last several years, it, it barrels do mead just great. I love the characters that come out of it. Yeah, we're up to 40 barrels now. We, um, we While we were up visiting Crooked Stave in Denver, we uh, made a good connection with the barrel company next door, and... Uh, we're looking to get some port barrels, cognac barrels, uh, Appleton Rum Estate barrels. So, and uh, I just saw wow. some beautiful barrels down at Boston Beer Company tonight. So, I'm going to try to <laughs> see if I can get a hold of some more uh, uh, no cost barrels for us to use. So, we'll see. Can you get? Uh, would mead be good if you put it into barrels with wild yeast in it? With with you know some some of the Britannomyces or anything else in it. Do you, good question. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, what it tastes that's good? a great question. So Chris Killinger, my um, yeast fermentation specialist on big brewing network fan, he wears his hop grenade hat here every night. Nice. And um, he's actually going to probably come out to your event in January. Oh, great! Because we got a collision, so he's going to pick up one for the team. Okay. And um, he's grown up some Britannomyces for us. So he's got that on the stir plate, and we're adding that to the mead that we've been making in the um, um, Allagash Curio barrels that we got from um, Allagash Brewing Company. Very nice. So, yeah, we're really looking forward to that. Have you done that when, even when you were a home brewer or anything, Michael? Do you have any experience with how it comes out? I've made some braggots that way where we've taken a mead with a um, really funky, you know, nice and dank tart sour mead uh, or beer and blended it with some orange blossom honey to really kind of pull out the flavors okay so i, I may be sending chris out there with some extra special stuff that we uh we'll call um research right and, uh, <laughs> it should be pretty interesting excellent so it, it seems like the only hard part would, would just be how much that yeast wants to consume sugar and so it might you know just take more than you want out of it i don't know yeah, that's the, the real worry I have, which is, you know, it's going to pull up from the barrel. It's going to pull everywhere. And that barrel from that point on is just going to be the, the harbor of this this great cacophony of uh, right. nastiness, which I can't wait to try. Which, yeah, which could turn out to be a, the blessing you've always wanted. That could be a, an amazing barrel. So, Like the Destiny you guys are trying right now has got a very low residual sugar. Okay. So it's, it's pushing 3 or 4%, so it's not too, too sweet. Yeah. All right. 
I want to read from the label uh, real quick and then ask you a question, Michael. It says, uh, Destiny is released one barrel at a time. It takes two years to perfect one batch. Complex with lots of fruits and honey notes. The oak adds some dryness for balance. Michael has found his destiny. We hope you find yours. Did you write that yourself? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> and then and then this is kind of a serious question. What The oak, does that add more dryness than other types of wood? Wow, good question. I haven't played with any other woods, so I have no idea. The dry wood's never fun to play with. <laughs> <laughs> right. Watch splinters. What was the question? Right. If, if, if it varies, the, the amount of wood, <laughs> how much dryness it can add, does it depend on the type of wood? You know, because this says oak, I'm wondering, does does freaking birch, you know, does that dry out? I mean, it, Typically, you're only going to use oak for, for aging. But it's the tan. Right, so it's the dry the in the reference there is talking about the tannin levels you're picking up. Yeah. So, you know, versus well, like we have, we're making a um, French oak blueberry mead that's um, we're going to call wet and wild. So it's a nice and sweet uh, blueberry mead, kind of play on our wild mead, which is dry, to have the wet being sweet. So you know, kind of tossing it out there for the crowd. Okay. The newest mead we're coming out with is called Bad Apple, and that's a uh, we got some fresh Jim Bean bourbon barrels, and we made a 19 percent. Um, cider mead uh, sizer that we're aging in the barrels. Wow. I can't wait to ship you guys a bottle of this stuff. Oh, me too. Uh, Especially, I think it's cool that you named it after Doc. It's <laughs> <laughs> really nice. Well, the, the advertising campaign is going to say it only takes one. And then at the <laughs> yeah. bottom, it's going to say, well, maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, man. I, I can't wait to create commercials for that. That's a good, good slogan. Sounds yeah, great. Here, I mean, guys, there's not a day goes by where we have customers coming into the meadery and we're giving out special uh, Brewing Network discounts to these guys when they come in and talk to us about you guys. So we've been uh, very happy with uh, the success rate we've had with you folks. Great. Well, I'm happy to hear the the Army is still out there and doing well for us, and we appreciate their uh, supporting all of our sponsors. Go to MoonlightMeadery.com right now. Uh, you can find their uh, tasting room hours and details. You can search for where to find the mead yourself. And don't forget to ask for it locally if you don't have it yet, because, Michael, I know that he is working his tail off to get it everywhere he can. And if you ask for it, uh, you'll probably get it. And also, don't forget, mead is gluten-free. I spent the last few days with a friend of a friend who's gluten-free. It was kind of a pain in the ass getting around town, <laughs> trying to find a, you know, a place to get her some food and this and that. And certainly beer was an issue because I only wanted to go to beer places. So uh, if you got a friend and they don't know it yet, tell them uh, mead is gluten-free. So check it all out, moonlightmeadery.com. Michael, thanks, brother. I appreciate it. All right, Brent. Take we'll talk care. to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. There you go. Uh, go spend some time on MoonlightMeadery.com. Who was uh, gluten issues? Friend of Kate the Great. And uh, <laughs> problem is, it's real unfortunate. Uh, because not only did she discover she's uh, gluten intolerant, but uh, alcohol ugly. isn't sitting well with her at either. Yeah. Any drop of it has been making her sick. And so she gave up both and finally feels better. But going out for a meal or to have a good time is now essentially a task all the time. And it did, buy, you know, we only went to a couple meals. It wasn't that big a deal. I just kind of pointing out, you know, finding out that mead's gluten free. You know, you can share that. She's still party. In her case, she can't still really party because I guess the alcohol isn't doing well for her either. I don't know. And she's uh, on top of all that, she's married to an Australian, and uh, the guy, Ooh. you know, guy drinks. Oh, uh, I see. Doesn't need a driver. Uh, so she's. <laughs> that's kind of what I said to him. I said, I think you won the. You won the jackpot. You yeah, gotta, you don't got to knock her up to get designated driver. Lifetime DD. Yeah. Girl can't drink. You know. Time, yeah. Can we so. change gluten intolerant to uh, gluten phobic? 
<laughs> I think that's better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm still not convinced about the whole thing. And, and, and I mean, I get the shits every now and then, too. Uh, am I gluten intolerant? I don't know. It's just natural. Yeah. It's nature's way of making <laughs> Cleaning me out. Faster. Yeah, you have to go a day without going. The next day, it's pretty cool. Yeah. You think there's any Kenyans that are gluten intolerant? <laughs> I doubt it, but they don't get all the crap that we get to eat, either. Um, anyway, we'll be back with Josh Bernstein. Uh, thanks to Michael Fairbrother for Moonlight. It's just a quick break. Hang in there. It's the session. Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, more beer social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read. Read your way to better homebrew. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and then to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now, it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. A vial of White Labs yeast is the key to your best beer. 
When you open a vial of White Labs yeast, you're giving your beer its best chance for a perfect fermentation. In addition to their already incredible variety of yeasts, White Labs is proud to announce WLP 90, San Diego's Super Yeast, now available year-round. WLP 90 is super clean, super fast fermenting, with low esters and has a neutral flavor and aroma profile. It's alcohol tolerant and highly flocculent. For more of the latest White Labs news, click over to whitelabs.com, where you can read reviews of yeast, learn in the lab section, and join the customer club. And if you should find yourself in San Diego, White Labs has a brand new training facility for craft brewers and home brewers alike. Whitelabs.com. Discover yeast, nutrients, enzymes, and more for commercial breweries, home brewers, and homebrew stores. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message. This. Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Guru Network. The session. Brewing up our next batch of radio gold. Right now. All right. Welcome back to the program, and thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks to our friend Michael Fairbrother over there at Moonlight Meadery for uh, sending us some more great mead to to try. We're doing a a beer and food pairing show next week, and... um, I'm looking forward to trying some mead with that, too. Our friend Sean Paxton is going to be on the program talking to us about beer and food pairing. We're also going to talk about what doesn't pair with, with beer, uh, or, or rather what uh, foods you shouldn't pair and, and, and bad and, ones as well, not just why. what's good and yeah. why. So uh, be looking forward to putting some mead into that mix, too. What is mead? Uh, real quick, before we get to our next guest, we had to do our Twitter game. Twitter game is brought to you today by the American Homebrewers Association. You can go to homebrewersassociation.org right now or click the AHA logo at the bottom right of our homepage. It's a big uh, AHA logo. You click that, sign up to become a member, and uh, it helps us. But more importantly, it helps you. Uh, we're all members of the American Homebrewers Association, and you should be, too. They do a lot of good things for us. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, they recently got uh, homebrewing legalized in all 50 states. And that's a that's if you ever wonder what they do with your dues, they've been working on that for, for quite some time. And I know it meant a lot to the organization, and it means a lot to me. 
uh, because I think it's it, someone's out there just really working hard on your behalf. Uh, not only that, of course, you get Zymergy Magazine, which, uh, you know, that's the source that people were using long before the Brewing Network, checking things out. comes every other month, and um, it's just a fantastic resource. So go to homebrewersassociation.org and uh, check it out. What's our Twitter game, JP? Well, as you know, Justin, thank you for that beautiful segue. Uh, Halloween is coming up, and for those of you who may not have a Halloween costume, uh, turn to the BN for inspiration. Mm. I would like you to do that. I would like to see a lot of BN-inspired Halloween costumes out there. So uh, I was thinking, which of the brewcasters would make the best Halloween costume? <laughs> you know, sometimes you dress up as Freddy Krueger or or Jason Voorhees or Tom Selleck. Uh, who would make? Who would you dress up as out of the brewcasters, and why? Mm, good question. Because it could be to scare people. Right. It could be to turn on the ladies. <laughs> they, like what would the reason yeah. be i don't know but so, me as a costume would be hard to do so. well i don't don't judge that just yet <laughs> uh, are the guys gonna dress up as like bevo and they could do that Ooh, maybe that's why somebody ordered the butt booster yes <laughs> <laughs> getting that rear end back in order uh, she bevo's not here to defend herself so uh she's got plenty of butt uh, actually oh, that I reminds see. me she's i think Susie's working our chat room but i'm not even in there to take her questions yet oh. so uh, my fault. Let me get in there. Up there. Hit the chat button right there on our homepage, and Susie is in there tonight working the chat room. She'll get your questions over to me, uh, you know, as soon as I log in, uh, which I'm doing right now. In the meantime, our next logging. guest is the author of the new book, The Complete Beer Course, Boot Camp for Beer Geeks. His name is Josh uh, Bernstein. He's been on the show before. Hey, Joshua, how are you? Yeah, I'm making it happen. How are you guys doing? Well, we're doing all right. It's nice to uh, nice to have you back on the show, man. Yeah, happy to be here. Now, did I see you at the Great American Beer Festival for a moment running by? Yeah, I yeah, so. for about 2.2 seconds. I, <laughs> I said, have you had all those fans all around you, so I couldn't stay too long. Yeah, right. Everyone, every, everyone wanted to talk to you. Every one of them was hired, Joshua. I paid each one of those people. So, you know. And some were cardboard cutouts. <laughs> right. They looked lifelike. <laughs> right. Uh, so, Josh, how long's the new book been out, The Complete Beer Course? Oh my God, where are we at today? It's been out for probably about six weeks, give or take, right now. So it's still pretty new. But it's been doing really well. I've been very excited. It's already in second printing. So, uh, you know, it far outstripped my expectations. You do something, you work on it for two years, you hope people enjoy it, and then um, they do, and you're, you're kind of surprised. <laughs> right. Well, and after your first, you're, clearly you, you got a second book because your first book was a success as well, right? Yeah. You would think. Yeah, you'd think that would be the case. But what ended up happening with this, it was just that I actually got the book deal for uh, the second book before the one even came out. It was right before um, Brood Awakening uh, went to print. We saw the final, final, uh, final, the final copy on there, and it looked good, and they're like, you did a great job, and let's do another book. And I said to myself, awesome, because one book is great and two books is even better. Right. right? You start and, to stack up the royalties now. Eh, you know, I'll be honest, royalties are pretty minimal for, for books overall. It's not a whole lot of money. But you can buy a house, especially in Brooklyn, you're sorely in a state. It's not like a, like a BN salary or anything. Right. I mean, Doc's royalties are enormous, Joshua. Um, I, I can't even imagine how much you guys make. I mean, all the free beer, all the ladies, all the <laughs> just, <laughs> just deferred payment for 49 years. That's all yeah. the ladies. Oh, but when you guys are on your deathbed, that check is going to be enormous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that in Obamacare, your meds will be free. <laughs> right. Uh, or you have a wife that's health insurance and you marry her, and then you become an author. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, did you marry Rich? 
Yeah, I wouldn't say married rich. I married into health insurance. Into health insurance. Okay. <laughs> hey, that, that's rich by 2013 standards. Right. I know in America, in America that is rich. So yeah, with the uh, with the books before the before Bridwicken came out, they said yeah, do a second one. So I said yes, and not really realizing how kind of crazy pants you know actually putting a book out there is and going around and you know you guys do events and you got to talk to people over and over again. It's traveling, talking to folks, drinking beer, and there's not a lot of time to actually do a. You know, writing. Right. And so by that time, it was like, I think January had rolled around. My publisher was like, so where is your sample chapter? And I was like, sample what? Uh, <laughs> oops. I was like, well, I guess I should put some pants back on. Actually, I, take the, <laughs> I should take some pants off because I do my best writing with pants off. <laughs> right. It means you're going to stay so, home and get to work. Yeah, stay home, dog by your side, beer in hand, no one's judging. So I was very happy. Tonight's talk was not a video chat. Yeah. yeah we got you covered there, man. <laughs> Do you ever get the sense that the dog is maybe judging? Right. Uh, you know, I've got a corgi chihuahua mutt, and so he's got these very chihuahua eyes that mm. kind of stare at you without blinking. And so <laughs> you kind of sit there for a while, and you're like, oh, my God, what is my dog thinking? And it's been staring yeah. at me. It's like you turn around, and your dog's still been staring at you for like 5, 10, 15 minutes. Could have been all day long. We have no idea. Maybe I, I should put some pants on. Yeah. Probably I, stares at you when you sleep, too. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I find that the cat is, now that I'm also a cat owner, uh, because Kate the Great has a cat, I find that they're a little more judgmental. I don't watch porn at home anymore. Um, I least, believe that. At least, I, I feel like you're really telling the truth. Yeah, the, the, it's just it'll the cat will sit right next to you and just stare at you, and it'll stare at what you're doing, and and I'm like not, it's gonna report later. Yeah, I'm not comfortable with it. I feel like it, I'm gonna hear about it in the afterlife. I feel like I'm gonna discover. Uh, hey, remember that cat when you were 35? That, I was your uncle. <laughs> that was that was me, and I'm really uncomfortable with the things you were watching, and I don't know why you put your finger there or whatever else this cat is going to. Do. So. But you can take your phone into the thing about porn is you can take it in your phone into the bathroom yes. and shut the cat out. So I think you're lying to us. Yeah, but yes. your phone, I mean, yes. no one needs to see a four inch boob. <laughs> uh, I, I think my boys have con- uh, uh, found that out. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, are they now? Sorry, Joshua. Are they now at the point where the bathroom visits are getting longer and longer? Like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> oh, hell. They're spending like an hour and a half in the bathroom They're now. They're discovering themselves. What? Is my cat been talking to your cat? Because <laughs> I swear to God, that's what's happening. I just remember that. That's the start of it. It's the first thing I did was like, you know. It's you know, the only room in the house that locks. You know, you take baths until you're like seven, right? And then right. you stop, and then you reach like 13, and you're like, I'm going to go take a bath. I've j- my my back hurts. It's just so, my my skin. It just, no, it's it's the it's the the uber long poop. <laughs> you're you're trying too hard. Now, right. Well, the, now, ca- the cat knows. Now, Joshua, this actually does bring me to a relevant question. <laughs> How are so you? We're not poops? talking about we're not talking about cat poop and then porn on the phone. <laughs> well, sort of. I have it in my notes that before you wrote the first book were you editing or writing for some sort of like erotic literature or or porn company yeah it was a really uh indeed i was which is my only full-time job ever in new york city was uh working for a porn publishing company which kind of came on the heels of uh, working for a baby magazine and so i kind of <laughs> came to new york I, uh-oh I, no so i came to new york Yeah, great. Hey, Justin. Uh, should we banter? <sighs> we go back to talk about my cat staring at me. Hey, Josh. Yeah. 
I lost those jobs pretty quickly, and then I got a... Hey, Josh. I got a gig. Yep. I'm sorry, but you have to start all over. We lost you entirely. Oh, my gosh. Where should I start at? Well, first of all, if if you're doing anything else on your computer, like close all browsers and anything else, just in case. I never know what the problem is, but sometimes it's just that your computer's doing something else. Um, All right. The second uh, part is... shut all those things down. Yeah. yeah, Kill everything but Skype, unfortunately. Uh, I I had the uh, pictures in my browsers of all you wonderful gentlemen up so I could actually look at y'all. Oh. Oh. Oh, that was nice of you. Um but yeah, anyway, you said it was your first job uh, in New York. That's all I have. That's all. We- oh yeah, yeah, it was my first job in New York, in New York City, and uh, I got a gig. Uh, it was my first full time job and only full time job in New York City. I moved to New York. Uh, gosh, was it October two thousand after the tail end of a terrible road trip? Where I kind of got dropped off in uh, Great Falls, Montana, on the first day of fall. And then after a whole turn of events, I got dropped off in uh, Astoria. I went back to uh, Queens with a friend. And there I worked a couple jobs as a, uh, gosh, I was an editor. What was my first job? I worked for a Prada, then Gucci, basically being a glorified sign, pointing at all the fancy clothes in one direction. Okay. And that did not last very long at all because I was really terrible. I think my second day on the job at at Gucci, they asked how I enjoyed my job, and I told them that I did not like it because I felt like I had wasted four years of college <laughs> to get to this point in my life. Right. And it was one of those moments where it was like, you just said the wrong damn thing. Right. And so I did not get called back for another day. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, and I thought that was the end of the line. Like, New York, I failed. But I got a gig at American. It basically meant I had even do I, I was like basically faxing things, making photocopies, majority and writing uh, notes to my friends that were with girlfriends, writing notes in America to congratulate them on pregnancies. Like dear Jeff, congratulations on your girlfriend's pregnancy. American baby is excited to be with you on your journey to parenthood. <laughs> well, uh, we're gonna have to switch to phones, Josh. Man, it's like the company doesn't want him saying the name of the company. He cut out right <laughs> as he was about to say who he was working for. I feel like we're feel like we're doing our show in China now. Yeah, and they are not happy with Josh saying. But they're not cutting it all together. Seriously, just messing it up just enough. Uh, are we are we are we all cracking out? Are we, is it still cracking out on there for you guys? Yeah, yeah, we're losing everything. We might have to switch to guns, uh, which was uh, the Top Gun uh, metaphor for yep. phones. Okay, um, give me one second. See, hold on. Uh, hey, babe, are you on that? Are you watching download stuff, babe? Life's <laughs> <laughs> on Netflix. I know. I know. It's a thing. I ask your wife if she's watching. Like, uh, what part is she watching? Yeah, yeah. The Voice Online on an illegally well, downloaded stream. Down- um, I can be on phone if you want to. We can keep on talking. Downton Abbey third season is, you know, <laughs> is on. So. Well, I would rather not switch to phones, but we have to if it's cutting out. Even though the audio quality is not quite as crisp, at least we would hear every word that you say. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I got good, uh, I got good Wi-Fi signal in here, so I'm not really sure what's going on. So. All right, well, let's try once more. Just cut to the part where what is the company that you worked for that was a porn company? Oh yeah, so I, I got a gig for uh, it was something along the lines of Canyon Publishing. My friend uh, Noah was working as a uh, proofreader for the magazine and in the entire company, and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And he was like, hey, Josh, we can get you in there. And it was a really <laughs> multifaceted job. And so, you know, unlike American Baby, where I was just being an admin assistant, which is kind of lacky, I was going to be an editor, an interviewer, a writer. And I was like, magazine journalism degree, here you come. And right. no pun intended, of course. But uh, 
Right. So, uh, I thought the I porn the star was Canyon, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. So I got the gig over there, and it was just really... Uh, you know, as an editor, it was incredibly instructive of how to like kind of cut to the chase and make everything exciting right away. Yeah, what as, were you? What were you actually oh, editing? I mean, text. Well, yeah, there were two. There was um, was, there were three parts to the job. The first part was there was a uh, it was basically um, African American young girls. It was called Hot Chocolate. So I was like calling up porn stars, being like, "So what's it like it?" get double penetrated on camera and they're like blah 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 and I was like interesting <laughs> and of course I'm 22 at the time where I've got like a list of sexual experiences can maybe fit on like an 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper right. if I did like double space career new type of thing and uh, and I was basically winging it all the way through and the other one was uh, Cuddles which was uh, Young White Girls which was you know it's very porn is very niched out and which <sighs> I found out even more with the other part of the books which were um there was a whole other part of the company that did um, these, like, five and a half by eight. They were basically newsprint tomes that uh, my boss had bought all this porn back in the uh, 80s. It was all on floppy disk. And so it was, like, 80s-era porn, and back then, everyone got paid pennies in the word. Right. So it's really verbose 80s-era porn. Everyone was like, you know, stick my floppy disk in your hard drive kind of stuff. <laughs> and everything was incredibly dated. Wow. Everyone's listening. Everyone's listening to Tiffany in the parking lot while getting a Whopper. You know, it wasn't there yet. <laughs> wow. I have to ask you, as a fellow Jew, Josh, did your mom ever find out about these gigs? Uh, yeah, I told her. You know, I'm there, and that, you know, I got the job, and I was like, Mom, I got this job working for this company. And she was like, she's like, I'm never going to be able to tell my friends what you do. <laughs> and I was like, well, it's awesome. And, you know, when you, you know, life is nothing but gathering a whole series of random experiences to tell your friends about when you're 45 well, that's and direct at the party. So I was going to so, say, like, she can't tell her friends, but you're calling every single one you've ever had. And you're like, exa- so check exa- this out. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah, the newsprint homes, I'm talking about the floppy disk material, that all went on really, that was very thematically oriented stuff. And so it was like Naughty Neighbors, Horny Housewives, Family Secrets. Wow. So it was all around, like, uh, it's all around these very specific niche kinks, and so I'd have to go through cleaning it up. But to make myself feel better about my days, I would sit there and uh, put my friends' names into the uh, porn. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then and the best part of that, that was when they actually came out. I'd highlight their names, put a little bookmark in there, and send them an anonymous like brown paper bags to type you get the supermarket and wrap around your school books when you're a little kid. Oh no! And then with just their names written on there and nothing else, and they'd open it up and I'd send them porns too. It was like terribly creepy time of my life, but also <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, they're like, uh, was that Josh or my neighbor? I don't know, but my name's in this porn. Effectively, I you're know, but- you're sending your friend a boner. It's like a it's like a pre boner. <laughs> Well, the go. worst part about it was my wife was... Uh, not my wife. There was no wife back then. My uh, boss was this Caribbean woman in her mid-40s. And so she'd always, like, you'd have to review the porn in her office while she was working. So you'd wow. be watching this VHS porn. And then she'd talk to you, and you're like, don't give her a hug with the boner. She always, like, hugging you. And it was like, I think as the owner of a porn company, the last thing you want to do is be a hugger right. with all your employees <laughs> as you're watching the porn in the office. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It was always like... I don't like that think weird I high school that. dance thing where it's like you lean back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, boss. It's almost like the friend hug where you just kind of half yeah. your body. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. I, I wonder why you had to watch it in her office. She didn't trust her employees. She not wanted to just go pound it. That's why. 
there was only like eight people in the office. She had the only TV in her office, and so it was, mm-hmm. it was terrifying. But yeah, and then, <laughs> did she also have the only wall outlet? There was a reason that that TV was in her office, Joshua. This was two thousand and one. Okay. There was no oh, Wi-Fi the dark, back then. The dark ages. <laughs> just, just, just to paint the picture, I mean, how? Well, cur- yeah, and the, I think the other worst part about the job was just the fact that you'd have to like go through and read these stories, and then you'd have to go through this giant box of slides. Remember slides? You had this giant light table, so it'd be like outdoor sex scene, people having sex in the woods. You'd have to go through this box of jumbled slides in the thousands, and like try to find like a. Uh, try to find this one scene that would actually like make it happen and so it was like a boner in a haystack kind of thing where you're like how can we actually find this going on right did you have your own loop or do you have to share loops (laughs) nope (laughs) no sharing sharing (laughs) yeah Oh, Did that man. desensitize you to watching porn on your own? Good question. Well, you know, like, what's interesting, it desensitizes you to a lot of things in a way. It makes you less of a, you know, I was, um, like, after work, I'd go out and, uh, you know, New York City's got the beauty to drink at four in the morning. So I'd get out after work. That is beauty. And I'd, you know, it would be happy hour. It's like $3 gin tonics, which had the four gin tonics, which had to go into, like, the dive bar and drinking beer. And so it was almost like this weird, endless groundhog day of porn, alcohol, porn, alcohol. <laughs> And, uh, which lasted for probably a good, um, yeah, it lasted for a good, uh, like eight or so months, nine months. And then, uh, our offices were on, um, Broadway below Canal Street. And then, uh, like I was going to work one day and the day happened to be September 11. And then the subway stopped. And then it was like, motherfucking AM, like late to my porn job. And it's like, <laughs> I'm hungover, my porn job. And then to get out, they're like, the trains have stopped, Fire World Trade Center. And then you get outside and then, you know, New York City is not a city that's still, but the city was still. And then you look up, and then you realize when the World Trade Center Towers is gone, and then you watch very slowly as the second one kind of disappears before your eyes. And then no one moves. No one really knows what to do. And then, you know, I, I mean, it was kind of like life just took a pause. And then eventually ended back in Queens, where I was living at the time, and... um you know, for the next eight days or so, stayed in Queens. My offices were below Canal Street, and you couldn't actually legally get there. The federal government had shut everything down. And when I got back to work, my boss was like, hey, Josh, uh, terrible tragedy. Uh, as like the smell of like burning buildings mm. and whatnot is drifting up. And she was like, it's terrible, but, you know, we'll take out of your vacation time. And I was like, oh, I guess Whoa. being scared for my life my vacation time. And then... You know, I was 23 at that time, like a few months later, and then I thought to myself, "This is this is wrong. This is this is terrible." So I was looking for a new job. I had my resume, computer. My boss started snooping, and then I came back from lunch one day, and my, everything is wiped off my computer. My boss is not talking to me, and uh, no one in the office is talking to me. And then I basically, she's like, "Josh, like, can you come talk to me?" And I was like, "I'm gonna get fired. Yeah, I'm gonna get fired from my freaking porn job." <laughs> And then I walked in there, and, you know, if I were smart, I would have been like, you know, unemployment, whatever. But, you know, I've got too much pride, I think, to to go down like that. And I think that's one of my best traits and worst traits. And so I walked in there, and I was like, I put in my two weeks notice. And then she accepted, gave me two weeks, and then she actually gave me severance right there. And then she was like, get out the door right now, and gave me two weeks, my last two weeks of work, my... uh, a severance check and I got like what was it like maybe like two grand I walked out the door and I was like you know what I need to go back to being a writer yeah and that was re- that was really kind of um you know I you know you really kind of sometimes need a kick in the pants to get out the door and do something and then 
really from that, I took about three weeks off afterward to clear my head. And, you know, it was really a weird time in New York City overall, too. And uh, get my head together. And then I just started writing. I started pitching publications. I got a gig at New York Press writing about bars. Got a gig at Time Out New York writing about bars. And the bars were awesome. The bars really got me to go out there and, and drink more and more delicious craft beer. And then, you know, as the bars became less interesting, the beer became more interesting. And that really kind of um, helped kickstart my career. And, um, you know, this one little, uh, not, not one, this terrible tragedy helped me really realize I should not spend my whole life doing this terrible job you don't care about. Sure. And just to kind of stand up for myself and get out the door when I should. Well, I got it. It's a pretty compelling story, and I think people should learn from that, too. It, it, by the way, it doesn't take, you know, something like 9-11 for everybody, but whatever it takes to put it in perspective for you kind of just kicks you in the ass. Like, you got kicked in the ass, basically. Yeah, I really had, no, I mean, like, I mean, I had no, I mean, it wasn't like I was like living off, uh, I had no money and I was like, I need my pennies. But back then, right. I was like, I had like maybe four grand in my bank account. But you know, back then, it felt like a million dollars. Yeah, you're <laughs> 23. Yeah, that is a million dollars. Yeah, you were I a thousandaire. <laughs> I think my rent was, I think my rent was like 550 bucks a month. And, you know, I always call my no arms, no legs fund. And by that, I mean, it's like if you have enough money where if something terrible, a terrible tragedy happened and you lost your arms and your legs, you could live like an egg for three months without having to worry about your money. So as long as you have your no arms, no legs fund, you can always be happy. And so I I had that like a little bit of cushion. It wasn't a lot of cushion, but there was enough so you don't have that panic that sets in. I think when when that panic sets in, that fear kind of hits you is when you make rash decisions and you do things you don't want to do. So as long as you just have a tiny bit of cushion, you can kind of still stick to your guns. You can still do what you want and kind of go forward. It's all about. It's like when you get so close to the bone that you know. People, <laughs> I don't think I don't think beauty happens close to the bone. It's like fear fear happens close to the bone, and then you just make decisions that aren't really what you should be doing. Right. Josh, I, I in no way feel like you're a pessimist. I just feel yeah. like you have an extremely grim way of being an optimist. Well, <laughs> he's a career no, prepper. Yeah, that's what he is. He's a career prepper. Yeah, make it's, sure you got it, no, got it ready. Ah, oh, you know, guys, it's funny you say, but it's like I talk to so many freelancers. I've been freelance ever since that moment. I've not had a full time job. I've been freelance through and through. It's like it's like what you do when you wake up. It's like hangover be goddamn. It's like you got to get up, get to work every right. single day. Yeah, and uh, but a lot of other freelancers I talk to are just like like oh, I'm worried. I don't have enough money in there, and it's just I see this jitteriness set in, and it's just. You know, it's just a slight bit of comfort makes it all makes it all worthwhile. It makes you feel that much better. If it takes you doing a crappy job for a little bit to get a bit of cushion, then it's it's weird. It's sure. and that, that's really what's kind of kept me going all through. It's just like having the new arms and legs fund, and I realized that I would never, no matter how hard I tried, no matter how many crappy gigs I did, how much I worked for free in the beginning, I'd always be able to pay my rent. Right. Yeah, but the the depressing part is that's what five less boners a week. <laughs> The bigger the cushion, the bigger I the know, cushion. No, but it's five more boners because we're not looking at porn all day long. I'm actually excited to go out and date and actually possibly get a boner and get a girlfriend. Which actually happened <laughs> right. after. Okay. Yeah, you're not you're not perpetually depleted. <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah, a manu- you- not a manufactured boner. You know. Well, you know, you would think going out and telling people what you do, like I'm, I've got no shame. I mean, like you do what you do, you own up to it, be a man about it. And by go on dates, I think it was like back in Nerve.com dating days. I was like talking, like doing that stuff. And you go on the date, and I'm like, I'm a journalist. I had that like windswept hair look on there, you know, the pensive 50 yard <laughs> stares. Like, I'm thinking about my next great sentence kind of thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> What's the sin of the butthole? <laughs> <laughs> but you'd, yeah, you'd go on it. 
you'd go on a date and no one would actually like take you seriously. You're like, oh, I work in porn, and they're like, like, oh, that's that's great, and they and, you know, and they automatically put their shawl around themselves a little bit tighter and cross their legs a little bit tighter, and they're like, you are a terrible perv, and uh, no, but, dirty you know, perv, right. I know, Don't so that's, but, uh, it, you know, I think uh, I had much better dating experience after the after the porn company. Did, did you try speed dating? I'd like to see how you did in speed dating. <laughs> not right. only speed dating, but telling them you worked in publishing, not porn. I mean, you know, some pragmatism is in order, Josh. Entertainment. He's an honest man, an honest Jew. Uh, I'm an honest Jew. It's like, hindsight is 50-50, you know, you can go back. At least. And my speed date... Speeding, you mean like cocaine, like three in the morning dating? I mean, like, everyone's got that. It's New York City. Everyone's got that fair share of dating every once in a while. Right. But uh, by and large, uh, yeah, I, you know, when you're, when you're 23, 24, you don't have the confidence you have when you're older. It's like, now I got a, a wife and a baby on the way and a dog. And, uh, you know, you got a lot of confidence, but you don't have a lot of options for dating, which is great and all. But it's kind of this weird opposite day thing where you, uh, by the time you have all this confidence in the world, you're already kind of settled in your ways. Right. That's why the confidence comes up, because you're settled. <laughs> All right, I got to take a, a, a quick break. Uh, so let's do that. When we come back, uh, we're talking to Joshua Bernstein. We're going to talk about the Complete Beer Course. It's his new book. You can go to joshuambernstein.com right now, where you can order uh, your own signed copy. Plus, check it out, uh, You know his site, and see what he's up to. Uh, they're also available at Barnes & Noble locations nationwide. So if you're the person who wants to just walk into a store and get it, you can do it that way, too. The Complete Beer Course, when we come back with Josh Bernstein. Hang in there. Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Capsie here. I'm feeling that Melavino mead, yo. We can't be driving nowhere. Damn straight, son. It's a situation up in here. We be straight GTMing. GTM? You know it, baby. Jim, Tan, me. Yeah, buddy. We be meeting all night, son. Hey, what's this Kickstarter thing I see on the Ultranet? Yeah, Kickstarter. It's the best way there is to raise some dollars for new businesses. Kickstarter's gonna help Melavino Mead get all launched up and whatnot. New Jersey Mead for the win. Yeah, yeah. Melovino Meadery needs your help, BN Army. For less than the cost of a tanning session or a bottle of bronzer, you can help make Melovino Mead a reality. And when your girl sees how generous and giving use is, she'll be out Jersey turnpiking you in no time. Yeah, buddy. Help New Jersey's first official meadery get up and running by making a pledge to their Kickstarter campaign. Melovino Meadery. Wine divine. So go get some of that money you've been saving up for the new kicks and pledge it to Melovino Meadery on Kickstarter. Yo, can't you hear? All right, BN Army, it's trivia time. What's the only homebrew shop with over 1,000 recipe kits, $4.99 shipping on orders over 100 bucks, and is also home of the Wolf Shirt? The one and only answer is Austin Homebrew Supply. For over 20 years, they've specialized in creating recipes such as the best-selling Texas Blonde Ale, Apocalypso, Hot Bomb 2.0, and Double Chocolate Stout. And they just recently unveiled their small grain kits that produce one gallon of beer. Visit Austin Homebrew 
homebrew.com to browse their extensive catalog of equipment and ingredients. They also have many clone recipes of your favorite commercial beers. They're the exclusive retailer of Brew Vent Yeast Fuel as well, Yeast Nutrient, and the all-new Bodybuilder. Follow Austin Homebrew Supply on Google Plus to participate in video hangouts on popular brewing topics. So visit austinhomebrew.com today and make sure you sign up for their weekly email with news and specials. Austin Homebrew Supply, austinhomebrew.com. Have you ever dreamed about attending the World Brewing Academy? This year, thanks to Lalamond and Danstar, one lucky brewer will make that dream a reality for free. Lalamond and Danstar invite you to enter the Beer School 2014 contest. One lucky grand prize winner will receive fully paid tuition in the 2014 World Brewing Academy web-based concise course in brewing technology worth almost $4,000. From now until December 13, 2013, every Danstar yeast packet you use is your ticket to enter. Visit danstaryeast.com for the details and to print your official entry form. There's no limit on the number of times you can enter. So get brewing with Danstar and get your entries in to the Danstar 2014 Beer School Contest. Whether you want to build your home brewing skills or build a career as a professional brewer, this course will change the way you think of beer and brewing. Enter at danstaryeast.com and get the dry yeast advantage with Danstar and Lalamond Premium Brewing Yeast and enter to win. BN Army, I'm here to talk seriously for a second. You all are partially responsible for something explosive, and it's time you answer for it. Moonlight Meadery is exploding. Yeah, exploding across the country with insane quality meads. With nearly 70 different varieties of mead on the market, Moonlight Meadery has blown up the mead category and completely reinvented it. Seriously? What? Seriously? What? You're paying money for that watered-down meat when you could have a Moonlight Mead? Moonlight doesn't stop at 14% like most meaderies to save 40 cents a gallon. Moonlight Meads explode with quality and flavor. They're a party in a bottle. Did someone say party? If you want mead and want the best, you want meads from Moonlight Meadery and will accept nothing less. Be a part of the BN Mead Explosion and ask for, no, demand Moonlight Meads at your favorite bottle shop. Moonlight Meads. Girly names, manly meads. Hey, sign me up for that party. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. This is Jamel Zanishev, and I want to tell you about my favorite heretic beer, Shallow Grave Porter. I love the rich, malty character of this beer. While full and rich, Shallow Grave has an easy drinking finish that isn't too sweet. I've always loved my homebrew porter recipe, so when it's time to brew Heretic Shallow Grave, I started with that in mind. But I tweaked it with all my latest recipe ideas. Just like in homebrewing, I made sure we used only the finest malts, malts that would produce the ideal flavor for this beer. We used select British malts to get the rich chocolate and caramel flavors that we spared no expense. The result is a beer as dark as a moonless night with hints of vanilla, coffee, and chocolate. Perfect for a cool evening out in the woods. Cheers. funny is brewers just say yeah i don't brew to style i'm brewing my own beer and it's like a german pilsner but it's black yeah it's a sports sports beer the home of live beer radio the brewing network.com because like beer radio shouldn't suck you're listening to the session
tuned into this session. Because life's too short to listen to crappy radio. All right, welcome back to the program, and thanks for hanging out with us. We're still talking to Josh Bernstein. He's the author of the all-new Complete uh, Beer Course, which is Boot Camp for Beer Geeks. Josh, tell us about the premise for the book. Indeed, yeah. I think I was mentioning earlier on how uh, basically the publishers for the uh, first book even came out, Breed Awakening, they were like, you another book? And I was like, yeah, what book do you want me to do? Right. And... <laughs> And so it was uh, basically one of the biggest sellers for the company was called the Complete Wine Course, which has been out for, gosh, 30 years in print. And so, you know, Complete Wine Course, what it did was basically give people the elemental tools of, you know, walk into any wine shop or restaurant and understand the bottles being sold. And so I looked at the book and I was like, this is great, but this is nothing like beer at all. And, you know, when you're talking about the wine world and the beer world, two drastically different beasts, language, styles, everything all together. So I really had no idea what I was doing at first. And, like, at first I was like, I'll try to replicate it, but then that failed miserably because it's wine and not beer. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to start from scratch. So the idea I want to do was um, give people the tools to walk into any uh, beer store, bar, brewery, and then understand everything available from uh, Pilsners to Gozas to Imperial Stouts dosed with wild yeast. And the idea was to um, talk about the styles, how they evolved over time, ground them in modern day, surround them with real world, real world examples, and talk about it in kind of the way that, you know, you guys talk about beer. It's just you're with your friends and it's like, hey, what's an alt beer? What's a Kolsch? And then, you know, you're sitting at the bar and you're like, oh, a Kolsch is blah, 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 blah. Right. And that, that's, that's really what I wanted to go for. And like, Give people what they want, but not like dive too deep into like chemical analysis of like, you know, isochemiones and everything that gets too like, <laughs> don't want to get too drive down because, you know, we're still talking about the beer world. It's still about 7% drinks craft beer, 93% doesn't as, mo- as much as we kind of live in these big beer cocoons where everyone's drinking, you know, session IPAs and, you know, very, very delicate sour gozas, all that stuff. It's like yeah. most people don't even know what a hop is. I do beer tastings and people are like, excuse me, so what's, an- I literally, on Saturday night, people are like, so what's the difference between ale and a lager? Which for you guys would be a very basic question and like something would be kind of like whatever. But, you know, most people don't even know the difference between an ale and a lager. And that that is just where I was kind of starting from. And so I wanted to give people, start with, you know, it's like a weird tightrope walk with the book because you want to appeal to people that are getting into beer, but also people that love beer as well. So yeah. it was definitely a fine tone I needed to tread and information I needed to tread too. So, so that was, that drove me crazy. <laughs> so here's, I'm, I'm glad that you bring this up, especially bringing up the fact that we're kind of in this bubble. So when we talk to our friends about beer and when we're interviewing guys like you or, or brewers on the show, we're in a uh-huh. bubble where it comes from a place where everybody has a base amount of knowledge and then we try yeah. to build upon that knowledge. Um, the, the thing that I like about your book is that it is, it's, it, it could be considered kind of a beer 101, like a crash course, but it's mm-hmm. also it's extremely in-depth and from a person who really knows about beer. And the reason I point that out is because there are other beer 101, there's kind of like a beer for dummies book and some other things that don't really come from a place like a person who's as passionate and knowledgeable about beer as you are. It's more someone who just answered all the dumb questions for themselves and then wrote it down in a book for somebody else. And... 
You know, I find all the time, in fact, on this, uh, I'm going to talk about Austin beer at the end of the program here. I brought some home with me. I just got to spend a few days in Austin. And mm. with some, I met a bunch of new friends because I was there for my girlfriend's uh, college friend's wedding. All right? And, yeah. and, of course, when you're meeting a bunch of new people, the question that always comes up is, what do you do? And as soon as I start talking beer, you know, people have a million questions. And the yeah. million questions are exactly what you mentioned, Josh. They're, they're, you know, they're very rudimentary. They're very basic. And the problem I find is the balancing act between somebody being interested in finding out more about beer and their eyes glazing over because I've gone yeah. too far, right? Like I start, I go, well, <laughs> you know, beer skunks within two minutes of sitting in the sunlight. <laughs> like, I, you know, it, it, you and your book, I think, is approachable on sort of all of those levels because it could be that rudimentary or it goes in depth with particular beer styles. And uh, But you see what I mean? It's it, I think yeah. that this is particularly important for our listeners because listeners, listen to me, you're in the same beer bubble. Most of the people that you talk to don't know all the, the the base knowledge that you have, and this is a book that you could recommend to those folks. You know, your friends. Just to you look know, at like, yeah, it's actually been really amazing too. Even people that really uh, they really love their beer and like know their beer through and through. You know, you're. I think a lot of people that I know, particularly that like consider themselves like super beer geeks, they know their uh, they know their double IPAs through and through. They know their imperials, this and that. Right. When it comes to kind of like base styles and like how these things kind of led to the next one and like the continuum of beer, it's kind of like beer just kind of started in 1998. In a lot of sense, and so they forget that beer has been around for hundreds of years, and that there's there's a lot of idea where you know there is such beauty in a Kolsch or such beauty in a greatly crafted Pilsner, and that tends to get kind of lost in the fireworks while these big beer styles have been so popular. Yeah, and yeah, we can talk about everything's moving on to like session this, session that, lower alcohol, but whatever. Every IPAs are still going gangbusters. Everyone still wants that bitter hit. People understand bitterness. They understand it's a very ele- elemental flavor profile. And um, IPAs are not going anywhere anytime soon. Too bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, wah, wah, trombones. <laughs> well, and, I, and, and that's kind of my point. What I feel like you've done here, for example, in the book, there's a section about how beer is made. And then there's a section on glassware with images of what beer might be poured in different glassware. And then later on in the book, there's a section about water, Doc. Where, oh my. Now, he's not giving necessarily the full-on chemistry, but he's describing the historical process, the historical geography uh, that has added to the, you know, has created the beer styles that we know and love now. Right. That, not all water is the same. Uh, that, that maybe people don't know about. And that's kind of what I mean, Josh, that it's a good yeah. book for our listeners' friends, you know, the, the ones that are getting into beer, because it's not so 101, nor is it as geeky as I am. Well, I I just I saw the book laying here, and the first thing I thought was coffee table book. Yeah, and then looking inside of it, it was inviting. Just look, it's big. It's got. It just had that look. Oh, I want to pick that up and look at it. And the inside looks the same way. I don't have to read the whole damn book right. to just glean a few things out of it. I can read a little bit while, you know, my boring friends are over there talking or whatever they're doing. Hey, how dare you? And, you know, <laughs> the only modification I would make to the comment about it being a coffee table book is that I think if that coffee table is in every craft beer bar in America, this book should be sitting on it. It, it just looks like you oh, want you you to pick it up. It's big. It's uh, got a nice picture of beer on it, and it's it doesn't look like a textbook. 
It doesn't, and it doesn't read like a textbook. I know we're kind of blowing you right now, Josh, but... but, <laughs> but well, I mean, we, we talked about porn earlier on, so it's kind of going with a theme right this now. Is, yeah. like, this is, this is beer us. porn. <laughs> well, I guess what I mean to say is that it's an important resource for, uh, for a, a, a class of beer drinkers that's up and coming that are hard to speak to. That's yeah, it mean. was really it was really amazing. You know, I was doing some events. Gosh, this is maybe like a week and a half after my book came out. I was in Seattle doing a book signing, and then you know, a girl came up with a book, and it was already dog ear with tiny little notes and tabs here and there. <laughs> nice. And you know, it was just it was you know, I didn't think about being used like that, and I was like, oh, you know. And then she's like, I'm studying for Cicerone certification, and it was just. You know, it's just the idea that I, I didn't, I, I'll be honest, I didn't think to myself, like, how can I get a book that everyone that's selling for Cicerone can use? I mean, that was not it. Right. I really wanted to answer and talk about and just present information. And, like, you're talking about water. And, you know, John Palmer came out the water book. That is an amazing book. But that's also going to be over the heads of most beer drinkers. But, you know, when you start talking about water in the book like I try to do, you, you just want to give people... You want to give them the knowledge that something is different, that not everything is the same, that everything as simple as like water, grain, like where it's grown, all that matters as much as like the decisions everyone makes. That's not just like beer. It's beer is a series of carefully calibrated decisions that have occurred over, the, over centuries. And it's just this amazing thing. It's far more complex than just put it in a glass and chug it down and crush a can against your head. <laughs> you know, with that, so the morning that GABF started, in fact, maybe it was Wednesday, so it was just before I was going to set up. I turn on the TV in the hotel room, and Jim Cook is on CBS Today or Good Morning America, one of them, you know, out of New York, right? One of the big uh-huh. morning shows out of New York. And Jim Cook's sitting on the show. And so a, a major mainstream, you know, news hour, it's the morning news hour, but whatever it is, Jim uh-huh. Cook's sitting there, and their questions are ridiculous, and they so still lack the respect of beer. What's an example question? Well, um... So are a lot of people um, <laughs> drinking beer now? Well, pretty much. More than one. In fact, one, at some point... Is watched, beer the new wine? I watched... <laughs> yeah, not even, exactly. You know what? Not even that good. I watched for about 10 minutes. They had him on because, of course, Jim got announced as the first craft beer billionaire. All right? But, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I watched, for about, <laughs> I watched for about five minutes. And uh, so they're talking about bi- about beer, and Jim's doing a great job. And then finally, there's three hosts, and, and one of them asks the other, um, you know, do you drink beer? And, and what about this other famous guy he drinks merlot what do you drink and it was again it came from that place that beer had no place in society that they had no idea whether or not someone was a quote-unquote beer drinker it was sort of asked from a, a statement that i the reason i'm relating it to you now is from a place that beer has no respect it has no history it has nothing other than being a blue collar beverage but what yeah. joshua just explained to us and what i think this book does is and you all know this, I'm preaching to the choir, but, but that it has a history, that it comes mm. from a place, that it has a history it, it, among humans, it has a history among science, it has a history among agriculture. It is in no way just a blue-collar beverage, but all of uh, mainstream media treats it that way. And so, yeah, and it, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, think, oh yeah I, think, I think one of the big things also gets kind of overlooked, everyone's always like, weird flavors, weird ingredients, all this, that. I mean, that's, that's what gets media play. 
and I'm a member of the media as much as you guys are, and I understand that you gotta sell stuff sometimes with like a weird timely hook, like Halloween beers, talk about pumpkin, all this stuff. But people always kind of overlook that beer. Beer is really something that brings us together as people, right? And that's really, and it starts conversations that it makes us talkative, it gets us together, and that you know, for for the majority of folks, you know, beer becomes a thing. It's like a an accomplice to a great night, and not the cause of a great night. And I think that's um, you know, beer just kind of gets put in this weird little thing like uh, i can't look at carrie in the corner levitating things up there it's kind of a right and that's what beer is like this weird little oddity and it's like anomaly that's doing strange things even though it is so 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 prevalent in everyday life but people just kind of forget about that and when, it, when beer does a weird new trick like your dog's 10 years old and all of a sudden it rolls over no left instead of the right like wow beer's so different but it's not it's just right. you know but beer just has the ability unlike I think, unlike wine, you know, beer is so much more the product of brewers' um, creativity, inspiration, and just possibility. And like I always say, it's like you have four ingredients, you can spin them out like a kaleidoscope, and however many different directions you want to do. It's like, you know, you know, dream it, brew it, drink it. And that's really what beer is all about. And you don't really find that same sort of like, you know, outside the, uh, outside the box ingenuity occurring in a lot of other worlds. Like spirits, you're seeing, I, th- I see a lot more echo with um, cider worlds and um, spirit worlds than I do with the wine world right now as far as like innovation. I mean, I think wine oftentimes gets sold on these bucolic images of a vineyard is a goddamn gorgeous thing, but how many more shots do you need of someone sitting outside gazing over a vineyard <laughs> as the sun dolefully sets behind them and bathing them in magic hour sunlight? Yeah, they're all on <laughs> picturebook.com or whatever the hell all the stock images come from. Yeah, none. We don't need any more. No, that's for but, but beer pictures are dudes sitting in like a dark beer hall, like clinking glasses. There's not this beautiful imagery. It's not like, and it's just kind of reinforced. But I think sure. like a beautifully poured beer is far more gorgeous than uh, than like a simple glass of wine. You got the head, you got the carbonation, you have all these things, but it's just not presented like that. And that's right. just something as media we need to really try to like go more toward and really try to... Um, you know, bring it up and put it more in the pedestal it deserves. Right. Although, that being said, the title of this show will be Josh Bernstein Does Porn, just to make sure yeah. that we get enough downloads. Um, with, and, writes his, and, and writes his books with his pants off. <laughs> while trying to, while, while to figure out car issues and make his wife pregnant. That's yes. the, uh, this, but, the subtitle. But somewhere <laughs> in the footnote will be the title of your book. Somewhere. Oh, Josh Bernstein. That's, that's all that matters. As long as in there somewhere. Disturbed <laughs> author? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Uh, we're talking to Josh Bernstein. Uh, you can go to joshuambernstein.com to buy a signed copy of his book. You can go to Amazon and buy the book there, which is a great place, I think, to do it if you want to send it to your friends. Uh, you could always click the Amazon link right there on the homepage. And, you know, like I said, if you've got family or friends that are getting into beer, it's a good one because it has the basics, but it also really goes in depth. It gives recommendations about great beer bars. It gets tons of recommendations about examples of the different beer styles. There is history in there from countries like Italy. Of course, you're going to find Belgium in there, Great Britain, Scotland, uh, you know, and all kind of relating to the history of these, of these beers. By the way, I like that you're doing some of the the modern um, breweries, when you talk about, say, Great Britain, for example, I see the Colonel in here, which is a yeah. new craft brewery doing kind of American-style um, beers, but they're doing it in England, and you're referencing them here, referencing them uh, in your book now, as opposed to just doing the old favorites, you know? Well, you know, I think I, you know, that's an interesting thing about what's happening with craft beer around the world, that there's been such a... You know, America. So I say, America is a country that's kind of fallen on its fallen on its heels a little bit. Not exactly the bee's knees as far as the world is concerned, but 
we're still a country of ideas, a country of passion, innovation, and because we kind of lost where beer went, that we're able to really develop our own beer culture, and it's really so influencing everything from a New Zealand to Japan to um, Great Britain, and they're taking the cues from America that not, I will not say not everyone's doing like over-the-top IPAs, bigger, bigger, more, but it's more just the idea that beer doesn't have to fit into these like hidebound and these like um, dusty styles that have been sitting around these countries for years have really been defining what the beer is all about in those nations, and so that's where America is really coming into play. But the, uh, and that's the what, oh, sorry, go ahead. I know, yeah, I'm done. I need to drink a beer right now. <laughs> drink a beer. JP, go ahead. The irony is that our American influence is making these other countries do IPAs. Do you think, yeah, but do you yeah. think, like, yeah. I think, like, hey, JP, I'm curious. Like, you yeah. know, for me, I've always found the IPA to be, like, a conversion point, like the conversion mm-hmm. beer. It's like the, like the diverginator kind of thing, mm-hmm. where it's, like, so different from everything else that people tend to, that tend to look at and they're like, wow, I never knew beer could taste like that. Like your and mom's cougar find- friends. Right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I f- Makes you think, yeah. bit, think all over again. I don't know. <laughs> and that's what I think IPAs <laughs> kind of proved their metal. And I, I'm watching like drinkers that, that beer drinkers have kind of like, you know, start up the IPA, go double IPA, go bigger, bigger, more. And then, but kind of like go back down the scale and come around. And they're now settling on like, you know, great, well crafted Pilsners, lagers, stuff that, you know, they never really paid two cents to early on. But now they're really, that really to them sings to them. Right. And so I think IPA, IPA is a good starting point to start that wheel and it goes around. I agree. And in fact, that's a wheel for homebrewers to get passionate about beer and, and, and the whole thing. Um, hey Josh, you're you're kind of seasoned at this point. Did did anything surprise you when you were writing this? Oh my gosh, surprising! It's just like cutting through the crap and trying to figure out like this truth and what is like well crafted lie that's kind of been passed down over time. And so I think like that was you know like reading books like Martin Cornell's Amber Golden Black were like really instrumental to figure out the history of Porter and like how that led to the uh, birth of Stout and just like what was real and what is lie. And I mean, I uh, I really tried... It, it's really tough with the beer world because there, the history is there, but there's like so much back and forth and so much static out there, I think. And that, for me, it was, it was really hard to figure out what was true. And then also to kind of relate the information to people in a way that made them excited. Because, you know, you guys are talking about... Uh, I think, Justin, you're talking about, you know, like, I saw Humeons, two minutes, and beer is going to be skunk. And it's really easy to talk about beer styles as they're kind of like, this is why this thing tastes this way. It's because of like this much grain and this much yeast and this, right. this, this. Yeah. And so for me, it was like, it was really tough to like sift through history, read all this stuff, do all this research and sit back and try to construct a compelling narrative. Whereas my first book, Brood Awakening, was kind of really about the people and people and how they were changing the way the America brews beer and changing the world. I wanted to tell the same story, but have beer style stand in for that. But you don't really have the same, you don't, beer is not a person, but yeah. you, I want to treat them the same way. And so that was really tough for me to be able to make it a very engaging narrative and really make something that people would, that would read through and be like, huh, and like make it super exciting. And like you were saying, not textbooky. That to me was really that was really the challenge. I'm glad that you that. said it that way because that's what I meant. It, it, that it's a it's a read. I think that will get it'll keep the eyes from glossing over the folks. Uh, yeah. It, whether it be your friend or your partner, you know, we all have that that person in our life who's either a great friend and they want to hang out with us and they they want to know about the thing we're interested in. Sometimes that's our wife or our husband or whatever. And it's, but as soon as we start to talk about it, we're too much in that bubble. 
Um, yeah. You do a good job. I mean, I'm just looking over some of the examples that you give in the book. Some of the brewery profiles are breweries like Hair of the Dog Brewing Company, right? So like a tiny brewery in Oregon, but that's doing these very unique beer styles. Um, it's profiled in a book like this. Not, I don't th- think, because everybody can get their beer because they can't, no. but because it's an interesting story that relates to the content. Uh, yeah, I think that, that for me, like every chapter, I really tried to focus on a brewery. For example, if I was talking about if the chapter in IPAs, I would do a I do a big profile on Green Flash, which really has made their bones on making like beautiful archetypal bone dry West Coast IPAs, like yeah. deliciously bitter. And so each chapter, I really wanted to hone down, give like a nice thousand word profile on the brewery. So it's not just you're not just talking about these styles in some sort of like bubble or some sorry some sort of vacuum. To correct myself. Sure. And that you're actually you're hearing these real, real stories about why they got into this, why they're doing it. Like um, the Lager Pilsner chapter talking to Victory Brewing Company, you know, um, Dark Beers, like in Stouts talking to um, Duck Rabbit down in North Carolina, and uh, Wild Yeast, and like Brendan Meisey's talking to Chad Jacobson over at Kirk and Stave. It's all about putting a face to these things and kind of remembering that. You know, the beer in your hand is really the smallest part of a long process. Mm. And that the thing is delicious, it's awesome, but it's gone so much. These these people starting off home brewing back the first beer they had and going off to that step and then and then opening up the brewery. And it's really such a long, drawn-out process to get that beer in your hand. Right. But everyone always thinks is just go to the corner store and get that thing and it's there. And the beer, but so much went into it. And it's such a... And for me as a journalist, it's such a fascinating story to cover because... Everyone always thinks of this like a, a wild raging drunkard. And like, you write about beer, you must just be like totally pantsless, not even just when you write, but like right. when you go out and like waking up all You're day long drinking beer. But it's, it's a balance of you go out, you do talk to folks, but you have to come back home and wake up. I wake up every day around 7 a.m., get in my desk by 8 after walking the dog, and, uh, you know, tell stories. And that's what the beer world does. It's not just a story about the IP. IBUs, IPAs, you know, ABV, anything. It's a story about how beer brings people together. It's a story about beers revitalizing hometowns. It's a story about their battles against the TTB with labels. And that's what beer to me is not just the drinking. It's like this whole culture around it. And that's what I really love. And that's what, you know, Complete Beer Course is kind of synthesis of all these things all together. It's the stories. It's the beer. It's give people like a very well-rounded appreciation of just what, just what craft beer is all about. And beer in general, because... I mean, craft beer as a definition has become so kind of um, contentious and hot button over the last couple of years. And I've just stopped fighting with the definition of craft beer. It's just, um, if you enjoy it, you enjoy it, great. I'm not going to fight you and tell you that was made by a bigger brewery. I mean, Blue Moon has been such a fucking gigantic conversion point, paving the way for stuff like Allagash White without them having to put down millions of dollars. And who are we to say that Blue Moon's bad just because they're not made in the same sort of smaller smaller batch way that um, Allagash White is. I mean, sure. it's, I'm not going to fight anymore. It's like, if they like it, great. And if people like Coors Light, awesome. It's a tough beer to make. <laughs> right. Well, I think the way you describe it is is exactly right and, and what makes the book great. I think it's the reason, you know, the, the, the stories behind it and the process it takes to get that beer in your glass is why when I talk about it, as soon as we have a guest on the show and we're interviewing them, I like their, their beer 10 times more after speaking with uh-huh. them. It, it's inevitable. Yeah, exactly. it, it happens every single time. I like their beer more. And I think it's because of what you're talking about, you know, the, just the culture around it. Hey, Justin, did you catch the part where uh, Josh wakes up at 7.30 every morning or 7 every morning? Yeah, well, and, and he's self-employed? Seven. He's hey, retired. Josh, you're doing it wrong. And he doesn't have a kid yet. <laughs> it's, not, it's not my yeah, fault. 
Josh two, is retarded. I have two weeks to have a kid. Two weeks. Yeah, well, you. Oh. 7.30 is going to be your sleeping time. <laughs> well, yeah, now, that maybe he's just been in training, Moscow, which it does remind me, I have that in my notes, that uh, you knocked up your wife while writing this book. Um, yeah, not quite. I think, like, partway through, I mean, like, the thing about it was, it was uh, she's probably listening now. She's in the bedroom. Oh, sorry, I said knocked yeah. up. Whatever the beauty yeah, is in, that happened, and now you I have head, a. I, got I don't think impregnated is like, any more yeah. poetic. <laughs> yeah, than not, pitched okay. my yeast into her ferment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, Josh. <laughs> yeah, at least you didn't say make the beast of two backs. Right, <laughs> right, right. Which after you've been trying to have a baby for a very long time doesn't really. That's not really the way it happens. Did I mean, you but, guys have to yeah, try was, for a long time? Yeah, it was like a, it was about a year and a half. I mean, like you know, you think like a, a, you know, a fifth of Mad Dog in the back seat of any sort of like um, car with like amps to take your pants off, like or a lawn chair, prone, yeah. to do, prone to do with writing that you can make it happen. But it's really, you know, it, it didn't work like that. We got back from our honeymoon. We went, like, gosh, what was it back in uh, end of like James two thousand and twelve? We got back from our honeymoon, and then we're like, all right, let's make the magic happen. And then the magic did not happen, and so it was uh-huh. a really, it was a really crazy. God, it was a crazy year and a half that went down because we we're trying to have a baby, and it's like it's so it's so tough. I mean, it's so draining as a as a couple. You you want this thing together, and then All right, hang on. Like, Let me. I have questions about this. First of all, I yeah. want I want to comment that isn't it such a curse that we spend our whole young lives wrapping that thing up and trying not to knock somebody up when you're mo- when you're most fertile, right? Most fertile. And then the moment that you want to, it's a mess. So let me ask you that. Like, I think it's are, great. Are we talking about like? Uh, you know, you got to like check the schedule and honey, yeah. it's time. We have 10 minutes to do come, it right come now. Come home at lunch. Like, come like, home at lunch now. Yeah, I'm like, ovulating. Like when you say it's difficult, you have to give me specifics. Like what's the difficult part? Well, Just, the, difficult, the, difficult, the difficult part is like we got back from a, we got back from our honeymoon in Thailand and Vietnam and like our whole body has kind of got turned upside down. Like I am an inveterate street food eater where I will basically eat anything that's around. I got Parasites. a bad stomach virus. Okay. And so, which was not a delicious thing to have. And Janine's body kind of got turned upside down where, you know, our bodies are, uh, female bodies are very finely calibrated clocks that work according to schedules. And so when you um, throw that clock out of whack, it doesn't go back to normal again. And so it just took, you know, it just did not work out at all. Okay. And what ended up happening, I was trying to kill me, but I'll talk about it anyway. But it, I mean, do you guys want to hear details? Well, I guess, no, I mean, no, you don't yeah, have to go too far. I guess well, I just, so it wasn't exactly that, it's just that the, everything was out of whack. And, uh, yeah, everything, everything's out of whack. I mean, you listen to hear it, but maybe because they like science. So basically, what ends up happening is, like, if you have a period that's about 28 days, it's kind of ideal for your uterine lining. Think about it kind of like a, your fertilized egg is like a, the Velcro ball. All right. And then a uterine lining is kind of like a sticky surface. And so if it's 28 days, it's, like, awesome to catch the ball. But if it's, like, your period the, – the, sorry, the um, – the whole monthly cycle is only 24 days, which hers was. It's kind of like there's not a lot of sticky stuff on there to catch the ball. So what ended up happening was everything got so fucking out of whack that we had to get on progesterone, which is basically testosterone, but for the lady friends. And, and this and is then, <laughs> wait, and this is Vietnam's fault? Is that what you said? No, because he got, he got all jet lag. Because I will go to war with Vietnam no. for you if I have to, Josh. I'm an American. No, no, no. They got I jet lagged. I love Vietnamese soups. I love Vietnamese soups. I love my pho. It is delicious. It has helped many a hangover. But yeah, we got on that, and then that was um, probably um, on Valentine's Day, like Valentine's Day this year, we got pregnant, actually, which is like the biggest like romantic irony. But it's like, you know, after a while, when you're, uh, 
when you're out there and about trying to get trying to get pregnant, you become like a stunt cock. I see. It's like, yeah. just like you're just going through the motion. Yeah, you know, I, you, I, you need you a still, fluffer still, at that still, point. Still, no, 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 I mean, you still have love. It's all that, but it's like you know, you're definitely like trying at certain times, and it's just um, okay. All right. It's a very, it's a very specific thing, and like what made this whole time more difficult. Like I was writing the book and doing that, and then we had this crazy thing across the street where they're doing construction on the nursing home and so they're like sawing through like blocks of marble all day long while I'm trying to write the book and we're not getting pregnant and I'm trying to figure out the history of Porter and then them sawing through all these blocks and they're blowing the dust on our car parked outside it basically clogged up our air ducts and made our car flood all the time (laughs) so spending my days like trying to figure out why I cannot get my wife pregnant (laughs) History of Porter and how to unclog Volvo air ducts. Probably clog your <laughs> yeah. You semen were during the you were frustrated in New York City in years. Right. Well, I'm pantsless with a dog that has yes. to be walked three times a day, and I'm like, how am I going to write this book? Well, <laughs> you know, yeah, you're upset because it got all very mechanical, right? Everything was mechanical. Yeah, <laughs> but, but now you're, you're going to beg for those mechanical days. Now oh, the man. the Volvo's fixed, the construction's done, the dog's dead, the wife's pregnant, the book's published. I mean, you're golden, no, the, baby. The, the dog, the dog's behind. The dog's, dog's not dead. Oh, that's, that's a shame. Behind. I mean, oh, good. Moscow. No, the dog is awesome. It walks the itself dog's the best dog ever. Dog's Sammy fine. Bernstein is a champion, and he just looked up at me like. See, Moscow, a, he's a dog hater. No, no, I like real dogs. He has a he has one of the small, non-real dogs. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? A, a 30-pound corgi chihuahua that herd you into shape when you're drunk? He hates drunk people, so he may not like you. <laughs> <laughs> right. He lives with you. Let me put... You did mention... Uh, <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta love someone. You gotta love someone. You mentioned the hottest summer uh, in recent times in in New York, and it remind me of the part of the of your book that I just ha- I stumbled upon, which uh, uh-huh. was the top five beers consumed whilst writing the complete beer course. <laughs> and he points out that it was a not just a, one of the hottest summers on record, but uh, that he's in an old Brooklyn apartment that has no AC. Okay. Oh, oh my gosh! Now, yes. Uh, have any of you in the studio here been in New York City during a heat wave? No. I have, and I have. you've never been, and, and in Brooklyn, and and most, you know, Josh, you'd have to verify this. I wanted to say most of New York City. I think I'm correct. Most New York City apartments, unless you're well-to-do or upper upper middle class, you are not going to find air conditioning no. in your apartment. No, so, no, not at all. I mean, your stuff is uh, the housing stock was built. I mean, decade, decade, decades ago. Right. I mean, my building, for example, was built in 1910. And I'm on the uh, third floor of a three-floor townhouse built in 1910. Okay. Which, if I if I have my blender on and, and a hair blo- hair drawer blowing at the same time, yeah, like we're gonna fucking blow circuits. Like right. Believe. So you can't like put in a wall unit or anything like nothing. And no, I can't even put in. I can't even put in like heavy heavy paintings in the wall. Otherwise, my walls are gonna like <laughs> sink down. Yeah, right. So and I so th- what's funny about this too is you know you hear about heat waves in New York City on the news, and the reason you hear about them is because people die and i always used to think before i spent a little time there Pussies. i was always like what the fuck is wrong with these people go somewhere where it's cool like how do you die during, it's it's the 2000s and you die during a heat wave uh well after being there i'm pretty sure i almost died i understand how it happens uh, how did you save yourself did you go play uh, uh with a broken fire hydrant hydrated you? That's hydrated I'm i think he saved himself with these five beers ah <laughs> Here we up. Here we have the top. Can I? Uh, do you mind if I read them, Josh? Or do you want to wait yeah, for people I, to buy the book? I'm, I'm, I need a drink right now. I'm buying a drink, and you guys can talk. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read five through two, but you have to buy the book to find out his number one beer that got him through the. Start the with five. Start with five. Yeah. 
Number five, beer that got him through the heat wave while writing this book, The Complete Beer Course. Allagash White. You like that one, Doc. Yes, I do. That's a nice beer. Aromatic, thirst-quenching wit beer, he describes it as. You like that one too, Tasty? I do. It's a great one. It's it's light. It's uh, spritzy. It's good. Here's a new one from an old favorite that got him through. Number four, Sierra Nevada Kellervites, a pure, unfiltered Hefeweizen. Uh, that's a that's only a couple years old, right? Uh, the Keller yeah. Bites? yeah. 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 Uh, all right, number three, Trogues Perpetual IPA, West Coast style bitter beauty from Pennsylvania. Mm. Number two, tasty. Get ready, Janice Brown. Plain pig. <laughs> Lagunitas, little something, something. <laughs> little something, something. I had a, a nice, while ago. Smooth, hoppy wheat bomb. Now I'm going to leave the number one beer out of it, but I will point out that three of the four beers I did read. We're wheat style beers, Josh. Not summertime, summertime, my friend. Summertime okay. and refreshing. So, just just for the refreshingness, or do you find that you have an affinity for wheat beers in general? You know what? I mean, it's funny you point that. I never really thought about that. It was more just like summertime going on. Oh, was it what you had in the refrigerator? <laughs> uh, no. Um, the awesome thing about New York City is that you can buy beer at bodegas by the single, and so you can be really promiscuous with your beer choices. So. Nice. And uh, over the last uh, five years, a lot of my bodegas nearby have been like going gangbusters with great beer. And it's been really interesting. I mean, it's distributor-driven, of course, I understand that. But it's awesome to be able to go in there and like find uh, Victory Puma Pills, Bay Republic Racer 5 IPA, Lagunitas IPA, whatever. And so that's really, I mean, it's sheer laziness more than anything else. But sheer laziness allows me to buy those beers, listen to the book. No, I, th- I never thought that's of it being promiscuous if I just chose a lot of different beers. Oh, that's night. promiscuous. Absolutely. Yeah. You're whoring around. <laughs> yeah. I like that. You're whoring around. Now, now every- it. Yeah, that's me. Well, well I'll tease that the number one beer I was... was, was yeah, it's a big difference from like, you know, 50 years ago, you were a, you're like a single beer man. But nowadays, everyone, you know... You have favorites, but no one says... It's like everyone's... Like the question... I'm sure you guys get asked all the time. It's like, what's your favorite beer? What do you really enjoy? Like, what's your favorite beer, Justin? <laughs> right. Oh, it's Cantillon. Yeah. Anything from Cantillon. But uh, in general, <laughs> we don't have one. And the reason we have over like 2,500 breweries in this country and that craft beer is, is doing so well for a bunch of small businesses is because we are promiscuous. I mean, that's yeah. really what it is. Yeah, being flippy. Because if we, you know, like you mentioned, if we, we used to be one beer people. And, and by the way, I, I guess most of the country still is. If craft yeah. brewers were to do that, if we were to, sorry, if craft beer drinkers were to start doing that, we would have much less variety. Some, a, a few companies would rise to the top like they did before. Yeah. And the rest of the small business market would sort of fade to the to the bottom. So it's it's part of the whole culture that we happen to be promiscuous. With yes. our beer, hell, most of the mm-hmm. world is one is one beer style. Yeah, you know. Yeah, who are uh, we to say anything? Well, so I'll you're just, not judging me then? Not judging you. No, okay, I'm good. judging you. Uh, your wife might, but I will not. <laughs> hey, um, I will tease that the number one beer on uh, uh, the list here that that got Joshua through was not a wheat beer. Ooh. It was a different style. But I do recommend <laughs> you go buy the book to find out the answer to that Let me guess. and many more things. Not to mention putting it on your coffee table. Not to mention maybe buying it for your favorite local pub if you happen to know the owner and you want to do a nice thing. Give him a copy of this book to put on the coffee table at the bar. Uh, 
give it to your friends, give it to your wives or your girlfriends or your husbands or whoever it is in your life that's sort of into what you are, uh, into what you are, but, but you can't quite get them there. This book will help you do it. Go to joshuambernstein.com. You can buy a signed copy there. You can walk into a Barnes and Noble and get it, or you can order through Amazon, especially if you click the Amazon link on our homepage. And then, of course, you can send it to anybody. There have already been four purchases. Nice. Well, you know, people have gone in the chat room and said, and one, my baby diapers. (laughs) And one was the autographed copy. Hey, you know, Josh, Christmas is coming up. Uh, This would make an awesome present. To all of us from you. For, or just, <laughs> just just from everybody. It, it's not just a beer geeky book. No. Um, you should have a 10-unit a, a breakdown. <laughs> so if they Am- Amazon it as a 10-unit, you give it to everybody. Oh, you I could see. be that guy that gave the same present to everybody. Ten, I see. That's not a bad idea, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> give, give it a 10-unit breakdown just a little bit. and Hey, I'd give it a 10, friend. <laughs> Also, don't forget over there at joshuambernstein.com, you'll find Joshua's uh, previous beer book, uh, Brood Awakening, which also got rave reviews, and uh, you could listen to our podcast about that as well. Uh, Josh, thanks for being on the show and for writing another great resource, man. Hey, thank you very much for having me. Hey. I have the pants on to talk to you guys. It's very exciting. <laughs> hey, how did promotions go at the JBF, by the way? Oh, my God, JBF was great. It's just such a whirlwind. You touch down, it feels like you get the beer put in your hand, and then you get the beer taken every hand when you go on the plane. And there's very little sleep happening. But I had a great time. Ship it was terrific, except uh, I got really drunk on Thursday night, which is my big mistake. I had to do two TV spots on Friday morning. Oh, no. So I told my wife, I was like, oh, my God. It was like two TV spots back-to-back. Which, you know, everyone's like, oh, look at you, complaining about your TV spots. But I was so wildly hungover where I actually had to stop myself over the first one. And I was like, do not vomit, Josh. Whatever you do, don't be that guy on YouTube that vomits <laughs> on TV while talking about beer. Josh, tell us about Dude, your latest have, book. Well, you can buy it. Yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? You would have sold so many more books. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, you know, no. there's infamy and there's fame. And there's two different things all together. Right. Yeah. 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 He like, think f- about that guy that did, like, you know, hide your wife, hide your children. It's like the raping everyone. <laughs> You're right. Like, where's, he at, where's he at these He's days? a millionaire. Yeah, he, he made not, a lot of money. Josh, he's a millionaire, dude. <laughs> But he's not on the Brewing Network. (laughs) Touche. Well, because we couldn't get him. Right. (laughs) His agent wanted a front fee, and I was like, fuck that. Yeah. But if I say I did not vomit, even my wife told me that it looked like I was going to vomit for the first, like, half second. Right. I fell into, like, talk mode. But, you know, I went to New Belgium, got some, uh, signed some books out there, and it was a good time. It's probably a good move. Like, you probably would sell, uh, you know, some books. But you wouldn't get another book deal. Right. right. That's true. <laughs> might, yeah. not need, might not need one. <laughs> yeah. It's like, maybe I can sell vomit stain copies. That'd be my hook. Oh. Yeah. The author has yeah. puked on pages one through ten in here. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm vomiting over the books already. <laughs> go check it out. JoshuaMBernstein.com or uh, walk into a Barnes & Noble or go to Amazon. And all you got to do is look up the complete beer course. It's boot camp for beer geeks. And uh, believe me, it's got the BN's backing. I think it's really a great resource for... Uh, I'm just going to start handing it out instead of making my poor friend's eyes gloss over. I'm just going to hand them the, this book. Does so. that include us? Uh, <laughs> no, other friends. <laughs> no. Friends that I care about. Oh, okay. We're Josh, not friends. We're employees. <laughs> right. Josh, thanks for being on the program again, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. thanks so much. It was really great to have you guys. All right. I hope to see you again in New York City where, by the way, you're still doing like homebrew tours and stuff too, right? Yeah, so the homebrew tours. I had to take uh, a couple months off for uh, the baby stuff, but mm-hmm. next okay. year I should be cranking up homebrew tours again, which is basically, if anyone wants to know, like I'm basically... Like, 
a roving voyeuristic uh, tour inside three different homebrewers homes. You can try their beer, meet the brewer, and a bunch of random strangers. It's a great way to see New York. Believe me, I'm, I'm not being sarcastic. It's an oh. awesome thing to do. Homebrewers are, are awesome. New York homebrewers are some of the coolest people I've ever met. So the tour is just a great idea. Watch your wallet. Uh, all right. Good luck with the <laughs> baby, Josh. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Enjoy the night, guys. Take Thanks, care. Josh. Cheers. Don't drink yeah, too many yeah. IPAs out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's in the right place at the right time. New York is an awesome place for beer lovers right now, and it's growing all the time. Uh, Doc, by the way, we saw Josh out there at our uh, listener party yeah. when uh, we were out there. And um, Josh Bernstein, go to joshuambernstein.com and uh, check it out right now. You can buy signed copies of the book right there. Before we go to break, I want to let you know you can still go over to our friends at adamandeve.com. That's right, adamandeve.com. If you go there uh, right now and use coupon code BNARMY, B-N-A-R-M-Y, you'll get um, 50% off just about any one item. You get free shipping. You get three free adult DVDs from uh, all sorts of different genres. Um, you name it; it's probably there. Lots of anything you want. Lots of genres. Uh, I mean, there's stuff outside of the genres too, but they have so many genres. That well, that's, can, what my, that's what uh, Josh was talking about. Yes, I mean, the, hot chocolate. Take it from our author tonight. There's a yeah. lot of different niche porn out there, and you can find it all at adamandeve.com by using coupon code BNRE. Plus, on top of all those other things, uh, you'll get free shipping and uh, 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 one free gift. So sensual that it's very sensual. It's how sensual We can't even mention it, probably. Yeah. It probably already turned you on. That's how sensual it is. Yeah, I yeah. have a boner. Right. Just thinking about it. Sensuality. Right. Sensuality. Sensuality. Sen- Sensuality. Yeah. Sensuality. Yeah. Yeah. Sen- yeah. It comes in a uh, brown paper bag. So, so do I. <laughs> Go to adamandeve.com right now. Use coupon code oh, BNARMY. Christmas is coming up. I mean, what better reason to buy a dildo than that? And you don't have to go to that creepy store down the road. Adamandeve.com. Thank you very much. I wonder if Josh uh, wrote any of the descriptions for any of Adam and Eve's products. He should have. Good question. Wow. He's a good writer. I bet he would do a good job. Uh, but could, could he do a new live read for us? <laughs> I like that he mentioned that he's like, uh, his experience was very limited when he got to the porn company. So here he is now. To, to that point. Having to interview people about double penetration and who knows what else. And he's just like. You got to punch that copy up too. Yeah. And every you know that sometimes he had to be like, shit, I got an urban dictionary this before the interview now. <laughs> I don't know. Well, what first we went to an iron steeple, and then that was a little uncomfortable. So then we yeah. went to a Maryland runaround, and let me tell you, that's where I really knew what was in for me in the thing. Yeah. Was there an Urban Dictionary in the in 2000? Mm-hmm. You know? I guess probably not. What do you Maybe. do? No. I want to know no, I don't think what a so. term is. No, you, you, you could still Google it. You would just get uh, it still images. You, you, would ask your, you, you ask your dad's salty sailor friend. <laughs> yeah, you would ask that one friend, the one guy. Yeah, who would, who would preface it by saying, "Don't tell your parents," but <laughs> oh yeah, I gotta tell you about that. It's the guy right. you call uncle who isn't really your uncle. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, Uncle Arthur, what's a golden shower? Well, son, well, it's kind of like a Chicago hay bale. <laughs> hey, Uncle Arthur, <laughs> what's a hot plate? It's kind of like a Tennessee foot looking, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Uncle Arthur, what's a Minnesota steamer? Well, it's like a shoelace wrapper, but... It's like a Cleveland steamer, but <laughs> much more inbred. It has, like to, has, to, do, has to do with wheat. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got some beer news. Uh, I've got some feedback to do. Feedback. And I'm going to tell you all about Austin Beer, at least feedback. what I learned. We'll be back. It's the session. Feedback. You're listening to The Brewcasters, the Brewcasters. on The Brewing Network.
Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. New items include the Big Oxygen Kit for economical wart aeration using common welding oxygen tanks and the Unistat line of external thermostats for easy control of both electric heaters and refrigerators. In addition, they've just mashed their new oatmeal stout malt extract so you can make those tasty winter oatmeal stouts and porters without mashing. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific Time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. This is a public service announcement. <laughs> hey, dude, I think there's some... <laughs> What's wrong? You don't look so good. There's, <coughs> there's something wrong with your beard. It's making everyone sick. <laughs> Let your beer make your loved ones ill. Proper cleaning and sanitation is the key to avoiding puke on your shoes. But I used an all-in-one. Cleaning and sanitizing cannot be done in a one-step process. No cleaner can sanitize, and no sanitizer can clean. The amazing chemists at Five Star Chemicals have your solution. Clean with BBW and sanitize with Star Sand. Fantastic! Your friends and loved ones will thank you. Five Star products are available at fine homebrew shops near you and online. Put your best beer forward with Five Star Chemicals. Your one stop for the cleanest two-step solution. When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the Intuitive Beer Gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Brewers, anyone can resell homebrew equipment and recipe clone kits. Get original at Adventures in Homebrewing. Adventures in Homebrewing has the knowledge and expertise to craft their own gear and original recipe kits that you'll love. Home of the Serial Killer Grain Mill, 220,000 BTU propane burners, custom stainless steel false bottoms, as well as custom-built brew stands and systems. These are just some of the items Adventures in Homebrewing designs and manufactures in-house. And the brewers at Adventures in Homebrewing keep designing, too. Original extract and all grain recipe kits that are tried and tested and proven to be of the best quality. Most popular are the Blueberry Tangerine Porter, the Nor'easter Cranberry Fest, and the Peanut Butter Conspiracy Stout. Once you try one of Adventures in Homebrewing's original recipes, you'll keep coming back for more. And don't forget to use the coupon code BIG10 when you place your order to save 10%. That's coupon code BIG10, B-I-G-T-E-N. Visit Adventures in Homebrewing at homebrewing.org right now and get original today. Homebrewing.org. Join the adventure. 
When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone certification program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerone's no beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. A few things happened 30 years ago. ARPANET migrated to TCPIP, and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and Bruin brother Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at HopTech.com Mix me your 100 grain amber recipe and I'm going to eat it. And then it can ferment in my gut. It totally works. The beer is almost identical to the grain sandwich. Your colon won't know what hit it. <laughs> the, the home of live beer radio. TheBrewingNetwork.com Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. Beer. This is the session. All right, welcome back to the program. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks to Josh Bernstein and uh, and porn and porn. Uh, now the all new book, uh, the complete beer course, boot camp for beer geeks, uh, great for the beginning and intermediate beer drinkers. And by the way, I, I think great for uh, beer geeks as well because there's a lot of in depth information in there about the history of different beer styles and uh, different beers. You can go over to uh, joshuambernstein.com and buy signed copies, or just search it over on Amazon. Uh, especially if you click the Amazon link on our homepage, uh, or you know what, if you're just want to be out and about and do it on your own, you can walk into a Barnes & Noble Booksellers, and uh, they're on the shelves there. Now, I wanted to talk about just uh, briefly, uh, I don't know how depth in-depth I'm ready to go, but, I mean, I got to spend a few days in Austin. And, you know, I haven't spent a, a good amount of time in Austin since about 2007 when the Craft Brewers Conference was there. And literally there were there were 
almost no uh, breweries whatsoever. I think I talked about this when we had Jester King on the show not too long ago. In fact, we've had a couple breweries, uh, Jester King and... Um, Black Star Co-op, both on the program. And neither one of them were there when I was there back in 2007. To get good beer back in 07 when the Craft Brewers Conference was there, I had to go to uh, Ginger Man. And Ginger Man, a a great craft beer bar at the time, and they had lots of craft beer on tap, but it wasn't local beers. Well, now, not only are there a bunch of new breweries, but there's even uh, a beer bar that I I went to twice, as a matter of fact, called Craft Pride. You'll go places twice. Uh, in this case, I had to. Um, it's not a gay bar for craft beer. Uh, it's a craft pride. It's all Texas breweries on tap, and they had tons of different beer on tap. You know, some multiples from from uh, you know one brewery, but from breweries all over Texas, and that's all that you found on tap at Craft Pride. Uh, so I thought that was a very cool thing, the change to yeah. see for, since 2007 to be able to go into a beer bar that was completely Texas beer. Uh, the first stop I went to, um, by the way, none of these are, are paid plugs. These are just places I got to go check out and have Put some Put a smile beer. on your face. Austin Beer Works. Only been around a couple years now. And, Doc, this is the one that you would have gone back to twice. I go into Austin Beer Works, and it was a little bit after 5 o'clock. They're in an industrial area. And it's a brewery with a tasting room. And a little and, sleazy because it's in an industrial area? You know, a little bit, but it was full with with guys in button-up shirts. So, clearly, it's like the industrial people who just get out of work around yeah. there. Not like blue-collar industrial, but, you know, uh, so it was just full up in the tasting room. We went to the pla- that place in Virginia. Kind of the same thing. Industrial area. Yeah. Button-up shirts. Everyone gets out of work at 5 o'clock, yeah. and apparently they're they going know to Austin where to go. And there were several other you know, types of people in there, too. But I look up at the menu, and a lot of different beers. On the right side, a lot of hoppy beers. There was a fresh hop beer and a couple different IPAs. And uh, Down the left side, there were some lagers. And right down the middle, they had their seasonal up, and their seasonal was a Hellas. <gasps> and, uh, you know, I really enjoy craft-brewed Pilsner's um, Hellas is definitely great, but... It's not often that they're done very well, so yeah. I asked for a sample first. I didn't want to. I took a sample yeah. of the Hellas. It was perfect. It was a perfect Hellas. It was a German Hellas. It was so damn good. Uh, so I ordered a pint of that. Uh, so great that when I wanted to then try the Pilsner, I didn't even need to take a taste anymore. I didn't need a taster. <laughs> you could tell. You could tell right off the bat that this brewery knows how to make lager beer. I'm surprised you could tear yourself away from that Hellas. Oh man, to even do a Pilsner. Only because I was driving. I had the Hellas and then half a Pilsner. Then we hung out for a little while. I was the DD at that point until we switched off later on. Um, <laughs> the the Hellas was something else, man. I'm telling you. Uh, I'm making my mouth water right now. Austin Beer Works also puts their beer in cans in quite a bit of places around Austin. So the the Pilsner that I had, I found everywhere. In fact, it was the they, they were the brewery of the wedding. The the, the 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 all the beer that was at the wedding was from Austin Beer Works, and they had this Pilsner in cans. They had like an extra pale lager in cans. They had a Schwartz beer in cans that was fantastic, and then they rounded it out for the hopheads and put an IPA in there. Um, but, Doc, I, I do wish you were there to talk about the Hellas with me because I didn't have much to say. I ended up getting <laughs> to meet the brewer, and all I could really say was, this is amazing. This is good. And it's a true German Hellas. From the right. German Hellases that I've had in Germany, this tastes like that. You've done it right. I don't know anything else about how to make this beer, so I have nothing more to talk to you about because I've never made one. Or uh, I like how you got a little Germanic right now. This tastes just like this. the one I had in the land, the homeland. It's just like it. Ah, oh, so well, good. Tasty makes an awesome Hellas, too. And you it, guys, it, if you get there, if you get there, try it. 
When's the last time Tasty brewed a Hellas? <laughs> a long time ago. I haven't had a Tasty Hellas when in I a brewed, long you know, time. For Me neither. Competition. Again. Brew it. Brew a Hellas. Yeah, I'd love to taste <laughs> your Hellas again. I'll just do it. Yeah. You just do it right I'll now. Just whip that, one up. This moment. I'll whip one up. Uh, I'll have it for you next week. I can do that. It might have been the best commercial Hellas I've had outside of Germany. I love it. Yeah, you always wonder, can they do it? Can they do it? Yeah. When it's just spectacular. I'm, I'm really surprised you could move on. Let me ask you this. Somebody made it. I posted it on Facebook. I was trying to let people know where I was going. And somebody made a comment. It must have been a local. And they said, oh, if you're going to Austin Beer Works, stick to the dark beers because the water that they have over there only does that. Mm. But clearly the one I'm talking about is not a dark beer. Yeah. Um, and the water would show up. Are the water profiles different for what would make this, well, this person thinking they were great? Maybe they're changing their water profiles. Uh, if they're using a lot of Munich in their Hellas, that could help. Okay. So there's, there's some things. I have no well, doubt in my mind that the two of you would have found, found this a wonderful Hellas. So, listeners, whoever maybe read that comment thinking that they don't do good lager beers there, light lager beers, I just I disagree with that listener. I only bring it up because I thought maybe I was missing something that, I don't know, I, I thought maybe I was missing something. Well, if your water's alkaline, you're going to... Make better dark beers. Okay. So, so they, okay. they they probably did something to it. To, okay. They may have used some RO in combination or gone mm-hmm. to an RO system. Diluted it some. The right. one thing I did talk to the brewmaster about is he did mention we take all the time that we want to take with our loggers. So that Hellas, it loggered for at least eight weeks yeah, before that, they put that, it on tap. That's the problem with uh, most places when they try to do you know a logger. Yeah. Uh, they're getting pushed through. They don't have the 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 conical space they don't have the tank space right yeah and if they got if they can do whatever they wanted like like do it in do it in a german accent <laughs> which part we take all the time we want <laughs> oh yeah that's it he was we take all the time we want eight weeks uh yeah so they i think he said at least eight weeks and it was just uh, wonderful that's why it was wonderful no. all right they're not paying for this plug so i should move on and then they can pay for the next one but it was a wonderful <laughs> wonderful beer and i really liked it and the people were very nice to me there too uh then we went over to black star co-op and and with black star i know we've had him on the program but that's a visit for me that is like is basically like six years in the making because i met uh uh chris rauschber rauschbeer i don't know how i always fuck up his name <laughs> rob show at this at the craft brewers conference before black star ever opened and and then i checked i saw him at nhc conferences every year since then and it hadn't opened it hadn't opened and uh, it opened now a couple years ago and you know what uh, they're doing great also uh awesome food by the way they they kind of mentioned to me they never thought they'd they'd have a no be known for their food or have a great chef but they do. They have a fantastic chef uh, and all their food. They got voted um, best French fries in, in Austin. But the, the more important thing about that is I guess the person who had had the best fries before them has had it for over 15 years or wow. something, like completely unchallenged. And they just, I think, I think Unseated. they, they kind of said what happened was um, they got a bad review about their French fries to begin with. And the chef took it such to heart that it became his mission. To perfect the French oh, fry. Wow. <laughs> Talk about vindication. Oh, he just, he couldn't, which by the way, to me is the sign of a great chef, right? Like he, he just, he couldn't have it out there that one, that something on his menu had gotten a bad review like that. 
So he, he took it upon himself, and now they have the best. They were voted the best, you know, French fry in Texas or in Austin or something. It's like a good that. thing he got that accolade because if he didn't, and he had really tried to focus on the French fries, <laughs> not right. a great sign, you know. Right. But all the food was really fantastic. So I, I just mentioned that because they've really made a great cooperative brew pub, and the model that is this this co op is it's just something else. I got to talk to them more in depth about it and. Uh, you can go back and listen to the interview with Blackstar, and you'll hear about it there. But, you know, there's, I don't know, there's a couple thousand members or something. The whole thing is funded just by becoming a member, which now is something about, something like 120 bucks or 150 bucks, And it's a one-time buy-in, and then you're a member. And it's it's one person, one vote. So whatever happens with the company, whether they're going to open a new location or get a new brewer, sometime, get a new brewer that's exactly right, or new sometimes chef. even a new beer. Uh, not all of them, but that. What are we going to make? It's one person, one vote. So everybody really gets a say. And then uh, you you could you, there are dividends. Uh, I guess they they usually vote to keep the money back in the company because they're still new. But they could vote as a majority to get dividends, and then they'd get paid. It's really this incredible model. And all of the people I met that were there, that were partners, they really felt like they owned the place. Like it was part of them. You know, that, that was their bar. And it's not that they got free beer or anything, but it was they helped build it. Um, so it's just a cool environment. And on top of all that, the beer was awesome. It's one of the only places, uh, aside from Jester King, that I bought beer to take home and put in the hotel room because I wanted to drink good beer. No, you, you weren't going to bed. You weren't going to... Yeah. At the end of the night, you need that last good beer. Okay. I how brought home Black Star Co-op. How many different uh, taps did they have? I don't remember, but it, they didn't just have their own. They had guest taps as well. In fact, Jester King was on tap there. Austin Beer Works was on tap there. Hops and Grain wasn't a brewery that I got to go to, but I did have some of their beer. That was really good. That's a local brewery. Um, Live Oak is the only brewery, I think, that was there back in 2007 when I was there, and they're still around. They're like the old craft brewery, right? But still garner tons of respect from the local craft brewers, every, new ones. Every, every, every craft brewer I went to mentioned Live Oak. They're not like the old boy who did it wrong. They're like the first craft brewery that did it right, right. and allowed everybody else to do it also. So, did you get any beer guest from, taps as well. Did you get any beer from Infamous Brewing Company? So I did have, and unfortunately, I don't remember what it was, but at the bar Craft Pride that was all... Um, oh, that's all Texas. I was all Texas. I think the infamous beer I had was a double IPA, but don't quote me on that because at that point in the night... I it was I was doing really good, and I don't remember if that. Was, I just remember that I ordered. Somebody said you should try an Infamous because they're from around here too, and and I do remember liking it, whatever it was. Great. Forgive me, Infamous, if you happen to be listening. To that I don't know what I had from you, but I do remember that I liked it. They what, listen. What about uh, the rest of the Austin scene? Did, like in the non beer places, did you notice how, how were the taps looking? Just Sierra and Sammy, or not even that, or better? No. So the place that I went to, I didn't go to Sixth Street, which is where all of the kind of regular bars are, and that's where I went back. That's the touristy it's spot. It's the Bourbon Street of yeah. Austin. Yeah, I went to a newer street called Rainy Street, and uh, Rainy Street. Uh, Austiners are probably going to. Correct me on this. The the story I was told by a friend of mine from Austin, Rainy Street's kind of right along the freeway system. By the way, this is the part that sucks about Austin. The freeways are terrible. <laughs> the traffic is worse in the Bay Area. It's awful getting around Austin. It sucks. So apparently some years ago, they uh, the city uh, claimed imminent domain around this stretch of freeway, uh, meaning that they were going to expand the freeway 
and that anybody living near it was going to be forced to sell or move or whatever. So a bunch of people started moving out. Well, then they didn't do it. So Rainy Street is this residential street turned commercial. So it's all these bars and restaurants, but they're built in houses. Oh, I want to go there. They're built that's in so these, ghetto. That's where Craft Pride <laughs> is, as a matter of fact. And they're all built in the... So they have these... Some of them have big stages and big backyard like sitting areas. But it was literally at one point somebody's fucking backyard. So, right. it, so it's like a crack house for beer. <laughs> well, they're all done up really nicely now. But there, you can tell as you walk down the street, it looks like you're walking down a residential neighborhood, except for the door. Like the old wooden door has been taken off and replaced with a glass commercial what door. About the, the front, That's it. The front picket fence and the gate. Their picket fences are still there, Ew. and the the front patios are turned into sitting areas. I mean, it's that's pretty cool. It is awesome. Uh, so that's oh, the Austin. only place I hung up and uh, hung out. And uh, to answer the question, each of the bars I went to on that street had several good craft beers on tap. Were they Texas beers or mostly Texas hmm. beers? So I found a lot of Austin Beer Works and uh, Hops and Grain. Um, so. Yeah, just some 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 good places. So th- that was the first day. The second day, I got to go out to Jester King, which was that was the one at the top of my list, you know. And they had been on the program, of course, and we really liked their beers. And we have their beers in front of us now. Um, they're the ones who I brought a suitcase full of beer home from. Everybody else, I drank while I was there. But I love this brewery, and we drive out there. It's kind, it's a little ways out of Austin, um, and it's down like a dirt road, and you can't figure out how to get there. And when you pull up to it. You're still not certain that you're in the right place because it's a barn. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's a little like that. And there's like a pizza place next to it that is only open three days a week. And it doesn't even have an indoor area. It just has like covered seating. And then there's a barn off to the left. And that's Jester King Brewery. Now, it's nice. Don't get me wrong. It's actually an awesome spot that if we were Texans, we would have all of our BN events out at this place. That's how cool the, the location is. Plus... There's like shooting going on in the background and a stunt place next door, so we would be allowed to do whatever. Why are we not there now? I know. It's very cool. And so I go in there and, and they let me come in during non tasting room hours, so I very much appreciate them taking the time. And Jeffrey, the, the brewer, um, he hung out with us and took us around. Awesome barrel program. So they're doing really well with that. And, you know, Jeff, uh, still, he said it on the show and he said it again. Like, this is one of my favorite new breweries. He claims that he learned how to brew from the Brewing Network, from listening to our show. So to me, it's very flattering to get to share beer with him. But uh, the the main two things that were impressive were, once again, the beer. All of them were great, and I, we'll, we'll have some here. But the other part was, and I said it on the show, their artwork is just fucking incredible. I want to steal their art guy so bad. Or at least hire him to do something. Yeah, like the guy's penmanship who wrote with this pink <laughs> pen on this on this uh, hand label. Well, so it, it, you're lucky enough to have a uh, as of yet unreleased beer, in mm. Moscow, and that's why you're not experiencing the labels. But some of the other bottles, uh, the bottle we have down there, and uh, I got a T-shirt from them. Uh, some other bottles. Their artist is incredible. Yeah, they look great. That combined with great beer. Your artists aren't good enough. Mm. No. <laughs> Not once you see their stuff. What is this we're drinking now? The one in front of us? Okay. So the one in front of us... Thanks, JP, by the way. Essentially... Welcome. ...is a framboise, is, is what I would call it anyway. Oh, it's like, take your... Is, it, is this the most tart you've ever seen a framboise? Framboise? It's, it's pretty tart. It's um, framboise. 
By the way, it has a heart on the label that looks like a pop. I mean, all their stuff is just awesome. It's called... Yeah. Somebody with good eyes should should read the title. <laughs> good eyes. <laughs> a- atrial ru- rubicite? Here, that that sounds say, about right. It's easier to say. Really? You have it. So you have yeah, good eyes on, over your eyes. Atrial yeah, rubicite. So this, I believe, is available now if you're in Texas and maybe some other very exclusive locations. Um, it is essentially a framboise. Uh, to me... We had this in the tasting room. The aroma, before I ever tasted it, was very much like a Cantillon rosé. Yeah. The flavor differentiates it, and and in its own good way. Uh, it's their own beer with their own bugs, and it came out fantastic. But the aroma right away just knocked me off my socks because I thought, shit, this is Cantillon. Um, but they did their own unique framboise, and, and I love this beer. It's very tart, but not sweet. It's tart. It actually tastes like eating a raspberry in the sense that... There's that full kind of seed flavor. You know, you're crunching on the raspberry. You get, you get you're eating the whole fruit and not just the essence, or drinking the juice of it. Yeah, yeah. You get that 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 pulp kind of darker flavor, even a little like huskiness from and, like and, the seed. And, yeah, yeah. Raspberries aren't sweet. They're just like that. That really tart, yeah, pucker tart. Yeah, yeah, pucker tart. Yeah, it's right there. It has a super deep red color to it. That I think matches the flavor. It's probably one of the better fruit beers, if you can call it a fruit beer, I guess, uh, that I've had. I mean, it's it's very, very well done. Yeah. It says uh, blend two here on the label from August uh, of this year. So did you speak to him about blending at all? Uh, Not very much. Uh, I do know that blending is a part of their program. And I think if I do remember right, the blend of this, and Jeff, you're going to have to forgive me if I get this wrong, but this is a version of doing uh, an old and a new, right? So blending a one year with like a three year, something like that. And maybe the time difference, I don't have exactly right. But but the blend is not just taking two batches that are the same age. It's it's blending a newer one with an older one. Everything that they do is bottle conditioned, as he mentioned on the program. I got to see their bottle conditioning room, which they it's just a big room that they try to keep at like 72 degrees or something to make sure everything conditions. Um, so are they uh, adding croissant? They, are they adding sugar back to uh, ferment in the bottle i don't know it's it does say yeah it says uh, hundreds of pounds of raspberries were added to oak barrels uh, the beer was then allowed to re-ferment to dryness there you go yeah well that was just with the fruit but That's i forget what he said oh. when he puts it in bottles you'll have to forgive me we, you know what we should do is just get him back on the show and do it again mm-hmm. he might have even said it in the last one um because you can't get it that dry and then expect it to ferment in the bottle and hopefully it'll get down yeah i don't know if he puts it in before it's reached wow. what he thought would be terminal but it's it's great isn't it wow it's in a really interesting bottle too it's it's like the champagne style bottle but it's uh it's uh, like a, a smaller it, version it's like a half yeah i forget what they're called but he did say that these are the first batches the the one we just had the 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 atrial and the one we're about to have that he's put in that size bottle usually he's doing the 750 milliliters and um yeah. It, it looks like a, a Scotty of uh, champagne bottles. They're probably 350. Yeah. It kind of looks like Orval. Uh, the bottle does. A little bit like that. It's just a little it's the it's a little fatter than the Orval. Yeah. Um, Is he the only one using these? I've never seen this before. I've never seen them either. No, I think they're being used by other brewers. I've seen them. I can't put my finger on it right now, but um, it's very expensive to have a bottle made for you. So yeah. I'm I'm quite certain that they must have um, you know used it from somebody else's deal. This beer is so good. Jeez, it's yeah. exactly what I needed. Yeah, and so it's a framboise that we can still get and afford in the United States. I know it's just Chester King. Tart, you can't get your soul back. Oh man! But just like Cantillon, you can only get it sort of in the United States. 
Sort of. They right. do have distribution in California, I found yeah, out now, do. but it's pretty limited. Right. Um, they're also working on distribution in other places, but yeah, it's it's hard to get. I mean, there's there's still a small growing brewery. Oh, that's not a knock um, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I just mean you're right. It's still pr- very limited in quantity, which is why I brought home uh, you know several bottles of it. I would love to see this in my local. By the way, so they're all in these like you know heavy champagne seven fifties and these oh, yeah. these heavy three fifties for the punt. But I, I, you know, I want to at, at, uh, go to the airport and I get to the curb check-in at Southwest and I asked for fragile stickers. And the guy's like, uh, what do you have in there? Fragile. You know you're flying Southwest, right? <laughs> what do you have in there? And I was like, oh, I, you know, I got some glass. What is it, like wine or something? They say, yeah, I got some beer. And he goes, well, we usually don't allow that because we break glass all the time. So you <laughs> either, you have to wrap it, you, you need to have it wrapped in styrofoam or you have to pay us to put this bubble wrap, whatever, airbag around the thing or whatever. It's all done. And I had to convince him, like, listen, I do this all the time. I, I packed it as, uh, but I also point out to him, they're not just regular glass bottles. They're these sturdy champagne bottles. And he let me go. My point, I'm sa- the reason I mention this to you listeners is, do the fragile stickers on your own. Don't mention it to Southwest because they right. might not let you check the bag. Uh, they might make it. I got through. I got lucky by playing the I'm in the industry bullshit card. And uh, No, no, no. You see, I do this all the time. <laughs> oh, I, I, With these bottles, I could crack Moscow's skull wide open. And these things are not even open. Well, that Prove was it. my hope. And as long as you pack things <laughs> tight, the deal is you don't want things Toys. moving around. I just wrapped them in clothes, but then wrapped everything so uh, when i zipped up the bag it was super tight and, as, as long as the bottles don't clank against bottles you're fine they yeah. can clank against your dirty underwear all <laughs> they want now this next one which i don't want to name because i actually don't think it's released yet but it's kind of a sour brown uh to, to make another comparison it's very similar to like a consecration from russian river yep. it has uh, the acidity isn't quite as strong to me as a consecration but it has the same overall character um and again, I just think a really well done beer. Where as I'm, even though I'm making these comparisons for descriptive reasons, they're doing their own thing. It's a very different beer than a Russian River beer. It is. Yeah. It's 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 more punchy. It does that thing to the back of your tongue dramatically more than Consecration. Yeah. So yeah. what's the name of this guy's again? This one I don't want to give the name, even if it's written uh, on the bottle. Uh, the because, brewery. Uh, so this is all Jester King. Okay. All, all the beers that I brought to you here are from right. Jester King. I drank all the other ones. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should have brought you home that Pilsner, but it still would have paled in comparison to the Hellas. So it, we we just got to get you to Austin. So you weren't thinking to try the Hellas, but uh, all I was thinking all right, next, was next week we're in Austin. We can't get you know other than than Russian River. We can't get some of our favorite sour beers here anymore. And Jester King might be my new, you know. It's halfway. Yeah. It's halfway top. to Cantillon. It's definitely my. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> like my new maybe top three sour brewery. They're man. incredibly good. Yeah. All the stuff uh, th- that we have. This is incredible. Now, interesting thing about this one, I do remember in the tasting room, and and I didn't mention it to Jeff because it was still wonderful and all the beers are wonderful. There was a little hint of oxidation, I thought, in the bottle that he opened for us there. But I don't taste that in this bottle. So that might have just been a one-bottle thing. Maybe the yeast didn't eat everything up. Um, bottle conditioning, of course, will help that, right? Because it'll eat up the oxygen yeah. when he bottles. So, I think for the most part, he's doing a really good job, because this one, I don't taste that at all. As long as uh, they don't get a little extra oxygen in there that they can't uptake. Yeah. So, that's what the, the difference in bottle to bottle. Yeah. Tasty just slid me a note. Uh, they won the bronze medal at GABF for the uh, atrial rubicite. Ah, that's the first one we had. Yes. They, they also have a pretty redhead in the, the front of the uh, picture <laughs> that they took. There they go. Good well, job. Tasty's really? mic broken? Redhead? 
It's my announcer guy. That's right. I, didn't know, I, didn't, I thought it was broken. Yeah, they did do very well at JBF, and that's the first beer that we had right there. So that beer is available. The HR Rubicide, certainly if you're in Texas, I highly recommend buying it. If you see it on the shelf anywhere else, because they do distribute a little bit, get it. Get it. It's just as good as as putting a Rosé de de Gambrinus on your table from Cantiona, in my opinion, for an after-dinner beer. It's a hell of a statement. Yeah. Um, Well, let's do the last one since we're on it. Let's just get through all of them. And somebody needs to talk about the, one of these beers while I find our next stupid segment thing that I can't. Oh, find. It's, it's called feedback. I might have to do it. <laughs> I might have to do it verbally, mm. Oscar, or you might have to do it verbally. I verbally? can't. I can't do my own intro. Come on, I you, you got to do it. Somebody do it. Not, that isn't me has to verbally. Do it. I have it here somewhere. Tasty, why don't you be my announcer yeah. for a, for a moment? All right. What's the copy here? Well, no, that's I don't have it yet. That's all right. We're not doing that yet. I don't like. This is what I don't like. I don't like that we have to chug these really nice beers. Yeah, honestly. Because we have 10 pallets of glasses below us. Oh, bring up extra glassware next time, and then you don't. Yeah. I didn't know that I was the producer of the show. I I feel like I'm I'm Chad now. Or clean glassware. Since when, since when was Chad the producer? Well, Thank mean, you very much. Okay. I don't like when the bus, the buck starts getting passed among everybody. Because everybody knows where glasses are, and everybody has two hands. Well, that's right. I hate being the broken record here. My two hands were full of glasses. I thought we were getting an intern. Oh, well, that's a whole other thing. I kind of feel like chugging uh, excellent sour beer. Every, every time. Chugging excellent sour beer kind of makes me feel like a, a baller, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like pouring out the crystal. Right. Yeah, for the homies. Yeah. At a hundred bucks a, yeah, a, a sip. thousand bucks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are we not allowed to mention the name of this other beer too? This one kind of looks handly. No, this one I, we can. This one's okay. I don't know why. I think they just hadn't gotten a label quite for it yet. But On the that, front. I do know that that one, if I remember right, is a sour brown from Jester. Uh, or an oud brune is probably a better. Oud, oud I think brune. it's an oud brune. And I, I was like, oh, I'll, t- I'll take. You know, Jeff is really nice, and he's like, "You guys have done so much." You know, I'm I'm happy to help. When I said I want to buy beer, and I was like, uh, "He's like, I'll, I'll just you know, I'll do what I can." And I, I said, "Jeff, I don't think you understand. I'm buying like a case of beer. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I don't want like I don't want to be greedy because I, you know, if you're going to be generous and, and try to give me a bottle, uh, uh, I don't want two bottles. Man. I'm buying a case of your stuff because I need to bring it home. So I, I'm telling you, I I stocked. Up. Well, yeah, and and. You're gonna leave the state, and you're gonna looking back on. Oh, I should have got more of that. Yeah, the only problem was like the morning of packing. I thought that I would drink a little bit of it in the, the hotel room, of passion, and uh, and I didn't. So I <laughs> I had all like 14 bottles of beer just stick in a bag on the morning of. Well, you don't have 14 socks to put it in. Are you finding that happening more and more, Jay? Because I definitely am uh, having to in- insist on paying. I, I know it sounds weird, especially coming from me, but I, I'm doing it uh, a lot these days where people are like, oh, here, and I'm like, uh, no, no, and I, like, insist on paying. And, you know, sometimes it's very nice, and, and, and by the way, it's not exactly legal to give away beer, so this is all hypothetical. Uh, hypothetically, when people are trying to give away beer to us, it, it is nice, and, and in some cases, I feel like it's appropriate, and I don't mind it. But another, like I said, when I'm trying to really take a lot because I really right. enjoy it, and I'm it, whether it be for my own personal stash, which some of this was too, it was to bring here and for some personal parts of it, you know. And then I'm like, I- I'll pay you, and you deserve it. Uh, you've been sitting on this beer for eight months. Yeah. You know, not every brewery is doing that, right? Yeah, you've been sitting on this beer for eight months, and I'm happy to. Um, so yeah, it, it, it yeah. 
Listen to us. You know, our listeners are going, fuck you. <laughs> oh, you, no, you can't give me free beer. That's never happened to me. <laughs> well, you don't go anywhere. I, I, go, I go lots of places. Disneyland Where, where's the count. last place you went to that didn't offer you something? And, and the one that's local doesn't count. I was at uh, a place in Santa Cruz. Okay. And? Was it a, had they been a guest? No. Well, see, that's uh, the thing. You it's not just random I places. was, well, no, but I mean, like, you know, the, everybody knew who I was. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. But, okay. uh, you know, but that that doesn't happen. Oh, here, take all these bottles home. I weed it. Just take all, that never, that, that doesn't happen to me. Hey, but, JP, if you, if you ever get swing back by, I don't know, Anaheim again? Yeah. Uh, ever? In two weeks, yeah. Uh, can you swing by the brewery and ask? I don't even... I email Patrick all the time. Hey, I'm going to be in town. Are you going to be around? Nope. Oh, no, but say it's for Doc. Yo. No, yeah. But I, <laughs> please, I, don't, I, don't even, I don't even get please, the, the, the come by uh, or anything. I just said, no, no I'm not going to be around. Oh. <laughs> right. All right. Cool. I'll go stand there in your hour-long line. It's <laughs> awesome. Think he's there when I'm there. Oh. Yeah, well. And there's no line. He just gives you the stone wall. Not yeah. like, no, but I'll be back next week. Just, no. No, no I'm not there. Well, okay. I just, I just have to, is Patrick here? That happens sometimes to me, to me too. At, at I mean, I don't mean to call Patrick out. I mean, it's obviously no, know, very yeah. busy, and you know, he probably gets hit up a hundred times a day with shit like that. It's all, it's a timing thing, and it's, it's which place you've been at, and yeah. you know, it's, it, sometimes it happens to me too. You know, it's I'm just rare. saying it never, that, well, that never happens to me. <laughs> one of my ever. favorite places is the brewery. But That's you also have a very limited amount of places. Another rock what does I'm that saying to me. Is, they hook me up. Well, see, and, and if they're my heroes, if you were to have gone to 10 places in the last year that have been guests and yes. that maybe you were new to visiting yes like i'm like i might have yes seven out of ten of them would have been good to you the difference is you've gone to three and one well, out of three of them was good to you, you know the ratio is the same i also don't like go and broadcast like i don't i mean i'm not saying that you go in and broadcast and ask for free shit because that's not what i'm trying to say and that's not what i want to do either but like i don't go in and say like hey you know hi i'm like i was telling scott this there's a brewery in santa cruz that i really like they're they're kind of young and brand new and and i was drinking there and i i didn't feel like i wanted to say oh yeah you know i'm from the brewing network and blah blah and and i do, yeah. you, do, do you email them ahead? Like, if you're going to be in town is what I'm getting at. Do you go, hey, I'm going to be in town. I want to come check out your brewery. If it's out of state, yeah. that's exactly what I do. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. I, I used to not do it. Yeah. And what I, what would happen is I'd show up and... and the brewery guy's not there on Monday. Well, they, no, they'd be upset. They'd find out I was there. Right. And they'd go, dude, why didn't you tell me you were going to be here? Yeah. So if it's out of state, uh, I emailed Jester King ahead of time, and I emailed Austin Homebrew. I got to go into Austin Homebrew, a great sponsor of ours with an awesome shop, and just said, look, guys, uh, you know, uh, I'm coming to town. If you have any time, I'd love to shake hands. Otherwise, ignore me while I poke around your place. Right. You know, and, and people are very receptive. Uh, if it's a local place, no, I don't, I don't announce. But I guess I should try to be friends with people is what you're saying. Being friendly helps yeah <laughs> i mean because that's really what it would be it's like, like hey we've, oh, ta- we, we've talked to uh, to each other over over skype when you can hear me uh, and uh yeah i'd like to meet you and say hi i'm that's sensing thing. An, i'm sensing an impasse here <laughs> but no that's exactly that's by the way that's what i always say is yeah. we've done the show i would just love to just meet you face to face which oh so he, i'm an idiot because well uh so i sent an email to gesture king and i go i'm coming to texas and uh I would just like to put faces to the names. You know, it'd be great to see you guys. In studio. They were in studio. So I go there, I get there, and Jeff comes out. He's super nice, and he's like, hey, Justin, nice to see you. And I recognize him, and I'm like, oh, yeah, where do we meet? Like, GABF or something? <laughs> and, right he, here, and he looks at me, and he's sort of dumbfounded, because I'm clearly dumbfounded, and he's like, no, like in the studio. And, I, and then it hits me, and I go... 
Oh, Justin, you are such a fucking idiot. <laughs> Not yeah. only in studio, but earlier that Sunday was the Sourfest part of Beer Week, and they came to Sourfest and hung out with us. I know, I know. I just, I don't know. It's it so happens. So many that shit happens to me all so the time. Faces. And I, the, the, you know, the only saving grace I have is uh, I call myself out, and I just said right to him, Jeffrey, I'm so sorry that I'm a I'm, fucking idiot. I'm dumb. <laughs> at least you, at least you uh, recognized him. Oh, I know you. Well, I did. I don't know him. where. And of course, it all came back to me. <laughs> I can see him sitting right across from me at the table right now. I mean, we had a great night, that's and in Scott. fact, yeah, that's and me. His, and his yeah. partner Ron, right, that, that was there. Yep. I remembered it all at that moment, but leading up to it, I was just like. Ah, oh, shit. Dude. Justin, you're an idiot. And here he is going out of his way, by the way. It's, <laughs> right. The tasting room's not open. You know what I'm saying, Tasty? You don't even have I know. It happens to me all the time. <laughs> and I'm just At like, JBF, I met this girl like, uh, what, like on Saturday night or, or Saturday afternoon. Like, where have I met you before? Uh, last night. <laughs> That's right. By the way, like, one, what? one out of yeah. three isn't yeah. the same ratio as seven out of ten. Well, you you know what I meant. Right. You know that don't no don't yeah. quote me on my math terms. So, oh, so but, but, wanna... but the point was, had you put yourself out there more this year, you're right. You would have had at least closer to my success rate. And I, right. the, what I told JP too to do was, uh, in, in the case of people, because we we haven't interviewed the maj- vast majority of the industry, even as, as many years as we've been doing shows, right? So for those people, like the one in Santa Cruz, what I do is I at the at the end as I'm leaving, so I'll sit and hang out, drink beers, and then as I'm leaving, I'll shake somebody's hand, hey, say what's up to the brewer, and give him my card, and may hey, come do the show, because right. that way, because if you do it first. Then it's like, oh, is he trying to get freebies or trying to pretend like he's somebody? Wow. You know? Right, and that's not what I want to do. Yeah, so just do it as you leave. Huh. The thing is, though, I don't ever if, say who I am when I walk in. If that's really not what you want to do, yeah, it comes it comes across that way because that's yeah. never what I want to do either. I, I genuinely, I never want anything free. I'm, I'm not even looking to get to the front of the line. I I really always just want to shake hands yeah. and either thank them for being on the show yeah. or or just say I was the guy who talked to you over the phone. So. I'm telling you, JP, if that's what you mean, yeah. they understand that every time. If you're yeah. being, I guess, because, in other words, you're being sincere. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't worry about it. I don't, again, I don't walk in and the first thing I do, uh, I definitely feel out the situation, and if it seems like I'm not going to be bothering anybody, then I'll go and just say, I, I just want to say hi because you've done the show and I appreciate it. My biggest fear is to go, who, and, who, who are you? <laughs> but that doesn't matter. I know, the, but that's why I don't do it because, uh, yeah, because, I, you know, like I'm forgetful. But like, I'm, a for, I'm a person that's easily forgotten about. <laughs> I feel that way least, in my life. But sometimes. if you just go, I was one of the hosts yeah. on the Brewing Network yeah. and I'm thanking, I just want to say hi. I liked your beer. I'm on my way out. Like, it, it, I'm telling you, that, in that case, yeah. 99% of the time they're so nice. They're, right. they're so nice. And you're being sincere. You're not looking for anything right it's when you sort of march in there and do that you know uh, i wouldn't do that either here's my keg yeah and here's my entourage feed them <laughs> by the way we just described tasty exactly <laughs> i can tell i'm getting agitated first thing i do is tell them who i am yeah but it works for tasty and i don't know why tasty has the kind of personality that it doesn't soon. come off i gotta hurry <laughs> it doesn't come off knows. as douchey it's it just like oh no. at least tasty and people love i'm genuinely glad to meet well yes a it, and it comes <laughs> off that way and he's got three or four hot chicks on his arm so it's okay <laughs> but it's still if jp and i what? walked in there with two or three hot chicks and said i'm jp they instantly would just look at us like we're douchebags <laughs> no, it's they, a, uh, every, everyone can pull off different things so they, they, they would figure you guys want to like film a porn there or something. Yeah, yeah. Tasty can pull off different things know than who, the rest of us. Who I am before the night's over anyway. So just might as well make it happen. 
And plus, you're handing out cookies and everything. Oh, yeah, I got yeah, calling you know. cards. <laughs> yeah, I don't have drugs to hand out, so maybe I'm forgetting. It's not card. It, it, it it's a calling card. It does. Oh, I know. I know. I mean, just no it, one got cash by the way, for that. It, you would think it, I, my pine glass drop is my favorite trick. Never mind. I'll tell you about that. Oh, really? That's how you get noticed? Upskirt. Yeah, Upskirt. Yeah, full of them. You just spill it. I just hand it to it when I leave. Oh, oh, I, oh really? Jar, yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah, that's a great... They're going to love you forever. They'll never forget. Yeah. Is, you'd think that, that with the substance of the cookies that it would they would forget. Right. But the truth is... The visual. That's the memory. What I meet a bunch of brewers who are like, oh, yeah, you're with Tasty. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck you. He's with me. That's right. But I understand. Well, when you're yeah. in your early 20s, yeah. free weed is, you know, it's like the holy grail, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right where you want it. Do you, th- do you think you could flatten them out like business cards? <laughs> sure, sure. And, and you like, like My flat. My Christmas cookies and, are going to be uh, sandwich cookies. What just be flat? Really? Like flat like business cards. And you just Caramel fill. Like flip them out like business cards. Wow. That's a good idea. A little yeah, wafer. Me and Peter are going to chocolate coat them. Wow. Wow. All right. Feedback. We're going to take a break. Uh-huh. Now, since we got, uh, and, and by the thank you for listening to me about Austin. I just, like I said, none of those folks are, are, are like paying for a plug. I just had such a nice time, and I was pretty proud of the their beer scene growing up. Yeah, I wanted up. to talk about it a little bit right. and yeah. give them their, their due props. So we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to do some beer news. We're going to do some feedback, and uh, I wish I could say I'd take your calls, but I don't have a call screener, and uh, and you guys are insane. So without a call screener, I just can't well, They can it. call at the break. I'll screen them at the break. All right, call uh, now if you want to uh, call. Triple eight four zero one here. We'll be right back. It's the session. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Hi, this is John from Grain and Grape. We've been supplying brewers in Australia for over twenty years, and for all that time, we've been working to offer the best products and service around, including. Free fortnightly all-grain brewing demos, 90 varieties of malted grain from Belgium, Germany, the US, Britain and Australia, equipment from Browmasters, kegerators, beer engines from Crown Urns to the humble brew in a bag bag, heaps of hops, Y yeast liquid and fermenters and Danstar dried yeast cultures, fresh wort kits made on the 500 litre Browmeister right here in the warehouse. We also sponsor and support brewing clubs and comps, the Australian National Home Brewing Conference, Aussie Home Brewer Forum and heaps more. Mostly though, 100 years of brewing experience means that we can give you the best advice on your next recipe, your new system or that brewing problem that needs a solution. Mention the Brewing Network next time you order online or by phone to receive half price shipping. Check out grainandgrape.com.au for conditions. Did you know the Brewing Network's very own Code Writing Fool's son, Ryan Wolf, has opened a beer mecca in Missouri? The Wolf Brow House of Beer has hundreds of beers from all over the world and is conveniently close to I-70 in St. Peter's. Free tastings, Saturdays 4 to 6 p.m., featuring special guests from local breweries, the best build-your-own six-pack around with every style represented, and kegged craft beer available for your kegerator, too. There's always something new at the Wolf Brow House of beer new and hard to find beer every week no two visits are the same just like passing out at the rat pad hi this is ryan from wolf brow house of beer mention the brewing network when you stop in for some cool free stuff mention jp for a swift kick in the ass the wolf brow house of beer beer with personal service from a member of the bn army this is code visit my son's shop or i'll yank the fuck bn website down www.wolfbrow.com 
here's a bite for beer lovers. Soft caramel made with real craft brew and coated in chocolate. And hop drops. Hard candies made with real hop oil. Introducing Beer Candy from BeerCandy.com. Beer Candy's amazing caramels come in four mouth-watering flavors. IPA, bitter gold wrapped in smooth white chocolate. Lager, made with a familiar beer from Boston and coated in milk chocolate. Lambic, soury Belgian goodness full of fresh raspberry and dipped in dark chocolate. And stout, roasty cocoa chocolate insanity. Hop drops are made with fuggles or cascade hops and are known as the candy that bites you back. Choose from sampler and full sizes of both and make your mouth jump to life. All at beercandy.com. Hop drops and beer caramels. Satisfy your sweet tooth as only a beer lover could with beer candy. Visit beercandy.com today. Hey, Wooly, I'm beat. Can we find a nice tree to just hang out in for a while? You're beat? I've been swinging through this forest for 50 years, ever since we... Ever since we first escaped from the circus. I know, I know, but there's got to be more to life than exploring this creek and trying to populate the valley by copulating with loose, hairy girls. Mark, we stop. Look! What is that? It looks like a man-made treehouse. With fresh food. And craft beer. Welcome to the Creek Monkey Tap House, boys. Grab a seat. Creek monkeys drink free. <laughs> awesome! The Creek Monkey Tap House in Martinez, California, takes their mission of fresh food and beer seriously. They only serve locally raised beef and chicken, as well as local sustainable produce. It's better for you and the planet, and it just tastes better. The beer and wine at Creek Monkey Tap House are chosen with the same care for the highest quality and roast. Rotate frequently to make each visit an adventure. Swing on into the Creek Monkey Tap House and enjoy a new legend of amazing food, beer, and wine. The Creek Monkey Tap House online at creekmonkey.com. What'd you get? More brewing ingredients? Yep. You know what I love about Brewmaster's Warehouse? The $6.99 shipping. Well, yeah, but... Oh, the in-store classes for beginning brewers. Yeah, that's cool, but... Oh, oh, the brew builder. Creating and saving your recipes online is... Awesome! No, I'm... Yes, but the cheese-making supplies. No. Oh, the wine-making supplies. Oh, the distilling equipment and liquor flavorings. All that stuff is awesome, yes, but what I really love is that the guy who runs it is totally hot. And, and that brew builder software is awesome. Oh, yeah. Brewmaster's Warehouse brings you flat rate shipping on great equipment and ingredients to make beer, wine, cheese, and spirits at brewmasterswarehouse.com. And if you're in Georgia, stop by Brewmaster's Warehouse Monday through Saturday from 10 to 6. Visit brewmasterswarehouse.com today because it's totally hot. Oh, yeah. Wait till you can pour it out of your own kegerator. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your friends will look at you with awe. And it's just hot. It is? It's so super hot. <laughs> the, the home of live beer radio. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. You're listening to The Brewing Network. Because like beer... All 
right, welcome back to the program, and thanks for hanging out with us. I forgot to mention, by the way, there was one other... Uh, actually, there was a couple more, but I wanted to mention... Uh, I went to Rognes uh, Brewing Company, which is a, a really new brewery in, in Austin that was great. They brew all rye beer? Uh, they do not, but they did have some good rye beer. Um, in fact, they even had a, a beer that used peat malt in it, which, as you know, <laughs> is a very offensive malt uh, flavor to me, that smoke flavor from That's peat. licking bacon. Yeah, but they did it really well. It was a good beer, and they had a nice saison in there, a small tasting room, a new brewery. I think they're affiliated with the Austin Homebrew guys, okay. um, but I really liked it there. I got to hang out with one of their... I, I, I kept for. He told me what he does, but I, I don't know if he's an assistant brewer or he just gets to help out. I thought he was an assistant brewer, but every time I asked him beer questions, he said I had to ask somebody else. But uh, John, John Earhart, uh, hung out with us a little bit. He's also one of the members of the Black Star Co-op, and uh, he, he took us over to Rognes, and uh, It's a good little brewery, and I think they're opening up a cider company like right next door, too. So they're kind of doing it all in there. I think the... You know, the laws are changing in Texas, and they've got this great little beer scene, and there's a bunch of like industrial spaces to that are affordable to put in these breweries, and, and so people are just going for it. Um, but Rognes is a new one to, to watch out for. Uh, they might be a year or two old now. Um, they're, I know they're kind of trying to do it without taking out a bunch of loans and you know owe their whole life to the man, and I think they're doing a really good job of it. So that was another one I just wanted to mention because uh, we also got some good appetizers. From they them. should probably... Uh Use your whole uh, business model model for you. Yeah, I try to tell them. I was like, you know, people want to hang out people with you. Hang. you, you can, <laughs> people want to grow hang. without you know paying your employees. <laughs> yeah, they're like, what? They don't Trust get raises. Yeah, if they don't get anything. Oh, they get raises all the time. They, we get our salary doubled all the time. Yeah, it's almost a bonus. Like, uh, I'll give you all the raises you want. Their website says their tap rooms only open Fridays. They open one day a week. Oh, was I there on? I was there on Friday. That makes sense. Uh, that's sure. possible. That think about that though. That's a law that just changed in Texas, so it probably has to do with that. Yeah. Same with Gesture King. You know, uh, even when they were on the show, I think um, you couldn't sell your own beer. Yeah, yeah. You, you, it had to go through a distributor. It changed in like July, I believe. Yeah. So. Imagine what that does for a company, especially a company like Jester King, who has this great venue out there. You go sit in some picnic tables on a, in, a, in a barn. Um, you go from only being able to sell to a distributor who takes some profit from you right. to the model that California has built its beer industry on, which is selling direct to your customer. That's where all the margin is. So my guess would be that Rognus is just, you know... Finally, just complying with the law and getting into it, you got to staff that that tasting room now and everything else. So. You know, for for all the 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 puffery that Texas does to itself about like, oh, you can't tell us what to do. We're Texas and we're <laughs> big and bad and bold and sassy. Yeah, um, there sure are pussies when it came to their beer laws for so many years. So that's what I was saying to folks. It was a, <laughs> Call it was, them out. It was a topic of conversation that came up because yeah. I know that these brewers were excited about the laws changing, and I said, "How is it that the don't tread on me state has the these tread?" on me um you know liquor laws and you know what it is that they're just old boy laws they're yeah. essentially protecting the distributors you know the, they're the same pro uh, post prohibition laws that looked to protect small brewers as time went on ended up protecting distributors and and big brewers um, in a sense and those are the people making billions of dollars a year by it having to go through the tier system which is similar to California, too. We just yeah. made some other exceptions. So when a small brewery speaks up and says, we want to be able to sell it at our own place, and the guy making billions of dollars and lobbying to Texas politicians says, no, nah, why don't we just keep it the way it is? 
that's what happens. Yeah. And so I totally agree with you. It's the question I asked everywhere I went. And, and the answer was mostly just that they're old boys that are still making a lot of money on the way things are. So the change, is, is it's slow to come. But as these new small breweries open up in Texas and politicians start to realize, well, wait a second. Look at all the taxes we're getting from these breweries. Look at the state revenue we're making because craft beer is big. Maybe we should change some of these laws because the more money Rognus makes by opening up their tap room or the more money Jester King makes by opening up their tap room, the more taxes we get directly. And it doesn't funnel through the distributor anymore. Right. Uh, but those things are slow to happen. Especially when the distributor has all the money and they finance the politicians. And, and, exactly. and they probably got uh, tax cuts where they don't have to pay as much as you think they might. Yeah. But the irony is not lost on me, JP. That was Thank exactly you. the question I was asking <laughs> brewers as I went to those places. And, and, and that was pretty much the answer I got. Good. Feedback. Um, yeah. Uh, well, first, uh, before we do uh, uh, feedback, I think it's time to do, uh, we're going to do beer news in just a second. But I did want to remind you, you know, if you're uh, doing a homebrew batch maybe this weekend or, or next weekend and you're starting to plan for it, don't forget to go over to Beersmith.com right now and download the Beersmith Brewing Software. You get a free 21-day trial. And it's a software that we use here as a staff at the Brewing Network to check out uh, our recipes. You can plug in everything. You can convert from extract to all grain. You can scale up and you can scale down you can share recipes with your friends because the beersmith community is enormous there's just recipes all over the place um, but all of these things you don't have to take our word for it you get a free 21 day trial to check it out they all also have a big library so if you've never brewed a certain style uh what i do i'll go on their whole library and i'll say uh, i'll look at things and I go, oh, that's gonna suck or that's pretty good and you get different people that have reviewed uh these beers that other people have made so you, at least you can get an idea of what you want to make yeah. just from other people's recipes. That's a great idea. Uh, uh, just to look through what they've done, even if it is showing you what not to do, you can, put, like you said, exactly. this one sucked. You can still look through, like maybe you have to brew a Roggen beer, for example, yeah. Doc, <laughs> that you've never brewed before. Right. Oh, you don't think I went on there to check first? I did. I went on and I, I saw these people did Roggen beers and... I saw what I didn't want to do. I saw what I did want to do. Yeah. I still made my own recipe, but you can do the same thing. Right. Uh, I got asked today for a, a barley wine recipe. Oh, yeah. and Through Beersmith? No, through oh. a friend. Oh, yeah. And I, I kind of pointed him in that direction. Go, yeah. go there and look on that. You can see different... Uh, how it turned out. People will review their own recipes. Sure. How it turned out. It's great stuff. And by the way, if you're daunted by brewing software, Beersmith is perfect because they have video tutorials of almost every process you can do on the program, which is good for me because I'm either calling Doc to show me how to do it or I have to see a video. I d- I'm not good at figuring out what the hell to, to do with the thing. So In the, Beers- middle, in the middle of it. Yeah. Beersmith.com. Get your free 21-day trial. And by the way, the, the, the price is extremely uh, affordable. It's a good piece of software. And they're a good sponsor and supporter of the Brewing Network, so go check them out over there. Um, before we get to the beer news, we had a phone call. I think Spider Wrangler is on the line and wanted to talk to us about uh, Secret Santa exchanges coming up, the beer exchange. Spider, what's up, man? Hey, guys. How you doing? <clears throat> We're good. How are you, brother? I'm good. Um, <laughs> yeah, just calling about... Uh, yeah, whatever. I'm uh, just calling about uh, Secret Santa exchange. Um there's a thread in the forum, pretty much find it, sign up, uh, send me your info. Um, the deadline is November 24th, uh, which will be the last Sunday uh, of November. All right, if you're... If, show that night or not, but... 
If you're a new listener or new to the forum, it's something that's been going on for years. And the Secret Santa Exchange, I love it. The listeners just took it upon themselves to uh, share beer amongst each other. And essentially, you can sign up, and then people from all over the U.S., and, and Spider, maybe you could correct me, maybe even from all over the world, uh, you could get beer from different places. It's just a secret thing, and you're going to end up stuff from out of your region that you can't get in your own region. And I highly recommend you participating. Uh, what do you do again to find it in the forum? Yeah, find it in the forum. Uh, thread is Secret Santa 2013. There we go. Um, so pretty much you just, uh, you know, if you're interested, uh, PM me in the forum with your info. Um, I'll put together the spreadsheet and get names paired up and everything. Um, as far as so far in the couple of years that I've been involved in it, it's just been within the U.S. Um, just because of, you know, the difficulty of trying to ship internationally yeah um, but if we get a bunch of canadians that want to do their own little you know hat exchange they can you know we can mix up names uh in a hat for the canadians and they can exchange amongst themselves keep them separate australians yeah. or whatever okay how many people did you have in on this last year uh last year there was about 40 nice um any so de- far this year i think i've got about eight so okay any deadbeats um not last year. The year before, there were deadbeats. So those people are on the naughty list, so they are <laughs> eligible. But other than that, uh, anyone is eligible to sign up. Um, so there's only a few names on the naughty list. Well, okay. I usually sign up, and nobody knows who's going to get me. Nice. Oh, that's cool. So you might get some beer from And that. I don't have a lot in uh, the freshness stuff, but I have a lot cellared. Okay. So you could get a few things from me, and I'll sign up. Nice. All right. Cool. So private Um, message, Spider Wrangler in the forum, or search Secret Santa 2013 and sign up for it. It's a good thing to do. Yep. Cool. All right, Spider. Remind us again. Hey, call in again, because you know what happens. We forget about it. Me too. Uh, Shoot shoot me an email so I know for sure that I'm signed up. All right, Doc. Awesome. Thanks, Spider. How did you just yep. get a handler? A handler. You can't even I, look on the I, form yourself. I know. I have to ask for a handler because I know. So you got to ask for more things, JP. Uh, you know, if everyone talks about this generation being raised, the generation who can't do anything for themselves, <laughs> I beg to differ. Yeah, no. but Doc's more a part of this generation than the last. I I, I've learned. Oh. I don't want to be a deadbeat. And if I'm not going to be a deadbeat, I need somebody to make sure that I'm not a deadbeat. <laughs> yeah. So Otherwise, that means I'm a deadbeat. Yeah. So that means that you're a deadbeat unless someone makes you not be a deadbeat. Yeah. He's a deadbeat with a hand. Well, no, my right. intentions are awesome, but but yeah. I <laughs> they are. They are. <laughs> my yeah, short followers make me a deadbeat. Shirt. My intentions are awesome. I'm going to make him that T-shirt. Awesome for NHC. That's awesome. That's Austin for awesome. My intentions are awesome. All right. Uh, okay. Should we do some beer news? Yes. Please. Let's do that. <laughs> it's the Brewing Network's Beer News, brought to you by Rod All Performance. Well, craft brewers around the country were affected big time by the federal government shutdown. Yep, it bled over into the beer world, too. Uh, the shutdown closed uh, little known, apparently, outside of our circle 
the uh, federal agency that regulates and taxes the nation's breweries and wineries and uh, distilleries. It's the Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau. We know it as the TTB. It's an arm of the Treasury Department, and it approves new breweries and new beer labels and recipes that use non-traditional ingredients like your coffees and your chocolates to you know, ensure that they comply with federal law. Mm. So a notice on the TTB's website during the 16-day shutdown told visitors that no employees were available to respond to inquiries and that the agency has, quote, directed employees not, in all caps, to report to work and they are prohibited by federal law from volunteering their services uh, during a lapse in appropriations, end quote. Wow. Here's a Twitter post from Tony McGee, who owns Lagunitas, of course. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. Fucking feds are going to shut down (laughs) the the already incompetent.gov while hundreds of small breweries, including us, have labels pending. Nice. That was followed with, quote, want to regulate, perform, or get out of the way. Yeah. You know, I I hadn't... I. I was waiting for our next beer news because when the government shutdown happened, you know, sometimes I think about, well, God, we're so blessed over here in the beer industry sometimes that these things don't really affect us. Like, even when there's a downturn in the economy, the beer industry is still doing well. And right. I, I was trying to think about, is this, is this government shutdown going to affect me directly or, or anybody in our industry? And sure enough, I saw people posting right away. I, I had forgot about that. The whole label approval process, getting your beer yep. to market requires every, every single beer. It requires the TTB's approval. And I started started to see people posting about that, and I thought, oh, shit. Oh, they're posting about whether they're getting their summer beer labels out there. Yeah. Uh, the new guys that want to uh, just have their new brewery, they've done everything else to get their new brewery up and running. Oops. Yep. Now, not to mention that there's already kind of a waiting period, even when the TTB is up and running. You know, you submit these yeah. things, and it takes a bit of time. Well, now... That backlog is going to have to be dealt with while everybody was on furlough, and it's just going to be even worse. I, I love Tony. He doesn't give a shit. By the uh, way, those those workers who were furloughed, double time. They that's all, what they got paid they on got furlough? They got paid double time. Who, everybody? Uh, I don't know. I didn't oh. read the article. <laughs> you just saw a headline. I know, like, I, I said maybe they yeah. have double time. I know, I know, like, Congress got double time. But it was supposed to be time and a half, and it's being increased to double time. So yeah, there are holes in your story because Congress, yeah. didn't to the get, onion. Congress didn't get furloughed. No. Well, I'll, I'll find it. I'll find it right now. Okay. I'll find and it then, right now. And then read it. Don't just give me well, the headline. No, I'm going to find it. Because then you're just then... reiterating the headline. No. <laughs> you're making it bad for us intellectual folks. I mean, I'm does... right. I'll show you. All right. I think okay. I think it's very important to note that uh, even during the closure, the federal agency continued to collect taxes on beer. Yeah, well, and your taxes and my taxes on everything else. But you yes. know what? Not that new beer that they haven't labeled yet. No, not that one. <laughs> well, so in in essence, they, they might claim, well, we lost revenue too, you know. Oh, exactly. Because that new beer didn't go to market, which we would Fuck you. That's what I. That's my answer, Moscow. That's my t- political answer. That. Yeah, <laughs> we're all with, them all. We're all with Tony on this one. Yeah. Uh, did it's you find book. it, JP? Are you reading through it? I'm reading through it right now. All right. Uh, he doesn't read. Let's go to the next story, and then we'll find out who got double time. All right. Um, this is a, a much um, a piece of shit. More, double time. More uh, feel good fluff story. Uh, in a couple of months, the astronauts on the International Space Station will brew beer courtesy of a sixth grader from Highland Ranch, Colorado. He's 11 years old. M- Michal, Michal Brozanowski is yeah. his name. Of course. Um, he did a science experiment uh, for his science class. He was 
designed to test the effects of making beer in space, and it has won a trip to the space station, courtesy of the National Center for Earth and Space Science Education's Student Space Flight Experiments Program. <laughs> the SSEP. Talk about bureaucracy. Yeah. Even naming these programs is incredible. Very Orwell. Anyway, it's slated for delivery in December aboard a robot spacecraft named Cygnus. Uh-huh. The tiny brewery is set up inside a six-inch long tube filled with hops, water, <laughs> yeast, and malted barley. An astronaut aboard the station will shake up the mixture to see how the yeast interacts with the other ingredients in the beer and this kid has good reasons for wanting to investigate the way beer can be made in space because in case of an emergency up there alcohol is a cheap way to purify water as everybody who lived before us knows and so figuring out a good way to make beer in space could be practical should I call NASA and NASA now and tell them that the tube is going to explode when things start to ferment, or do we want to just let them figure that out on the flight? I think they'll figure the, it out on the flight to space. It's trial and error, baby. Like an eleven-year-old puts the ingredients of brewing beer into a test tube, and they're they're going to shake it up and then figure out what happens. Yeah, it's going to blow. That's well, what's going to happen. He can't shake it up. It's mixing the yeast. He's not twenty-one. Right. No, he could shake. Oh, maybe. No, he, can. he cannot. Yeah, he can't pitch yeast. Yeah, put, pitch the yeast. I mean, I clearly NASA is smarter than we are, so I'm sure they've figured out that this little six-inch tube needs a blow-off. I don't know. Uh, six-inch tube, blow-off. Are they really going to know the effects of a beer? Yeah, what really works who, all that well at the size of six inches? And, who, and who's tasting that six-inch blow-off? And is, uh, There's a lot of holes in this story, Moscow. I think that little 11-year-old sucks. You do? You, well, you want to hear from him? Because he, he was... Well, because I was wondering, why is beer on an 11-year-old's radar? Wasn't okay, on mine. Was good. it on yours? That's a good you question. Know, I wonder if his dad's a... Yeah. I was drinking beer at 11, but... Yeah, so was I. That's neither here nor there. Ow. Anyway, here's what he had to say. Beer, well... Um, known to, to most people as you know a party drink or whatever actually uh, the alcohol in it has some medical properties I really didn't expect this from the start I um, I really just designed my experiment to get a good grade in my class yeah is so, it me or did his balls drop already yeah no, he's oh, 11 yeah. years old and his voice already oh, changed yeah. He sounds mature and a party. It's more a mature par- than I do. A party like drink. This. Don't parties mean cake and ice cream when you're eleven? Well, I think the kids. Are no, he, he has older brothers that. N- party. You think it's a girl? Yeah. <laughs> it could be a girl. Yeah. Oh, let's uh, hear it again. Can we hear it again? The whole thing. Oh, just just the part where the, yeah, the whole. Thing. I want to. I want to have enough so I can maybe decide whether it's a girl or a boy. Beer, well, um, known to, to most people as, you know, a party drink or whatever. Actually, uh, the alcohol in it has some medical properties. I really didn't expect this from the start. I, um, I really just designed my experiment to get a good grade in my class. He, he does sound mature. Yes. His or her dad is a home brewer, for one. Oh, I yeah, guarantee like you, it. right? Oh, it, it, it works. So God bless him. Yeah. I have to go home and do a science project tonight. Yeah. And I could just see, yeah. I like how his dad, by the way, like fed him that line. It has medical qualities, too. Make sure you mention that in the interview. <laughs> Actually, uh, the alcohol in it has some medical properties. It keeps your mom attractive to your dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And for that matter, it has facilitated... Uh, Why you were born, so it, it feels those... Population growth throughout the centuries. Yeah, all those pool parties in the backyard. Yeah. Yeah, and even though he sounds pretty even-keeled and too cool for school, you know, the reporter I ripped this off from asked him, what you know... What do you think about now the fact that this thing's going up to the space station? All right. It's going to be a pretty much my greatest moment of my life so far. Oh, how many moments? Yeah, you haven't jerked so off yet. So far. <laughs> he's he's going to be like, wow, NASA, until the moment he starts well, taking long showers like Doc's kids. Okay. And then he's going to go, NASA, what? You think it's on a forum hey. somewhere for young, like... 
kid's like, here's the secret. Take long showers. <laughs> he should be walking. Just figure it out, man. Yeah. I don't know how. He would walk into a party and say, hey, dude. Hey, dude. My experiment got up into space. Now all the chicks are going to be right on him. That's true. Yeah, pantsing him because he's a nerd. <laughs> no chick's well, going to get all... Hey, oh, he better work this one. I'll give him that. You know, I, I, we're making fun of the poor kid. I'll give him this. Every time science project, you know, it happened once a year when yeah. you're going to... I, could, I didn't think of shit. I was like, you know, why do feet stink or whatever? You know, right. they're all stupid things. Why can't you tickle yourself? Well, I got to give this kid credit. He's at least done something interesting. I can tickle myself. Did your dad help you? No. Uh, did other dads help the other kids? Uh, yeah, yeah. Their their dads were less drunk than mine, if yeah. that's what you mean. Did you oh, other dads oh, help oh. You? And they had they probably had degrees and things and, <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. And I was out there changing the fucking brakes on my dad's truck. That's what you mean. Yeah, and and, and driving that big old boat around. <laughs> well, God bless him, and I hope the beer does well in space. Well, yeah, and I mean it could it could lead to greater things for this kid. I mean, there's uh, sure. more beer related space news short uh, dogfish head just released their Oktoberfest called celeste jewel ale i don't know if you guys saw it it was created using the dust of ground up lunar meteorites so maybe we'll see a, a sam mm-hmm. uh, kalajoni and uh mikhail bojanowski uh, collaboration collaboration beer, beer. <laughs> sounds amazing We're not 11 year old moon dust <laughs> I think alien cancer should have been the name of that one. <laughs> I, I, that's the first thing I thought, Doc, was I am not drinking something with moon dust in it. It is in that shit. It has not been cleared by the FDA. Oh. Alien cancer. It's alien cancer. Which, in other words, is if you saw the movie Alien, means that an alien comes out of your belly after you drink it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel fine. Wait. I read the description of that dogfish beer, and they were like, yeah, the dust gives it a hint of earthiness, dot, 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 or is it mooniness? Oh, God. I love beer journalism. It's so clever and creative. Have we discovered uh, yes. who got double time in the government? Many employees. <laughs> yeah. Why did I just fucking channel Sam? Right? Many people, okay. uh, specifically in Oregon. So what happened is a lot of federal workers applied for unemployment okay. and got it. Oh. And then... Uh, Congress said, well, you are going to get all of your back pay that's owed to you, regardless if you got unemployment or not. Wait, wait, so you're wait du- who agreed to that? Yeah. Congress. They all did. Nice. And themselves. Congress does, in fact, still Oh, we're going to lay you off and let, let, let pay yeah. you... What, what's the point? Well, fuck, God bless them. I mean, they, they got laid off for a second, <sighs> so give them some money. Uh, I will say the, the, the members of the uh, Congress in uh, Utah yes. are going to donate all of the pay... Mm. Uh, here's another JP headline. We're back to doing lunch meat right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of, some of them are going to donate most of their pay, if not all of their pay, for the time the government was shut down to charities. I like that. Yeah, I like it too. But, Mormon charities or just any charity? I didn't. I don't know. I'll find it. You saw there's not that many people, so there's not a lot of representatives and not a lot of pay. So two people in Utah. By the way, yeah. JP was like, some of them will donate most of their money. Right. Most of them will well, donate I, some look, of I'm, their I'm, money. I'm hedging my bet. At some point, one person will have done this. <laughs> and then the story is accurate. I like well, it. I, I, I don't like the part about. They they got, they oh they got the furlough thing and then they didn't get paid and then they got paid plus they got double time. Sure, it wasn't their fault. Well, no, it's, no, it's not their fault. But what's the whole point? The whole point is to shut it down so we're not spending any more money. True, and yet we just <laughs> throw it back at them. Yeah, but, believe it or not, Doc. At this point in the show, it's making a good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and it, it's not the workers' fault. They should not have had to been furloughed in the first place. Right. Uh, I know. Political bullshit. I know. All right, what's next? 
AB InBev has announced that it will stop selling Budweiser in Italy under the Budweiser brand name following an unfavorable ruling from the Italian Supreme Court. I can't believe that this uh, battle is still going on. Yes. Yes. The same Budvar Speaking thing? of, yes. yes, the same Budvar thing. Well, the, it's, it's, that, it's the Amanda Cox thing. Come on, give it up. <laughs> Huh? Am- Am- Amanda, about Amanda, Amanda Knox, the, Knox. The chick who murdered her roommate and yeah. got away with it? I don't know. <laughs> okay, she's hot. That's why Doc knows about it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, anyway, so they're going to call it Bud instead. Uh, they'll continue to fight for the rights, AB says, um, to the uh, Budweiser trademark in Italy. And you guys are right. It's been going on for more than 100 years, since like 1903, I think. Yeah. Uh, the question is, who has the rights to use the Budweiser name there? AB or Czech brood uh, Budviki Budvar? Yeah. Budvar. Um, the two brewers have been fighting over the brand, like I said, for more than 100 years. Uh, there are more than 50 trademark disputes in more than 20 countries between between these guys so you think uh you have it bad jay call one guy you know, <laughs> I know. Um, so in italy a lower court had previously determined that the budweiser brand in the modern day has no connection any longer with the czech town budweiss and ab could use the name but that ruling has now been overturned by the aforementioned supreme court a lower court of appeals in italy will now rehear the case and onward into perpetuity we will go this is the trouble with international trademark law, and we face some of the same things. Like we don't have our, we, we don't have as many legs to stand on when our when we're starting to talk. I got uh, more I, than two. I got sent an uh, uh, an email. I get them every fucking day now. There's a German company using the hop grenade now. There's a Canadian company using the hop grenade. And when you get out of the United States, it's it's a the international trademark law is different. So a country like Italy, and in fact every country can can sort of decide whether or not your trademark uh, is valid there. And if we're not doing business in Italy, for example, or specifically in Germany, they're probably going to say, I don't have a leg to stand on. So I can only do something when said companies come to the U.S. And then I say, well, I'm already in this market with a trademark on the grenade. And so it is you know, sort of a testament to how sticky it is when a giant company like Budweiser is even dealing with it, you know, and, and country by country. Yeah, uh, Petra Samek, who was a spokesman for uh, Budvar, said any further rulings in Italian courts should merely rubber stamp the high court's decision, and he said that Budvar aims to launch its sales of Budweiser under that brand uh, in southern Europe before the end of this year. And, I mean, in some big European markets like uh, France, Russia, Ukraine, for example, AB already uses Bud, um, and AB and Bev recently stopped selling uh, the beer in Germany altogether, where it was marketed under the name Anheuser-Busch Bud. Right. It doesn't sell Budweiser in the Czech Republic at all. You know, in this case, I got to give it to Budvar, who has stuck to the, you know, stuck to their guns. Their name had been around in those markets before Budweiser, and this is not a trademark infringement on their part. They didn't see Budweiser in the United States and take the name. No, it was a, named after their locale. It's a regional thing. And through Definitely. years of having to spend money to to defend this, they've really fucking stuck it out, and they've won several major awards like yep, this one in latest. Germany, and so. I gotta give it to him. That's a hard thing to do, man. Yes, good for them. Indeed. One last one. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have heard about uh, this product. It's current. They're currently running a Kickstarter campaign, and I'm including it because they've already long since blown past their goal. But it's crazy interesting, and it could be sort of a revolutionary product as far as our homebrewing world is concerned. It's basically a fully automated all-grain brewing system. They call mm-hmm. it the Pico Brew Zymatic. You guys watched this video yet? Uh, it was developed by Bill and Jim Mitchell. They're brothers. They're the grandkids of Dr. William Mitchell, who's the guy who invented Pop Rocks and Tang. So they have a history of, sort of food-related entrepreneurial awesome. or whatever. So he's a genius. 
Yes, and these his uh, his uh, offspring are geniuses too. Bill and Jim are self declared avid home brewers, and uh, so here's from the Kickstarter page. Let me read the description. We started Pico Brew in 2010 out of frustration with the state of the art of brewing. Home beer brewing takes entirely too much time, is too imprecise, and frankly, when you account for all of the cleanup, is not all that fun. We want to uh, we wanted to make the creation of high quality beer brewing simple, amp up the art, and tone down the tedium. Why can't we brew beer at home as easily as we can make a loaf? for bread with a bread maker or a shot of espresso with an espresso machine. Making quality beer this easily? Well, that was the dream three years ago, and we're proud to announce that after thousands of man hours of R&D, we've made that dream into a reality in the form of the Pico Brew Zymatic. Mm. Here, the craziest part about this whole thing is that they set a goal of 150 grand on yeah. Kickstarter, and you know you don't get your funds unless you hit it all, you know? So Kickstarter, if you don't know anybody, is this crowdfunding way. You put up a program, uh, you, you put up a video, you set a goal, and you ask for donations, and you give something back for the donations. doesn't matter what it is. What did they do? Yeah, exactly. So I when I was typing up this story this afternoon, uh, they were at $456,385 over their goal again 150,000 from 675 backers they still have uh, eight days to go and now i'm pulling up the site just in this afternoon they went from 680 uh, sorry 675 to 682 and from 456 grand to 461 grand so they're literally raising thousands of dollars an hour and people i mean someone's gonna have to help me with the math a little bit but at (laughs) 600 a little bit that's at under 700 donors but almost a half a million dollars right well you know people are donating a shitload of money yes they are and they have rich friends yeah Yeah. exactly bill is a 20-year microsoft guy and so i'm sure he has longtime co-worker friends that have some money to spend donating what is that 30 grand at a time on average what is that 30 bucks a piece Four fifty six, four hundred fifty six thousand divided by, by six seventy five. No, you got that over there. Uh, I don't no. do it. Yeah, you pull it up. Eight hundred dollars. Uh, yeah, is that what it is? Thousand dollars. Four hundred fifty six thousand divided by six seventy five. Yeah, Bill worked on smartphones and Ten big. Uh, wearable computers. Seven hundred bucks. It's under seven hundred bucks a person. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, you know, there's probably That's a lot of money. For sure. All right. So how does this thing work? Oh well, so here, so listen, <laughs> I, I, I hear here's Bill. Here's Bill. I'm ready to press. Uh, Order. Oh, yeah, order, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just tasty agrees. It's too add much it, work. Add it to the cart. I want one of these. I thought about doing something like this. Ah. Here's so Bill what? describing it. Hey, okay. Here, listen. It is essentially an espresso maker for beer. So you load up malted barley, hops, and water. You dial a recipe that controls very specific temperatures and automation throughout the process. And then you can walk away. You come back in about three and a half hours, and the water that started in your keg has been magically converted as soon as you ferment it, it's beer. So it logs the data while you're brewing, and it also allows you to create recipes so that you get precise, repeatable beer every time. So basically, it Why looks do I feel like... If like I didn't I know just, shit about beer, I'd say, that's wonderful. Why do I feel but like I, I know just shit. hypnotized? Well, the way they designed the Kickstarter is to lull you into Ford. donating. Totally. The guy was like... And you will want this beer on your table. <laughs> yeah, well, that's how we get these people to put in eight, <laughs> 700 <laughs> bucks a piece. It, it, he made work. Yeah. I have made you work. Made war. Now, did he move it into a fermenter? Yeah, exactly. so let me describe it. So, uh, it basically, so there's more to it. Okay. It looks right. like an oversized microwave with like a pull-out drawer, like a refrigerator vegetable drawer okay, type yeah, of thing right okay. in front of it. Uh-huh. And it's uh, attached to a computer, and it's also attached to a corny keg. Mm-hmm. So the water starts oh. in the keg. It gets uh, pumped into this machi- uh, machine water? over grains okay. with hot water, and then it becomes the wort. Back into the keg, then you pitch into the keg, and it ferments in the keg. All, so really, all you're doing is pressing a button and then pitching yeast into the You mean the I have keg. to pitch yeast after that? That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> That's so it's not, not fully automated. Pe- God, <laughs> false advertising. I really want something that I'll put, you know, have a Ooh. silo of grain. Yeah. 
hook up a water. Done. And a big bunch of yeast and it's a pile of hops, and I just have beer all the time. This is pretty close. close. Oh, tasty. Ta- Come on. Tasty what? wants to wake up in the morning, Cake? scratch his balls, <laughs> clean cakes push, a, push a button, <laughs> and pull the tap. I just want a faucet here's, with beer coming up. Here's right. the issue. Have you ever had good espresso from a home espresso machine? Ah. I don't know. I've yes. never have it. I've what? never had good, good quality. I like, have sure. bullshit. Well, so you think it might not be. Up? I don't know There's what no way for. it's going to be good beer. It'll be drinkable homebrew, which is which could... by then is leaps and bounds among what most of us are doing. But right. uh, a good, a good bread out of a bread maker. So that's Absolutely what I was going to say. I haven't Get had the espresso, here. but I'll give JP this. Yeah, bread out of a bread maker. It's kind of like thick. It's and never good. A little Rusty, funny tasting. That, that's wrong kind of so you do make a good point that. I mean, billing it as an uh, uh, essentially a home espresso maker. I mean, I used to sell the home espresso makers. I've been through. I've been through a lot of them. They are. They don't make good quality beer. Okay, you can make better home. I, I would. I would bet. You can you make hope. better homebrew, I would hope, like on all grain system, actually doing the work, which is, you know, God forbid, uh, versus pushing a button and letting it just do its own right. thing. I, I, but I don't know. I would love to try it. We might have to have them on the show. You know, the homebrewer <laughs> argument against this, uh, unless you're like me and Tasty and you're lazy as fuck, uh, is that you've, you've taken all the art and hobby out of the hobby of, of homebrewing, and yep. now you just push a button. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's the age of computer. You probably just dial up the thing and just add that. The, the, the amber, right, right. Well, what I don't understand is they they want to put the art back into beer, or they're they're distressed about the art. It was some some quote that you read about you saying something about the art of homebrew, which to me does not oh, equate yeah. to pushing a button. We wanted to make the creation of high quality beer brewing simple, amp up the art, and tone down the tedium. How are you amping up the art? You're not. Also, you shouldn't and, ferment in a corny cake. It's not the right shape. Who's so cleaning fuck this them. thing? <laughs> well, I gr- I agree with you, but it, it, I What's think what's the it, batch size here? Do I have to make questions? Five five gallons. <laughs> five gallons. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, oh well, it's a corny cake, so maybe it's two and a half. Well, um, no, it's it's, it's, said it's an oversized microwave. Corny cakes could still be five, five gallons. Okay, then yeah. it's fine. No, five yeah. Cor- okay. are five. Yeah, so it's fine. Well, you've got to have some headspace if you're going to ferment it. You can't. Well, that's a good point. It might not be. It could be three gallons well, in a corny cake. Hey, you better know yeah. about a blow-off tube at that point. Well, they must have that. I mean, they were home brewers. Yeah, so it's if they a, can figure out how to make a machine where you push a they button, must have and a it vent makes, on that. Yeah. The top of the corny has a special um, um, top or whatever that has an it'll, airlock. It'll take an airlock. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need to have them. On. I agree, yeah. but we need yeah. to first. Uh, they will not be allowed on the show. Until we have a le- we have been allowed to test their machine. Oh, I'm having them send one to the studio because sure. otherwise there's nothing to talk about. But yeah, if we can, can go Justin downstairs do in the can- studio, and you're right, if Justin can go downstairs to the studio, push a fucking button, and then we have drinkable beer, I'll also donate seven hundred dollars. It'll mean, come out of JP's paycheck, but I will donate. Right. The only thing that 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 I can compare it to is the Braumeister. You can buy it a yeah. more beer and, and some other. It's a German thing where it's programmable. It can actually do step mashes oh. and recirculation. Do this whole thing right in this whole container. Yep. But there's no sparge. I want a brown mask. It's oh, that, they're that really thing, cool. I yeah, really enjoy using them. Cool. But you lift out the, all the grains are in like a like a mm. mesh cylinder, right? Yeah. You lift it out and you don't sparge it. So that so, you just have your wort from that. Yeah, but yeah. but right away you're limited to your gravity. Okay, so with something like this, you probably couldn't make all these bougie IPAs and bullshit that everyone likes to make. You could, you probably topping out at ten fifty, maybe ten fifty six, and maybe you have to buy the recipe like in the form that they dictate too, like a little printer cartridge. Of, well, like a kit. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like what because it only dick. whatever fits. So I, I don't see how you go to the homebrew shop and 
There's a lot of questions that remain. Yeah, unanswered. there are, and and we'll get them on. And just to defend Definitely. them for the for the amp up the art thing. I mean, it depends how you're defining art because it's sure it's not as much done by hand, but you know. It's consistent. I mean, we say the yeah. art the art of Budweiser is the consistency, not necessarily the quality. Like, what they do is hard to do. So, th- designing something that's, that does this, that works, sure. is art in itself, especially if it's producing consistency. Well, if we go by your definition, Moscow, I mean, we've <laughs> seen your work. It's art. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. This, 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 but then, but then they're the artists, and we yes. are now just the consumers. Yes. And so yeah, they're, yeah. They, you know, a lot of people are looking for that, though. You yeah. know, it just depends. On That's what absolutely true, including Tasty and I. <laughs> we well, so you know, I, I, some time ago, I thought about I, I, I should develop something like this, but it would be more about like uh, making you know twenty gallons of wort. Like I would say, okay, I load this like bunch of grain in a in a hopper and some in the wordomatic maybe yeah. like a bunch of crystal and, and mixed together or something yeah and i would just say okay uh and i have a pipe that would run the whole thing into this into these fermenters it would be automatic work maker kind of thing sure yeah well get ready to see it i mean they've raised they're, they're approaching <laughs> half a million dollars so i mean you know, i want to yeah, play it for i think i want to play for it for sure it is the most successful kickstarter campaign that i've seen in terms of going over your goal, yeah. I mean, they claim that they needed 150 grand to get started. They're at half a mil. Uh, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it is amazing. So if you don't donate to them, they're they're good. Go donate to uh, <laughs> Mellow Vino Meadery if you're going to go to Kickstarter. There you donation. go. That's the news brought to you by Rodall Performance Custom Metal Fabrication Beer Companion Accessories and stuff for your car. High quality. Rodallperformance.com. Love it. Sweet. Do you think people? Well, do you think when 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 homebrew extract came out, people were saying the same thing about how it just reduces the art? I mean, back in the thirties, dials back the art up. You know, of of home brewing. Yeah, I mean, maybe I don't know the the history of, of well, extract, back in the thirties. I know, like the difference between all grain and, and extract brew. I see what you mean. Right? That this is now, just another facet of that. Yeah, uh, of uh, you know, and then because to me, there's like a big push. There's been a big push in the last ten, fifteen years to move away from extract and actually go all grain. I wonder if that pendulum swinging is coming back now to let's make it really easy to make. Um, what I'm going to assume you, is mediocre beer. I think you, you so. Mean I, like, like what? What's wrong with extract? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think if you, I think the pendulum is swinging back because we're starting to say that extract is is in no way taking away from the art. Maybe you're mm-hmm. not doing every. Of course, Mufasa would disagree with us. Right. But you're not uh, uh, taking away the art anymore. Some wonderful artists are making the extract for you, and now you're doing all the rest of the art. And so, to answer your question, is the pendulum swinging back? I think maybe so. A system like this, people would say, well. You still maybe get to design the recipe. We don't know that yet, but right. uh, you still get to make it at your home. And God, I want to make one of these. I want to use know. one of these stupid things. It is an interesting concept. I, I, yeah, I, I, I want to be proven wrong. All right, here's the question. If it makes fantastic fucking beer. They're yes. insisting the, it does. At, at, at nearly the push of a button. There's a couple details, Tasty, that you and I are upset about yeah. that you still have to do. But a couple things. But if at nearly the push of a button, it makes fantastic fantastic beer. Do we accept that as awesome? Is it now great? Do we yeah. do we give a shit? What's not to I like? I give a damn, yeah. I'll, I'll because think. I kind of feel that way. Uh, I've never considered myself much of a homebrew artist. I right. do it because I <laughs> like it. None I of us have. I'm not going to get rid... <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm not going to get rid of all my homebrew equipment, even if I use this. I will make beer several more times a year with this thing. Well, And still, if I feel like doing the whole thing because I still like the hobby... 
Yeah. I'll go to my Allgrain system. Well, here's the thing, though. Like, if you, if, why get one of these? Because at this point, it's going to be cheaper and easier. Like, I'll tell you how else to make, you can make beer right now by push a button is when you pay for that six pack. <laughs> you scan your card and you push, okay. Yeah, true. And then it makes high quality beer that is repeatable yeah. every single time. It's true. But I, I don't know. I, I think if you're going to have this machine and you're going to go and push a button, you're not a home brewer. You're yeah. making coffee. Yeah. Or you're, you're just running water through so you aren't doing anything except telling a machine what you want to see at the end there's nothing beautiful about that there's nothing handcrafted about that but do we care if it then puts a product in our fridge that is maybe better than our local brewer and certainly better than the macro brewer so here i get a homemade beer with ingredients that i looked at yeah. Do you see what I'm, see what I'm saying? Yeah, well, I, I, yeah. I mean, I hey, guess it's like it's well, like making a um, a cake, like a cake out of the box, but you add your own eggs. It's you didn't do most mean, of the yeah. work. You just cracked an egg and you put it in the thing and you mixed it up and you baked it. You didn't actually make a cake. But that cake always tastes better than store bought. I, I how dare you? <laughs> but I see what you're saying, and I don't know. Can I don't know either. Can a photographer be an artist by that definition? Oh, absolutely. Well, why? They're just hitting a button. And no, because you're composing. Because you're composing a shot, and then and then all the stuff you can do in the dark room to actually bring out the photo. Or if you're doing, you digital, can make the all same the argument stuff. with barrel aging your final product or a pitching DJ, or something. DJ Mud. <laughs> DJ. DJ. I don't know anybody. What was your roommate's <laughs> name? DJ Matt Voice. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good points. I don't know. I would love to talk to these guys and, and use their machine. I would love it. I think it remains to be seen, and I think it is the age-old sort of DJ argument or home cake mix argument. Is it age-old? Yeah, age-old cake in a box mix. Well, age-old. I'm 36. However, age. It's that age. I want to interview them. Always going to be somebody going to push the button wrong. Yeah, that's right. It's Justin. The power is going to go out every time. Okay, back in the day when oh CDs are coming. Oh no, I'm not giving up my vinyl. Right, and then and then the next one, then the next. There's one. that swing back to vinyl now. Right, another swing back to vinyl. And then Viagra came, and, and people then, were like, "I ain't giving up my flaccid wiener." <laughs> and, then so, and then so did my grandpa. And said nobody ever. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you laugh. You laugh now. Oh, listen, I'm about a year away from a flaccid wiener. I'm sure of it. I'm going downhill fast. I'm still not. But I can't hear anymore. I can't see anymore. The no. hair is turning gray. I will. I'm going to look like Tasty in a month. We should talk about this a lady coming. I, 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 I know I'm going to give you to the end of the summer. <laughs> we should talk about a living trust Which right now. now. We should. No, not well, this summer. Next summer. Ain't going to help. <laughs> I have a broken down Yamaha Virago yeah. and a 1979 V Dub, which is probably worth something. Thank and you. And a broke back mountain. I'll take it. <laughs> what about Kate? She's all right. Kate is the she's the living trust you want. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, you want Kate specifically? Oh, I could put her in my living trust. I guess. All right. Dang it. Kate, I, it's, it's legal. I own her, right? Yeah, it's she's a, a commodity. We own yeah, a house absolutely. together. That's. I think that means I own her. Absolutely. Uh, oh, and not from her point of view, but okay. Good enough for me. All right, let's do some feedback. Feedback's brought to you today by our good friends over at Adventures in Homebrewing. Go to homebrewing.org right now and check them out. I love their website, by the way. Very clean and easy to use. They're good people over there at Adventures in Homebrewing, and they've been a sponsor of this program for a good amount of time now. They would love your support. Let them know that you heard about them here on the Brewing Network. Oh, my God. You've got mail. (laughs) 
All right, a little bit of feedback to do here. Clayton writes in, all right, why not Black IPA? I just say we call it a, a, a sh, uh, it's a Schwartz IPA, not Black IPA, to show it's more like an IPA that's black as opposed to a hoppy porter stout thing. And to say black IPA is a waste, just get an IPA. Uh, those same people should also stop drinking, making Schwartz beer, and just make Pilsners. What do you think, Clayton? It's hard to tell what side of the argument he's actually on. I completely agree with you. <laughs> I, I think he has a thing for black IPAs. He, he was the guy who was helping me. Uh, he was like, oh, you should brew all grain. And he sent me like a freaking Bible of an email with a, uh, what recipe I should use. And so I think he's got a hard on for black uh, IPAs. He's a heavy type. But I agree with JP. I can't tell which what's, side he's on. What's the point here? I don't know. Maybe he doesn't know either. I think, okay. I think the first line is, so why not a black IPA? And, and but what, it, okay, okay. Uh, how about next? No, no, no. <laughs> All right. I interviewed a, a a brewer who had won at, at JABF in 2012, and Black IPA was the style. And he hold, he was he says he was the first uh, brewer to win in the style when they created the Black IPA category. Wow. And he calls them uh, Cascadian Dark Ales. Of course he does. And feels that because he was the first one to win, he was being oh, a, a oh, bit yeah. sarcastic. Yeah. He gets to say what it's called. <laughs> so we ended the. I I said, well, fuck it. We're going to end the argument right now. Then fine. I yeah. get, I concede. Good. Not that's, that I cared either way. That's a good argument to make. Yeah. He's like, hey, I won the first medal. I get to call it Cascadian Dark Ale. I'm going to call it Pale Ale. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Jeremy writes in, uh, esteemed brewing brethren. Quite some time ago, I joined the BN Army as a corporal. Uh, I wanted to enhance my knowledge on how to brew better beer. After listening to the latest Brewcaster Challenge, where Jamil uh, had his I've hit the big time and no longer have to care about the little people moment, he says he says this tongue-in-cheek, I cried a tear for each dollar that I've spent on all my brewing equipment to do all grain batches. Furthermore, I collected each tear and brewed an extract kit that I will call Shattered Reality. <laughs> <laughs> Bottled samples will be arriving at the studio shortly. Good. Return to Cinder. He says, The Brewcaster Challenge was designed to teach lessons about brewing. My takeaway from the Black IPA Challenge was probably not the intended one, as it completely took each one of your hard work and dedication to improving home brewing and made a mockery of it. But the flip side uh, was that it said so much about how much extract kits have come along in recent years. Truthfully, though, it made me believe that laziness can pay off sometimes when I just want to pound out a quick beer and have to and not have to work for it. Uh, nonetheless, thanks for all you do, um, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I realize he's complimenting us a little on both sides of that coin while criticizing us, but I don't really agree with the criticism that I know that Jamil. We kind of made a bit about the laziness part. The truth is, we thought it would be a learning experience to have Jamil brew an extract batch that he didn't have to boil, and the components of a finished beer that might come out of that. And that was the learning experience, not necessarily to promote being lazy. The lazy part was Jamil being funny and, and us making fun of him. And we do enough if, promotion of laziness anyways. <laughs> and if you listen to the end of his commentary, he mentioned that he actually did brew two different beers so that we could try each one of them. Um, it was not a, a matter of laziness. There might have been a little bit of practicality involved because he is a busy guy. But when we discussed the Brewcaster Challenge ahead of time, the idea was really... This is going to give us an opportunity to talk about how extract is made and how a beer could be made without having to boil and on the quick. So 
I guess I'm just pointing out that I disagree that we were actually just being lazy. Maybe we played up that part just a little too much. Well, I I kind of agree with that and don't. Uh, I I figured after I heard it, because you didn't let any of the rest of us in on it. Correct. uh, That it was a play. And yet, if you could have somebody like Jamil, who hasn't homebrewed in a while. Right. Do something homebrewer like which is not not boil yeah. and, and as an awesome of a homebrewer as he is could he pull it off could it still come out good and yeah. that that's what the whole point was and 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 surely i'll be honest with you we kind of hoped that he had beat the crap out of moscow with that because but only from a learning perspective because we then could have said well you know now it didn't quite happen that way, and I think we learned from that as well uh, that there were some differences in how he fermented and, and things like that that might have, uh, you know, made the beer better. So I guess I just normally I don't disagree with feedback. I just take it all, and you, it is what it is. Unless of course it's about trademarks or whatever the fuck else. Uh, <laughs> but in this case, I disagree. I don't. We were not trying to dodge a segment or not be educational. It was quite the opposite. We were taking a different angle. How the fuck else are we going to put Jamil against Moscow, right? So we thought if we're going to do this, let's get something educational about it. And yep. I think we learned uh, a little bit about extract brewing. So if you feel differently, I, I certainly wouldn't argue. You know. You, you got what you got out of it, and I can't, you know, change that for you. Or, or you but, could, our, but our approach was not as you think. In other words, our approach was not to be lazy, and Jamil's approach was not to be lazy. We just made a joke out of that. No, this was all about how to make, you know, kind of the best segment out of what it was. Sure. Um, Meanwhile, Moscow got, his, got an ego boost. Because, yeah, it did. Uh, <laughs> no, he, he, he brewed an awesome beer. Sure. Well, it, it, it made him step up to the plate. I'm sure it did. Yeah. Yeah, that was way the most care I ever put into to brewing a batch. It was awesome. That was? So far. <laughs> yes! All right. So far. Aw, oh, JP. See, that? you got to learn not to shit on the guy's moment. That's why you don't get invited <laughs> back. Oh. You know what? That was a bad... Moscow's going to rush the plate right now. I don't even know what that means. It means you're a pitcher and... I'm a pitcher and you're the catcher and I'm rushing it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Why can I why do I have to catch? Why can't I pitch? <laughs> I was I am a good pitcher. I can throw things. Sure. Yeah. You know why? Because you fucked up. Alright. Nicole's vagina writes in. <laughs> blah, 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 we blah, haven't blah, heard blah. from her in a while. <laughs> uh Alright. Greetings, fellow know. beer worshippers and Amazon buying dildo enthusiasts. Thank you once again for putting on quite an entertaining and educational series of events at the Great American Beer Festival last week. However, I have to note one minor detail that has been keeping me up at night. Who the fuck was the MC for the Brewers feud between the 2A and Bull and Bush? That guy completely dethroned everything that I thought the BN stood for. His high-pitched, screechy, and whiny voice <laughs> made me want to vomit into a young Japanese girl's mouth. Oh. For a second there, I thought that asshat in a wannabe mafia Don Halloween costume was going to throw blows with that guy from Bull and Bush. I'll admit, it was Saturday night at the JBF, and the guy from Bull and Bush was a bit lit. But for sucks, uh, for fuck's sake, <laughs> quit being such a killjoy. Justin seemed to do as much as possible to keep uh, the seams from completely coming apart, making the whole experience that much more uncomfortable for the audience. Well, I don't agree with that. 
Uh, uh, who's he talking about? The MC was about as useful as your shitty soundboard. Please do the right thing <laughs> and get rid of the pompous ass before he makes all of you look like a bunch of uh, elitist pricks. Yours truly, and forevermore, Nicole's Vagina. So Bradley did the last Brewer's Feud this no year. No way. <laughs> now, Bradley invented the Brewer's Feud and, and gave it to the Brewing Network for us to do at the GABF and the NHC, and we've been doing it now since since he invented it. And he's been threatening to do it himself for, for years, and I always said, you know, Bradley, anytime you want to do it, man, it's yours. But he's always busy. Bradley works for the Brewer's Association. He's quite busy at these events. Oh, wait, In fact, until, he's until, like the main organizer. Until the last one night, and then they kind of give him that... Not usually, actually. But in this case, it finally came around after three or so years yep. of doing it that he had time and he said, can I do the Brewer's Feud? And I said, Bradley, you bet your ass you can. Now, as Nicole's Vagina points out, there were some rough moments. <laughs> All right. he, he hasn't hosted this kind of thing before. And I will say, uh, uh, at the risk of, of, of sounding a little narcissistic, uh, standing off the stage, I was able to pat myself on the back a little bit and realize it actually is difficult to do what gets done up on stage there. Like the, You have to be very dynamic, especially on a Saturday night session with two breweries that are completely hammered and they're playing Brewers Feud against each other, and you have to roll with the punches without coming off like you're attacking anybody. Right. I, Sometimes the easiest humor is just to attack somebody. Yes. And, and, and it's not why, malicious. Why you you just go me? like, and your mom is ugly. Like, you know, it's the old your mom joke. Like, sometimes the easiest thing to do is just go back. And so <laughs> when you're up there and you're a little inexperienced, sometimes you revert to some of these things. And overall, Bradley, I think, did a nice job. Um, I will try and steer him away from doing Bruce feud in the future, but I thought he did it. You know, it's his game, and it's right. his GABF for all intents and purposes. Intents and purposes, like, uh, like he, you know, he's not the only guy organizing it, but the kid works his ass off. He invented a game. He wanted to play it. I appreciate your feedback, Nicole's vagina, but I stand by my decision to let Bradley do it. I did, however, stick around and like try to work the crowd a little bit and step in wherever I could, which he says made it worse. Based on the live studio audience, I definitely think it made it better because it was getting a little awkward at moments and we were able to lighten the load. That's good. So to speak. Um, plus, I got to sit on some hot chick's lap. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. even better. Yeah. And I felt her boner. How? Oh, she got a boner. That's even on that. much like, better. Wow, you have a big dick. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to feel that. <laughs> anyway, Bradley, I love you, man. And you did your best and I liked it. Um, but I can, you know, I understand the criticism. You gonna have him back? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, somebody writes in, Hey, Brewcasters, I just found the Stitcher app uh, to manage my podcasts on my Droid. Uh, even better, I found the BN shows, The Session, The Jamil Show, Brew Strong, and even Homebrew Chef. Now I can have all my podcasts automatically downloaded uh, to my Droid. No more going to the website to manually download the BN shows. Um... Except Dr. Homebrew is not there yet, he says. How come it's not on Stitcher? Uh, must be some type of oversight. All right, you're absolutely right. It's just an oversight. We signed up with Stitcher uh, quite some time ago and haven't really dealt with it since because we haven't had a new podcast in a while. So I will get uh, Dr. Homebrew on Stitcher. I'm glad you bring it up to us. It was a, uh, a lack of foresight on my part. Um, a lot of our listeners do like Stitcher. It makes things easy to do and it just puts things on your phone uh, right away. It's only like the most recent episodes and then they sort of disappear, but that's kind of all you need. So, uh, JP, please remind me to get your show on Stitcher. Fuck. Yeah. Sticker. 
Doc, can you send me an email to remind me to send an email? <laughs> yeah. I don't um, want to be a flake, but yeah. I just kind of... He doesn't want to be a dirtbag. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't want to be a well, Exactly. <laughs> All right, Jackson's iPhone writes in, Dear Justin, I'm sitting here trying to catch up with all of your shows, listening to the Brood Awakening show about uh, three hours and 12 minutes into the episode, and you... St- oh, was this our last... Yeah, that was uh, Josh's last appearance. Yeah. Uh, about three hours and 12 minutes into the episode, you start talking about the movie The Road. I agree that the movie was fucked up, but very ac- uh, accurate of what could happen. Just for a stupid fact of the day... The game The Last of Us is based on that movie. Oh, such oh. a fucking good game. Really? Oh, beautiful game. Oh, it's like a computer game? It's a... <laughs> It's like a what digital. It's like on the on the thing with the screen. Yes, it's a, it's a, for PlayStation Three. I'm sure it's for Xbox. Fantastic. Is game. it on the speak and spell? Is it a speak and <laughs> yeah. spell game? Uh, the what, zombie says. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What kind of game is it? First person it's, shooter. It's like a sort of first person shooter, semi horror like genre game, but uh, it's basically 15 years after this massive apocalypse, and the human race is still kind of like struggling to get back alive, and you mm. have to. Uh, go and take something from point A to point B and go find some other people. I don't want to ruin it. And just is it available pills. on Game Boy? What? <laughs> what? I got my old Game Boy working recently. What's point A to point B? I can, I'm not going to tell you. I don't want to ruin the game for you. Well, if you watch the movie The Road, is it the one getting the little chick too? Yeah. Okay. I guess that was. Oh, that's a good movie. Oh, it's a, that's a really good game. Yeah, your good kids. Game. It's a, oh, it, it, oh, the the the, the way things are it. are constructed and oh. drawn. It looks real. I can't do There's it. There's a little dust floating in the air. Oh, like, it catches the sunlight oh, and yeah. just it's uh, beautiful. Oh, yeah. It takes place in Austin. The movie affected me deeply for like a month. It's nothing, I can't play I, the game. No, I've never seen the movie no. nor read the book, but I know how um, I know how it ends. It's nothing like that. My my kid mm. said so it was the best game he's ever played. It is. It's it's. But are there do it. lollipop chainsaw? It's if not likes just that. how the movie ends. It's Can't the say whole it's my movie. Kid. Like do the things that happen in the movie no. happen in the game? I don't no, know. I've never seen the movie. Well, is there cannibalism? No, really. Mm. No. Okay. You don't see it. <laughs> you just know it's there. Yeah. Uh, but if you're a gamer, a beautiful game, really, really well done. It, it, okay, it, it, well, gamers unite. It's got a whatever. great storyline. I don't know, and that's what get, like gets you into it. Well, I still highly recommend The Road, while also highly not recommending The Road. It's an incredible <laughs> movie that is fucked up. Every time I see it, like scrolling, scrolling through whatever, uh, I, I, I think of you, and I go, I don't want to watch it. I, I'm sad enough. The thing, and 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 I don't want you to watch it either. Except that you're such a you're a stickler about movies and, yeah. and how they're done. I want you to watch it so you can see the masterpiece that it is, but I don't because I would worry that you would die that night. Who directed it? I don't know. JP, can you... All I know is that I think it's Viggo Mortensen Mm. or whatever is the dude, and he's really good at it, and uh, I think Bobby D is in it for like this cameo, but Bobby uh, Duvall, Robert Duvall, uh, but he's like... you Bobby D? Yeah, he's an old friend. Uh, (laughs) You're talking about Bob Digital. The (laughs) Bobby D. (laughs) You know. Also in it is uh, Charlie Theron and Guy Pierce from Memento. Hey, JPP, you can you send me a, a road. It's incredible. A email so I don't forget about to like remind people about this. I, do, I will do that. <laughs> I would, but my internet dropped. Oh, damn it. Uh, all right. Bobby anyway. Feedback. We got to do feedback still. Nobody else calls him Bobby D? Oh, we just did. No, we have to do Twitter game. We just oh, did feedback. Right. Can I, you send me an email, Doc, to remind me that we've already done feedback? <laughs> oh, we did feedback. Thanks. 
All right, that's your feedback today. Don't forget, it's brought to you today by Adventures in Homebrewing. Go to homebrewing.org. All right, our Twitter game was for Halloween. Yes, sir. If you were to dress up like a brewcaster, who would it be and why? Yes, sir. And what do we have? Uh, Chris Curry writes, Tasty, because zombies are totally in right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I get it. Because he, yeah, he's like, a he's dead. But zombies can't text, so uh, I don't okay. know. Yeah. Uh, Gator Beer writes, Tasty, because I think his skin would be the most comfortable to wear. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's, yeah. that's, that's crazy. By the way, I saw a headline this week about zombies. It was on one of my nerd sites, and it said, this whole zombie phenomenon is bullshit because... Zombies wouldn't—they would be killed by animals. They of would, course, they would have. They would. They could never compete against animals. Right. And in an apocalypse, like the animals would still be left, and there'd be these zombies. But the animals would eat them. Okay. You know what I've never seen in a movie, and and my my screenplay that I wrote uh, had them. Yeah, zombie animals. Mm, well, okay. if zombies could like, oh, they were not- in um, um, Le- I Am Legend. That was sort of a zombie movie. It was like a different take on it, and animals became. Uh, yeah, no, those weren't zombies. Those were fast zombies. We don't close. We, we don't say those. Okay, okay. Right. If zombies could like mob you down and eat your brain, yeah, <laughs> could they mob down like dogs and cats and do the same? No, thing? No, no, because they bear. Well, they barely do. They barely mob you down. It's always stupid humans. Like yes. I'm. Well, too. no, you just get, you get mobbed, and there's like four, or five, or ten zombies on one cat. It All could right, happen. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, Agreed. sorry, carry on. Uh, so the skin suit of Tasty would fit everybody. Yeah, Got it? Well, yep. it's the most comfortable to wear. Yep. Uh, our friends at Melovino says, uh, Doc is a grown-up version of Mini-Me from Austin Powers. <laughs> That's a good costume. That's pretty good. <laughs> Brad Joyner writes, Moscow, of course. Jews scare the shit out of me. Uh, he misspelled course. Okay. Well, whatever. He only or had two. letters. Justin Richardson writes, I would dress up as JP holding a double IPA and walk around complaining all night. <laughs> Which I don't agree with. Come on, that's a good costume right <laughs> there. Who are you? They, that's good. Nobody would ask everybody. who are you. They'd all go, oh, Obviously. you're fucking JP. Yeah. They would never ask your opinion. No. <laughs> then they'd go drinking and never invite you. Graham Oster writes, tough call. You already have a midget, an old guy, and a ginger. Put them together and they can be a bar joke for Halloween. <laughs> I almost, I almost read ginger in a different way. It could be one of those costumes where, like, you're the you're the one in the middle, but you have two dummies next to you. You know right. those things. <laughs> uh, and then Todd Palmer writes, "Tasty, make a real costume out of him when he dies. His old wrinkly skin would <laughs> probably stretch to be one size fits all." There were actually a lot of like, wow. now, taste. they're mean to you tonight. They're cruel. There, there were a lot of skin wearing like themes, but those. For some, for some reason, reason, I have this. Well, you have well, apparently the most comfortable skin to wear. Right? Really. I'm See? not sure. I'm not sure it's going to stretch very anymore. Very soft. <laughs> yes, very pliable. Tasty. I do have a serious question no, for you. No, we can't get serious now. Can we? Well, when you go, uh, we might no. be able to. Do you, I mean, you'd have to set it up now because I think your kids would fight with me about it. Can we have you stuffed? Because I feel like well, we well, still want a, a replica of me, you know? Um, Can't be the real you? Like uh, I still want to take you around. Think, uh, a replicant? I feel like if we still take you around to breweries, it'll still get us in places. <laughs> you probably would. <laughs> JP pointed out... But you could just pretend I'm still around and say, Taste, I'm with Tasty, but he'll be right in. He's on his way. Meanwhile, we want to drink free like <laughs> right. I know, uh, JP pointed out, I don't know how many shows ago, that you hmm. cannot legally stuff humans. Mm, that's oh. true. Why do I know that? Yeah, I know, and you, you, <laughs> you pointed it out. All right, good. Uh, I think we were talking about stuffing your dog. Oh, my dog. And then we got onto humans, yeah. Of course. All right, well, we'll, we'll talk well, more I'll about this Well, I'll get you a big plastic of the cartoon guy. Can you sign a waiver? Rotating version. Sign a waiver. We'll get you. The minimum we need to have, death mask. Yeah. We should bring back the death mask. 
Is that literally like the person's face? Yeah, yeah, yeah where yeah, like you, you right, like right when they're they're dying or they're okay. dead or whatever, you plaster, yeah. you make a plaster. You plaster it up, face. and then and then wow. you make the, the negative, and then the positive. Yeah. Oh, How do you two know about that? Where and by the way, bring it back, bring it back from what? Where was? Well, it, well, it used to be like fairly popular. Napoleon ages and, yeah, and stuff, and we had tap plastics right there. <laughs> yeah, we wow. can make it happen. Yeah, I know. A lot I of mean, things. Moscow could paint it to look like him. I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Just paint a would, would that be considered art? <laughs> yes, I think yes. so. That is art, body art. All right, so we had three. Of, all right, I like the. Oh one. yeah, that's right. Hey, we we got to pick. Are we one. done? Well, we got to vote on. One. I liked the one about Doc with the mini me. Yeah, that was pretty good. I and did. I liked one of the tasty ones in I particular, did. but now I forget which uh, one. His old wrinkly skin, or uh, tasty because zombies are in, or tasty because his skin would be most comfortable. <laughs> oh, sorry, no, I think, those. I think maybe it was zombies are in. Yeah, that's, that's not too good. Right. I like Doc's. That was mean, but I don't. Funny. I like the comfortable skin. And timely. <laughs> the bar joke one was good too. The there bar was, joke was pretty. Oh, good. This, this was a strong line. Yeah, they got us all. This is a good one. Hmm. Bar joke. A midget, an old guy, and a ginger walk into a bar. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you what, JP. I never do this. You get to pick the finalists. Pick, oh. two, pick two finalists for us to vote on. Uh, I would say the bar joke. Okay. And I would say uh, I gotta go the old wrinkly skin <laughs> from our good, my close personal friend Todd Palmer. All right, raise your hand if it's the bar joke. I guess. Yeah. Oh, unanimous! Yay! Wow, right. you uh, sounded genuinely happy, but <laughs> like you know looking what? at a baby. Oh, he smiled oh. at me. Unanimous. Well, we we got the first part of the bar joke. We need the rest of it. <laughs> Write that to us next week, and we'll give you another prize. <laughs> oh yeah, we need the rest of that joke. <laughs> All right, uh, who is that winner? Uh, that is Graham Oster. All right, Graham, send an email, jp at thebrewingnetwork.com, and he will get you a prize. And you know what? I just got a bunch of cool stuff from Austin Homebrew Supply oh, while where? I was out there in Austin. And so we're going to send you some Austin Homebrew Supply stuff. We'll throw something else in there, too. Um, but thanks to our wonderful sponsor and good friends over at Austin Homebrew Supply for donating some swag for us to give away for this Twitter game. I do believe we're done, boys. No way. Yeah? What do you think? It's merely 10 o'clock. Oscar? I don't have an outline, but I think we're done. Yeah, the printer didn't work today. Uh, all right. Next week, Sean Paxton and some beer and food pairing. The do's and don'ts and the why's and why nots. Uh, that's what we're doing uh, next week on the program. Thanks once again to Joshua M. Bernstein. The Complete Beer Course Boot Camp for Beer Geeks is his new book. You can go to uh, joshuambernstein.com or shop on Amazon or go to Barnes & Noble and do it. Thanks also to Michael Fairbrother from Moonlight Meadery for being on the program with us and uh, sharing that wonderful uh, stripper mead. That destiny. was really good. That was very <laughs> Thanks he should to have you, a, Jay, for uh, the, the Jester King beers. Those were amazing. You're welcome. He should have a stripper series. <laughs> Isn't, is that not what it is? I don't know. It should a be, A different series that's just strippers. <laughs> I love it. Uh, there, You know what? My and, only and do, disappointing... flight. My only disappointing thing in Austin was my own fault. As we were driving on those shitty freeways that they have there... I did see a bunch of really divey strip clubs all over the place, uh, and I never got the chance to go because this was this whole wedding thing, and I wanted to do the breweries. But I'm talking, I'm talking divey strip clubs. You could probably uh, hit three or four a night. Oh, and just be, and it would just be entertaining. How disgusting! I want to know what, sure it, what, what the Wednesday night crowd's going to be. like. Yes. So yeah. next time when we go, Doc, we'll have to make sure we make room for the divey strip clubs. I have a question. Yes, JP. <laughs> um, isn't it legal? And I'm going to guess that the second thing that you fucked. 
fucked up on. Isn't it legal in Texas to be a passenger and have an open container? Oh, I fucked that up. I don't know. Um, um, it's actually legal in California, kind of, sort of. No, only in an RV. No, you you can't have the open container it came in. But what? It, yeah, if it's in like a, let's say you made a highball. Yeah, and you're in the back seat. That's not an open container. Yeah, like Trailer Park Boys. Are you sure about that? Pretty Doc? much. Yeah. So we're gonna have a red cup. So yep, a red a cup re- with a beer in it? Red cup's cool. You cup. can't be drinking it, but you can have it. Well, you can't, oh, you be can't it. drink it, but you can hold it. Okay. As a passenger, we're talking. All right, and and it might get a little bit of iffy uh, if it's within reach of the driver. This is probably not a good message for us to deliver. But it sounds like my furlough. It, but it, 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 it's, it has to <laughs> do with. Show the, me the article. It, is, is it the container it came in, and you pop the lid on it? But you can't drink in a car no matter what. No. In California. No, you can't, but it's an open container. <laughs> I like how he said no, like you're an idiot. What do you mean? If you get pulled over and you got a cup full of uh, your passengers have a cup full of beer in your like, I wasn't drinking it. I wasn't holding drinking it. it. I was just holding it. It's not an open no. container. No, so but it, as long, the thing is, as long as it's not in the container the it was sold in. Okay. Really? It's weird. But you can't drink it. No. More you can't, stupid. Not, not in the presence of an officer, or whatever. But I was like, oh, hey guys, stop drinking. We got, I got pulled. If that's over. your criteria. Is if, if a cop is around, it's okay to do. You, you need some therapy. Oh man, get a cat. Well, go. it's that proving thing, I think. Right. And there's that little discrepancies in the law, which is stupid. By proving thing, do you mean innocent until proven guilty? <laughs> I see. You know why? Do you know why? I wish that our constitution was written like that. Because I'm on jury duty right now. <laughs> yeah, this man right freaking now. is the bastion of our community. <laughs> he failed the proving thing. <laughs> what do you mean? You know, that thing where you have to prove it. Well, it's, yeah, it's a constitutional kind of thing. <laughs> it says, oh, oh, I didn't do it until you prove it. Good luck to the person that you're jurifa, jurificating, jurificating tomorrow. Oh, yeah. no, they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, I cannot. Ex- I cannot talk about it. Excuse let's me. see. Uh, I did have a question that came through. Of course, you did. Question. I cannot talk about it. The question is: When are you guys going to be done with the show? Hey, Susie, what happened to the question about JP's pants? His pants? I don't see a question about JP's pants. I have shorts. I don't have pants. What's that French word for pants? The- Pantaloon. Yeah, those things. You don't have those. Uh, Susie says though that strip clubs in, uh, in Austin are awesome. I think they're awesome in that gnarly way. Right. They're like they're gnarly. Well, like, that's it, a knife wound. If you walked in, if <laughs> right. you walked in with two hot chicks and your whole entourage, it would be awesome. Uh, I, here's the thing: the hot chicks wouldn't want to go with you. I'm all for taking hot chicks to strip clubs. I think it's a good thing to do. Portland is, is a good example of a place to do that. Yeah. Uh, Vegas is a good example of a place to do that. And <laughs> I don't know because I didn't go in just based on the outside. Austin is not a good place to do that because the hot chicks are not going to be comfortable. No one's going to be comfortable in there unless you're a real perv. Well, I think you're going to get a lap dance like and they're going to talk to you about like coding HTML5 <laughs> or some shit. Because it's like a huge tech, you know, and it I is, can imagine yeah. everyone's getting laid off. They're going to be like, so did you see that normal map in uh, Last of Us? It's really terrible. And I'm <laughs> the lines broke. Dancing around. As yeah, I'm dancing. I do like the dance you Thank did. You. It's, my, I just, it's my lap dance dance. I just got a friend boner. <laughs> boner? What is that? Uh, JP, what? <laughs> What was the name of that game you were supposed to remind me of? Last of Us. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, let's get out, yeah? Yeah. Are you ready, Please. JP? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, folks, we'll see you next uh, week. It's another Monday show. It looks like it's Monday. It's Monday, October 28th. I, will, and, I uh, will not be here. Sean Paxton. Uh, we'll try to get Nate in, in Doc's place, and we'll see you next week.
Thank you to our show sponsor, More Beer. You can get absolutely everything you need to make great beer at home by going to morebeer.com. If you can't get enough of cats, Disneyland, and Disneyland, follow JP on Twitter at Major Jib. Scott's on Twitter as well when he's not changing mind. Follow him at Moscow Paint. For some good beer inside and homebrew info, follow Nate Smith at Nathan Homebrew. Fuck you, Scott. He's laughing at my outro. And Mike McDowell at Tasty McD. Production director on the session has been Push Eject. Tonight's show has been produced by Scott Moskowitz. Your chat moderator and super drunk tonight was Susie. And your host was Justin Crossley. Be sure to find the Bird Network on Facebook and Twitter. 